From the dawn of time we came, moving silently among you, down through the centuries. Immortals. I'm Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod, the Highlander. After the death of my friend Ramirez. And my beloved wife, Heather. I left my home in the highlands of Scotland and began to wander the world searching for answers. Finally, I came to Japan, to the mountains of Neri and the cave of the sorcerer Nakamura. show where each and every week we talk about a different facet of the Highlander universe in detail? It is. Oh, well, then I'm in the right place. I thought I walked into the wrong recording studio. I thought so, too. But no, we're here. It's the same place we are every month. Who's that over there? Who's that, who's that sitting over there? It's me, guys. I'm Who? Keith. Is that one Keith. of our rewatchers, Keith? It is. <laughs> this is Kyle. And this is Eamon. <laughs> and we're your rewatchers. That's right. <laughs> we're messing with the format this time, yeah, and apparently. it's a little weird. It is But weird. I'm loving it. Like McDonald's. Uh, so this week, we're finally jumping into our coverage of Highlander 3. Yeah. Which is exciting. It's this been a long time coming. exciting. Yeah. yeah. When was the last time you guys saw this movie? I've never seen it. Okay. Eamon's so never is, seen it. Yeah. Uh, last time I saw it was maybe a year or two ago. I remember watching Whoa, it. Whoa. You watched this movie a year or two ago? Yeah, I did. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I was like, it was something, I, it's it's a movie I don't revisit frequently, just because I feel like it's like, it's not considered one of the worst Thailander movies, it's kind of like a shrug, so I kind of never think to give it another try. It's like, oh, I, I remember that one, Shrug, where I used to revisit like Highlander 2 or like The Source. It's like, let me see that again. Is it really as weird as I remember it? Yes. It is. Uh, so yeah, this one kind of just would always kind of go by the wayside, because I didn't feel like I needed to revisit it, so it's definitely fun to... Check it out again. Yeah, I don't think I saw this at an age where I could appreciate that it was the sexiest movie of 1995. So, <laughs> oh, but now. No. This also might have been the first Highlander movie I saw. I, I honestly can't remember if it was this one or the second movie was my first introduction. Like, it definitely, I did, definitely didn't see the first Highlander in the movie series. Hmm. I watched the, seri- the TV series first. Then I think I saw either Highlander 2 or 3 because it was at the local video store. And it's like, oh, I'll get one of these. The blockbuster. That's right. So we should give a little bit of background on this movie first. Who's in this monstrosity? Okay, so first, let, let's talk about a couple different things. Sorry, am I tipping my hand here? <laughs> tipping my monstrosity. Well, let's talk a little bit about the creation of this movie. Who's behind it? Who's pulling the strings? Who's making this Pulled cogs the turn? String. This movie was directed by... Andrew Morahan. This is another music video director. Mm -hmm. In the behind the scenes stuff, they talk about how that was a very deliberate choice because Russell Mulcahy was a music video guy and they really wanted to go back to that. Well, first, let's let's talk a little bit about what Andrew's done, and then we can get into the deep trivia on how he got brought into this movie. Oh, I'm sorry. It's interesting. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> Andrew did a lot of pretty famous music videos, including like Wham's Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, which is maybe one of his most well-known. Wake me up. 
Before, Before you go, go. Uh, he actually did a ton of Wham's videos, yeah. uh, including a ton of George Michael's. And also, it's a little weird. A lot of his videos are in black and white for George Michael and Wham. And I was just like, huh, interesting, like, for them. I don't know if that was Wham's decision or George Michael's, but a lot of them are black and white, which is interesting. Whammy. But he also did, like, the music video for Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, which is George Michael, and, of course, Elton John, which is a pretty great song. I as well as Faith. George Michael was involved in that for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, most of his music videos have, like, a lot of close-ups and people turning their heads really quickly uh that was something i noticed when i watched like 20 of these videos in a row but he also did uh queen somebody to love look at that uh but this is his very first feature movie but more recently he's been directing english national operas for the bbc wow seems like a abrupt turnaround from wham but right. fair enough so his second movie was 1997's murder in mind which was filmed for theatrical release but released straight to video and it's a story about a murderer and a hypnotherapist uncovering it is the hypnotherapist actually the murderer i, th- I think it has something did to do she with, yeah. hypnotize herself <laughs> what? Uh, his most recent film is called boogeyman from 2017 uh, and it's about an, a british indian uh, teenager struggling with his cultural heritage hmm. other movies he's done is goal three which is a straight to video soccer movie and oh, that sounds- Amazing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Are you sure it's pronounced that way or is it pronounced Goal Three? Also, really random fact, his half-sister Hattie was the enchantress in the new Beauty and the Beast movie. I'm Isn't sorry, that what? His half-sister Hattie <laughs> played the enchantress in the new Beauty and the Beast movie. I didn't care for that. It was okay. It I was remember okay. I remember really liking the opening. I was like, oh, I really like this. And then just being like, shrug, I don't shrug, like it. Yeah. They got that teacup in it. You're just in it for the teacup. I'm in it for the teacup. Beauty and the Beast. So, Kyle, you mentioned that on the special features on the DVD, there's an interview where the producers talk about how they really wanted to capture that 80s music video style. And they say, we wanted to find the 90s Russell Mulcahy. I thought it was interesting that they thought that the music video character was what defined the look of the first one. Oh, I think it does. In some ways. I mean, the rapid cutting... Sure. Yeah, the rapid cutting, perhaps not maybe the actual film style, though, because that's Russell's own thing. Right. The fast cutting is the music video yeah, style. Thing. Yeah, which I think we discussed in the first movie that the garage fight scene has like the most cuts of any movie in that span of time. Yeah, so it's crazy. Crazy like that. This is from Variety in 1992. Davis Panzer Productions Incorporated is seeking at least $8.3 million in compensatory damages from Helmer Russell Mulcahy for allegedly repudiating an agreement to direct Highlander 3, The Magician. According to a complaint filed in Los Angeles Superior Court, Mulcahy agreed to direct the film via an oral agreement between Peter S. Davis and Davis Panzer and Bill Brock, Mulcahy's agent. The deal allegedly included a payment of $1.2 million to be placed in escrow at least 60 days prior to commencement of principal photography. But on November 12th, Mulcahy, through his lawyer and agent, allegedly denied there was a, an agreement by claiming that a condition that his money be placed into escrow within 14 days had not been met. On November 24th, Mulcahy's agent and lawyer also claimed there was no agreement because Davis Panzer refused to comply with the director's demand that his non-economic benefits be comparable to those which he got on his latest film, The Real McCoys. Non-economic benefits, like meaning like his trailer and riders and perks and shit? Perhaps. I guess. Davis Panzer denies either condition was part of the agreement. So it sounds like Russell was on board at some point and things went Things went south, yeah. I wonder if he had seen the script at that point or what the deal was. Hmm. Very good question. I read that too, and I couldn't really make heads or tails of it. Get that shit in writing. You hear that, Russell? Is he listening? Yeah, I'm I'm sure he is. I'm sure he's got a direct line. He's actually listening right now as we speak. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's scary. He's in the next room. (laughs) 
I think the thinking's weird that it's like, okay, Russell Mulcahy, he was a, a music video director, so we'll just do that again, like Kyle alluded to a little bit earlier. Yeah. I, the, the thinking is a little weird to me. Like, Russell Mulcahy is clearly a gifted visual storyteller. Right. Not because he's a music video director. Right. Because That's a coincidence. He, yeah. This guy, I mean... Mm, not so much question mark. Not well, that this is a bad looking movie. But. It's directed completely competently. It, this just yeah. does not have like the visual flair that Highlander One has. That like Nosh. makes it like unique, or even to a certain extent Highlander Two. Sure, yeah. Although there's a couple moments in Highlander Three that I think are very Mul- like I actually think they're Mulcahy esque. Yeah. Like, oh, this feels like Mulcahy's directing this scene. But we'll get to that as we dissect the movie. So, should we talk about who wrote this movie? Yes. Yeah. So, this movie, the story was written by Brad Merman and Bill Panzer. Brad Merman wrote Night Moves, which stars Christopher Lambert. Uh, so, Chris actually asked Brad to come on to this project as, like, a favor. He's like... Hey, do you want to work on this together? He also wrote Body of Evidence with Willem Dafoe and Madonna, which is another movie that features, like, a hardcore sex scene. I was going to say, all these movies sound like porns. Yeah. (laughs) Night moves, Body of Evidence. Gideon, Uh, also starring Christopher Lambert. So, yeah. So, he also then wrote the movie Resurrection, uh, which he co-wrote with Lambert and is directed by Mulcahy. Uh, In 98, he wrote the movie, as you mentioned, Eamon Gideon. Uh, which is about a simple-minded man who checks into a retirement home where he finds the residents have lost their lust for life. Hmm. Through his innocence, he changes their lives and teaches them that every day is a precious gift. I assume that one also is a hardcore sex scene. In Probably. It. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he also wrote the movie called The Piano Player in 2002. Guess who that stars? Christopher Lambert. Christopher Lambert. And then in 2003, he wrote a movie called Absalon. Guess who that one stars? Who? Lou Diamond Phillips. Oh. And Christopher Lambert. <laughs> oh, okay. That was a good fake out. Yeah. So Brad Merman and Lambert, they're butt buddies. They are. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. They're doing all sorts of movie fun together. That's true. And so then, so he wrote the story. Paul Ohl wrote the screenplay. And Highlander 3 was his very first screenplay. After that, he did a movie called North Star in 1998. Which starred Christopher Lambert. That was close. (laughs) And he's a French writer, and he's mostly done French things. Uh, And actually, when I say mostly done, seems like three other French movies. Oui, oui. Uh, And then uncredited on this project is Rene Manzor. I don't know if anyone recognizes that name. I think I do. It's because, Eamon? He wrote the or directed the episode Brand of Brothers That's from right. Highlander. Oh, that's a very good one. It is. Season one. So that's in weird. some way he had something to do with the story. So before we jump into the stars of this picture, I thought we'd get ourselves in kind of an early 90s state of mind. Uh, so I brought a beverage for us to enjoy. Uh-oh. If this is Crystal Pepsi, I'm going to shit. I have Holy a, oh, shit. No. I have a beautiful bottle of Crystal Pepsi here. Ice cold. So where do you guys you remember? Get, where did you get this? This he was had it in his storeroom. From eBay. This is from 1993. It's for, this is actually a bottle from Wait, that. seriously? No, no, uh, no. This is part of the, uh, the more recent re-release. I've been saving this for a special occasion. Oh, okay. I should have brought out wine glasses, honestly, but... I think we need brandy snifters for this one. Does anyone remember the other ill-fated Pepsi releases, like Pepsi Blue? I remember Pepsi Kona. Pepsi Kona? How about that? What was that? Pepsi Kona? That was coffee-flavored Pepsi. Oh, that sounds gross. Doesn't it? So, guys, let's uh, raise our glasses of Crystal Pepsi and toast to the early 90s and to, to magic. magic and to not size this time? To I guess. magic to Nakano? I don't know. To Neary? Mount Neary. To Neary. Cheers for five years. It tastes 
like Pepsi. It tastes like Pepsi, right? Only without dye. It's fine. It's fine. It's actually pretty good. It tastes great. Yeah. Are, are we sure it's not supposed to be pronounced Crystal Pepsi? Crystal Pepsi. <laughs> so, go find this Crystal Pepsi. You won't I don't think you can find it much anymore, but... It's already off the shelves again? Uh, it's hard to find, yeah. Well, then, fuck you. We're drinking this, and you just have to hear, live vicariously through us. But if you see it, check it out. It's good. I like it. Have yeah, a good, good day. <laughs> That's right. Shout out to LA Beast. Okay, so let's jump into the cast of this movie. So let's talk about Mr. Christopher Lambert. What's he been up to recently? He's got a couple projects coming up. Uh, we got La Voce del Lupo, uh, which the IMDb description reads, a series of mutilated corpses. Of- <laughs> oh, this, oh this, is a, this is a good description. This is literally what it says. A series of mutilated corpses is upsetting a town in central Italy. It's upsetting them? Yeah. <laughs> They're just Here we go. very upset. Police believe that this is a wolf, but it might not be a wolf as others. Uh, as others? <laughs> that's what it says. Might it, not be a wolf as others. It might not be a wolf as others. Uh, then it's he, like there's missing words. As others have noticed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nope, it just ends there. Uh, his movie coming out called The Last Party. Uh, and he's also going to be in the next Kickboxer movie if you're into that, you know, <laughs> saga. Kickboxer retaliation. Wow. And finally, he's in a movie called Bel Canto, which stars Julianne Moore. So... Maybe that one's good, because no. Julianne Moore's more. good. Yeah, right? she's quite good. More, more, more. <laughs> when are they going to make a Mortal Kombat reboot starring Christopher Lambert as every character? <laughs> <laughs> I like that they still credit him as Connor McCloud slash Russell Nash. It's like, no still shit. Russell Nash in this. Slash yeah. the Highlander, because they call him the Highlander a million times. He might as well not have another name. The Who-lander? Yeah. Uh, so the, the villain lander. in this movie is, of course, played by Mario Van Peebles as Kane. And he's the son of famed uh, director Melvin Van Peebles. So people may have seen him in things like Jaws the Revenge, Sunny Spoon, L.A. Law. Uh, but he's also directed a lot of stuff like... It's pronounced La Law. La Law. La Law. La Law Land. Yeah, exactly. That, uh, that movie that didn't win the Golden Globe. Uh, yeah. He directed New Jack City with Wesley Snipes. And Ooh. more recently, he's been on episodes of Lost... Well, that's not too recently, I guess, anymore. Yeah, but it's very not recently. Uh, Nashville, Empire. Those are recent. Yes, um, those are. As well as Law and Order. But he has a huge career, and he's kind of quite like his father, like a renaissance man. He writes, he directs, he acts, does mm-hmm. all this stuff. So. He was in a movie with Christopher Lambert called Gunman. Gunman, and the year was, before. And I'm pretty sure Christopher Lambert put this movie in front of him to get him the part. I don't know if we'll discuss this later, but like, it's strange the way this movie gets like put together. And I don't know if that's just a, a byproduct of it being kind of a low-budget movie, but like, it's rather incestuous. It's it seems like Christopher Lambert's friend, Merman, like, it's like, hey, can you write this? Hey, like, Mario, can you star in this? Like, everybody's like, these people all seem to work together. And it's like, are these all just favors being done? But also, like, Highlander 2 seemed to work that way as well. It's like, oh, like, we're going to make a sequel. I'm only doing it if my friend Sean Connery's in it. I'm not making it otherwise. So, like, things are maybe just shoehorned in because people have friends and they want them to work on it. I don't know. It seems strange that all these things are so interconnected. Yeah, I don't know. Like, all revolving around Lambert. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of Hollywood does work that way. Sure. Then it's like a favor-based system, and it's all based on personal connections, which is why people like Weinstein are so fucking dangerous, because... Sure. You know... And obviously people have good working relationships and they like to work with each other. But it is, I think, very telling that, like, it seems like these people only work with each other. The merman. The merman. <laughs> he only merman. comes up from, he only comes from below the, the lake to uh, work with Lambert. So this uh, movie, The Love Interest, is played by Deborah Unger as Alex Johnson slash Sarah. Um, and she's, she was, plays two characters. We're going to have a lot to say about that. That's right. Yeah. Uh, she was in uh, David Fincher's 1997 movie, The Game. She was in Payback with Mel Gibson. Oh. I thought she was just the pickup artist, the game. This explains uh. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> 
So oh, do you remember the sense. movie Payback? I feel like I always get that movie confused in my head with Ransom, oh. which is like a Ron Howard Ransom movie. is, give me back my son. Right, yeah. <laughs> Payback is a good movie. I mean, I know Mel Gibson is a naughty boy. Is that but... the one where he gets like his toes smashed with like a hammer? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. And there's two cuts of it. One Ooh. with Chris Christopherson and one without. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're both good. Wait, why did he get cut? Like the, for, the original was he replaced with the original or? cut. There's no Chris Christopherson, and then oh, in they theaters added they added him. Oh, yeah, they need to punch it up. Yeah, we need some Christopherson in this. Uh, she was also in the movie The Hurricane, which actually has a few Highlander connections because Clancy Brown is in that movie. Uh, and Dan Gordon wrote the screenplay. And he also wrote the screenplay for The Gathering Ooh. and for Innocent Man, as well as Surf Ninjas. Uh, yes. <laughs> which I know we've talked about this before, but if you have not heard the behind the scenes, how did this get made, where they interview him, Ooh. it might be some of the most compelling and insane listening I have ever heard about anything. Wow. And he is technically a Highlander guy. Yeah, that's right. Specifically related to surf ninjas kind of mm-hmm. wow. he also tells a story about like kidnapping a doctor and getting him high on coke and then going to fight in like the seven days war or some shit so oh, they like tie him to a bed right yeah it's not it's really not so yeah Holy yeah no, there are multiple felonies committed in this story it's a real treat <laughs> i saw surf ninjas in the movie theater very good yeah <laughs> uh so deborah unger more recently has been in the silent hill movies and has done voice work for the Knights of the Old Republic video games. Yes, How about that? I saw that. <laughs> She's also in David Cronenberg's Crash, which is not to be confused with the Oscar-winning Crash. The Paul Crash uh, is fucked up. Enough, Did you ever fe- see featuring it? another like weird sex scene thing yeah. with her. I watched that movie on the Sundance Channel when I was too young to see it. The Sundance Channel would have movies with nudity in it. And when I was a so kid, you were like, hubba, hubba. I would flick to that. But Crash is like about people that get into car crashes with each other and then like get turned on by like weird mutilated bodies and stuff. It is freaky. So check that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This movie also guest stars Mako as Nakano. And sadly, he passed in 2006 at the age of 72. Uh, but he was nominated for an Oscar in 1967 for Best Supporting Actor in the movie The Sand Pebbles. Uh, he has like a huge career. He probably has a bigger career than anybody else in this movie. Yeah. He was uh, the voice of Aku in Samurai Jack. Right. Uh, he did like Mikhail's Navy, tons of TV guest star roles, like in practically everything. But he kind of plays a similar part in the Conan movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And I saw Eamon. Did you see that he did... of the women. Eamon, did you see uh, Mako did one episode of Frasier? Oh, I did. his favorite show, Frasier. Yeah. <laughs> Frazier. <laughs> Frazier St. Cloud. But Eamon, like you said... And Columbo, my other favorite show. Oh, yeah. yeah, one, more, one, one more, more thing. One more question. Just one oh, more question. And he's the uncle on this, Avatar. Uh, power of illusion. Yeah, this power of illusion. <laughs> <laughs> so he did a ton of voice work, Eamon, as you mentioned, Samurai Jack, which is very good. And he also voiced Splinter in the, I don't know, maybe it's 10 years old now, the TMNT movie. That is like 10 years old now, yeah. which is nuts. I remember yeah, actually kind of liking that movie. Famed child molester Kevin Clashes. That's right. Oh, yeah. Elmo. Famed child molester. <laughs> Enter at your own peril past the vaulted doorway. He was the Dexter's Lab announcer guy, too. Baker's performance in this we'll talk about later <laughs> absolutely and so finally the other person who contributed a lot to this movie i would say is the composer who was j peter robinson uh so the first movie was scored by michael Kamen. uh the second movie was scored by Stuart copeland of the police and yes this is done by j peter robinson uh he's done other movies like 1989's the wizard with fred savage Ooh. um he also did some nice. wonder years nice nice episodes. nice uh he the did video game ad that was the wizard yep yeah. uh wayne's world encino man Ooh. 
Vampire in Brooklyn. Uh, he did the music for the Spawn cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he also did all the music for the series Charmed. Milano. Ooh. Ooh. Milano. He also did the music to Deadliest Catch. How about that? <laughs> the show where they go on boats and yeah. catch crabs. Right. Fish? Wow. So he's, there we go. He's actually had a pretty big career. Those are That's a lot of movies. It's a, Sure. It's a lot of movies. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's, he's working. He's Yeah. No, he's done work. Yeah. We all remember Not the starring the theme. Vein. Starring theme from Encino. <laughs> yeah. Encino. I don't you know. know. It's, a, it's a movie people know, though. Sure. It's more Buddy. famous than Highlander 3. That's very true. <laughs> That's actually one of the cut names with Highlander 3 Encino Man. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. So we should that talk about sense. the name of this movie first. So this movie was released. This is a weird thing. In mm-hmm. 1994. In the Philippines. So the Philippines gets the first release of this movie. How strange! How strange is that? It was not released until 1995 in January in the U.S. And mm-hmm. prior to that, it was released in the U.K. And so there are a couple different cuts of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first, maybe we should talk about the name first. And then we should talk about the differences in the cuts and why they exist. So the original title of the movie is Highlander 3, The Sorcerer. Or at least that's how it was how released. How do you say that word? Sorcerer? Sorcerer? Highlander the Source? Sorcerer? Sorcerer. 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 You keep saying sauce, like... Sorcerer. It's hard to say. Philly Jackson, guys. You keep saying sorcerer. Sorcerer. I was a saucier. (laughs) (laughs) Down in Santa. That was the European title for the most part. The sorcerer. Uh, The sorcerer. (laughs) <laughs> and then in that other article, in that variety article we have, it says the magician. The magician. The magician. In the U.S. version, it's called the final dimension. Which makes no sense. Right. And so this is also interesting. So I have a list here of many of the titles this movie went by because it didn't Ooh. just go by those two. Uh, so, for instance, in Argentina, this was referred to as Highlander 3, El Mago, which means the magician. In Bulgaria, in a alphabet I cannot read, it was known as Scottish Fighter the magician. <laughs> Scottish fighter. I wish these were called that. <laughs> I do too. I watch Scottish fighter. In Brazil, this movie was called uh, Highlander 3 O Fatikaro, which means the wizard. Hmm. Fair enough. Uh, Germany, Highlander 3 de Legend, which means the legend. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. uh, In Spain, Los Amotos Trace, El Hachachero, which is. I'm, I'm sorry for everyone who speaks these languages. I'm, I'm butchering these names. Uh, but that's the Immortals colon the Wizard. Hmm. In I, Finland, I'm for that to be like the Hatchet Man or yeah. something like that. Uh, in Finland, this one took a little while to figure out. Highlander Three, Salistaja, which direct translation is Highlander Three, the Mouser. <laughs> But it seems like Mouser is, it means like the predator. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, the Mouser. The Mouser. Uh, yeah. Other fun ones are in Japan, it was Highlander 3, sorry for this pronunciation, uh, Chaoshenshi Daikensen, which is something kind of like challenge decisive battle. Challenge mm. decisive battle. probably, probably means like the us. final battle. Right. Is probably what that means. Yeah. Um, and I actually consulted with a friend of the show, Jill S., who helped us with that translation. And it does kind of mean like decisive battle. Which is funny. In Portugal, this was known as Duelo Immortal Trace, uh, which is a mortal duel. In Europe, it was also known as Highlander 3, The Final Conflict. What? Which makes more sense than The Final Dimension. Absolutely. So, yeah, those are some of the other titles this film had gone by. And it's not too... uh, Dimension? 
What was it like going to a final dimension? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I've never really thought about it. <laughs> so before we hop into this movie, we should talk about the versions of this movie and how they're different and which versions we watch. So first mm-hmm. off, there's two cuts. There's the European cut, there was an American cut, and then there's this like what's released as like the director's cut, I guess, mm. which seems to be a little bit of both, It would, I think. So yeah. the European version has some major differences, uh, which we'll call it as we, we see it, but, like, the special effects weren't finished at, in time, which is yeah interesting. So, interesting. for instance, Kane arrives in New York at some point, and in the version that's on, like, the DVD now is just him kind of maybe walking off a boat or something. He's, like, arrives at yeah, docks. Like, maybe, shipyard. question mark. In the U.S. version, because they were able to finish the special effects, he, like, fucking teleports, teleports in, in. And it's yeah. like, whoa, whoa. whoa. He's got he goes to, like, a wormhole. Uh, so, very different. Some of the special effects look a little cleaner in the U.S. version. Um, so, we watched two different versions. I watched it on the DVD, which is what's most readily available to most listeners of the podcast. Uh, and that includes... It seems like it's mostly the European cut, I think. Does it have the portal? Although it does have, like, rock music at the end. So, the credit mm-hmm. music is different in both cuts. And I believe the American version is the one that has the heavy metal rock music i'll have to double check my notes as we get to it but one version is bonnie portmore playing over the credits and one has this like insane song called god took a picture of me yes we'll get to that oh man was it a polaroid picture yeah. did you have to shake it like a polaroid picture <laughs> they did and then the other version we all watched was our friend from japan jill s sent us blu-rays of a recently released highlander three and so we watched that and i thought something very funny on that the blu-ray menu says highlander the sorcerer I believe mm-hmm. on the menu, but when the movie starts, the movie title come up comes up and says uh, the, the final, final dimension, dimension yeah. which is good. Okay, the transfer is not great. Yeah, necessarily, it's not the, it's not like the new Highlander 4K release, which does look considerably better. Not amazing, but better. This kind of just looks like a rescan DVD, like an up converted dvd or something like that but the neatest thing was it had special features on it and we will talk about that probably maybe towards the end or interspersed in our discussion absolutely uh we should also mention that uh we've read the script the original first draft of this script so every once in a while we're going to be commenting or maybe at the end we will maybe talk about some of the differences from the very first draft to what ended up on the screen and so that'll be interesting too so to paint a quick picture of the climate this movie was released in this movie came out on the 27th of january in 1994 Not a big week for movies. Other movies that were released that weekend, uh, the movie Before Sunrise. Oh, is that the Linklater movie? Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Uh, And also Miami Rhapsody came out that weekend. Don't know either of these. I I don't really know either. Before Uh, Sunrise is like the Ethan Hawke Linklater series of movies that are supposed to be good. I haven't heard of Miami Rhapsody. Um, A couple weeks before the Tales from the Crypt movie got released. Oh, good. That classic. A few weeks afterwards... Like, February 10th, Billy Madison came out. Oh, yeah. The Brady Bunch movie. Ugh. The month after that, Tank Girl. Oh, wow. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> Tank Girl. This is not, it's not a good period. <laughs> no. This is not a strong So maybe at the months. end we should talk about how much this movie earned and okay. what other movies earned. What were the big movies of that year? And we'll talk about that at the end when we break Ooh, this all down. I'm very curious whether this earned more or less money than Tank Girl. <laughs> good question. <laughs> we'll have answers for that at the end of the podcast. <laughs> so you got to stick around. Stick around. See, this, these are the hooks. This is the kind of clickbait shit that people stay for all right guys it's time to talk about the imdb episode description and maybe we've got a couple descriptions we should read Mm. the first from imdb is deceived that he had won the prize connor mcleod awakens from a peaceful life when an entombed immortal magician comes seeking the highlander bum 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 that's pretty succinct pretty succinct right 
then there was another IMDb description, which I thought was delightful because it reads like a children's story. Oh. The third Highlander movie takes place at 1994, which means it's a prequel of the second film. <laughs> After the death of his beloved wife, Heather, some centuries ago, Connor McLeod left the highlands of Scotland and wandered around the world. Finally, he got to Japan, where he met the famous sorcerer Nakano, who was an immortal too. Soon they became friends, and Nakano taught Connor some tricks. But one some tricks! <laughs> this really is like a kid story. But one day, an old like and a kid story? soon they became friends. He taught him some tricks. Like, this is like well, so well, simplistically that written. That's, that part's But so one important. day, an old enemy Kane came to Japan, willing to find Nakano's cave and kill him. Although he succeeded after cutting Nakano's head, uh, the mountain collapsed and Kane was trapped. Now, centuries after, an excavation reveals Nakano's cave. Dot, dot, dot. Oh. So it just reveals the cave at the end, and that's... That's it? That's, that's it. it. Okay. Nothing Nothing about anybody else? No, <laughs> Or anything no. else that happens? And then finally, I will read the description on the DVD box. Uh, and Kyle, you've mentioned that this is, I think, the sexiest movie of 1995. This That was something that I remember distinctly being written on the VHS box. Yes. And I... Is that true? I, I, maybe. I don't know. That it's the sexiest movie in 1995? It certainly has I mean, a lot of... It yeah. is... Very graphic, and Extremely. we will talk about that. Uh, so, Highlander, the final dimension, and says, Chosen centuries ago to protect all that is good. Now an evil enemy has journeyed through time to destroy him. That's on the front. And the description on the back. The third impressive chapter in the Highlander <laughs> legacy. The impressive, third impressive chapter. Slow, slow your roll, DVD. <laughs> this thrilling action-adventure, Highlander, the final dimension, finds the immortal Connor McCloud, Christopher Lambert from Highlanders 1, 2, and Mortal Kombat, destined for a decisive battle with his ruthless eternal enemy, Kane. Mario Van Peebles. His eternal enemy. All right, I've got so many thoughts. Go on. From Gunman, Posse, and New Jack City. Pursued across time by his arch rival, McLeod must make a heroic last stand if he is to rid the earth of the seemingly unstoppable Kane. Also starring Sex Debris Unger from The Hurricane and Payback. This special director's cut is packed with intense action and astonishing special effects that deliver explosive entertainment. Did it describe her as sexy Deborah Unger? Sexy Deborah Unger. Wow. As opposed to homely Deborah Unger. <laughs> Why do they call her homely Deborah Unger? Just her different personalities or different action figure sets, you know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, this is sexy Deborah Unger or this is, you know. Homely This Deborah is Unger. wants to be taken seriously, so she dresses very professionally Deborah Unger. Yeah, exactly. Oh, boy. Well, Sexism. we've gotten a lot out of the way so far, and I think it's finally time we can hop into this movie. Thank God, says everyone at home. All right, so let's talk about the opening. We get that sweet Miramax logo. Oh, yeah. Miramax? Nothing gets me going like Miramask, yeah. which is also the, yeah. the Neil Gaiman movie. <laughs> <laughs> Although I guess that does mean, that is kind of slightly interesting that the production company or distribution companies changed. Yeah. It's very slightly interesting. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it is the most slightly, it's hashtag mildly interesting. Exactly. Very good. All right. So how like, do we open? We get that quintessential red text. I know the red text. The red text is back of all the things. Of all the things. The, like nondescript well, actually, red font. This Kind of blurry. Yeah. Yeah. This actually made a big impact on me just because it made it so painfully clear what was about to happen, mm-hmm. which is, hey, can we remake a less charming version of the first movie yeah down to the meticulous detail of the dumb title cards which were like a placeholder in the original and they're like well let's just do that again and make them still kind of look crummy like yeah they don't look that hot but they're there they're They're there there. but it was just odd because it was like why did you salvage this visual cue and we have christopher lambert in front of a weird ornate wooden well we also get the title which is like on fire i thought that was kind of cool it's okay 
Another new font, though, for the series. Because mm-hmm. I always think that's... Font rewatched. I always think that's interesting. Also, on the, one of the Blu-ray features, they played an ad, and the title comes up, and it's in the series font. Did anyone notice that? Oh. I was like, oh, look at that. Like, there were early ads that had the... TV series font. They can never seem to really decide on what their branding is, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, why don't they just do it in Helvetica? There we go. Which is a nice little Helvetica. Oh, I guess good. we should also say this movie came out, was it during season two and three of the TV show? Season three. Season three. It was in 1995. So. Yeah. As the show is hitting some of its heights. This is also This happening. is also Although this, show, this movie was in like production for almost two years beforehand. True. So it's like been developed. But yeah, I do think it's interesting. I have some notes on that later too mm-hmm. about like how does the show impact this? And it's interesting some of the choices they make. But yes, Eamon, you mentioned we get this narration and this is stylistically different. Yeah. So it like, doesn't come back. No, that is the thing that was so jarring about it. So he's giving kind of a version of the Sean Connery voiceover from right. the first one. No one's ever known we were among you. And this is the clip at the top of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And one bear's like, <laughs> from the dawn of time we came. <laughs> yeah. and, but it, like, it almost looks like he's in a confessional. Yeah. Like that's kind of what this, the scene hmm. looks like. That's what I thought. And I assumed he was in like a big room. With wood panels and a table or something. Well, he clearly is. But <laughs> uh, interesting, though, the confessional thing. That was kind of what I thought, just yeah. from the look of it. Right. And also, it's very jarring because you don't actually see him for very long. Mm-hmm. The voiceover starts before he appears, right. and then it cuts to him, and then it cuts away. And, and it's like, inten- like he's looking, he's talking to the audience. Like yeah. right. this is this is breaking the fourth wall in a sense or something. Like this is also never picked up again. No, in the rest of the at movie. all. Yeah. Well, I guess there is a voiceover at the end, but that's right. it. Right. Yeah. But he's not talking to you. No. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so, yeah, he sets the stage that this movie is going to be, or he sets the stage for what this initial scene is going to be, that this yeah. is after his wife died, Heather, mm-hmm. and he's, he's leaving home, and he's going to wander the world, and he eventually comes to this mountain, Neary, yeah. which he's, is not a real mountain, I checked. Mm. He's walking the earth like Kane from Kung Fu. Right. I also tried Ooh, to see how Kane long it would take. the bad guy in this movie. Oh, that's right. That is right. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, so he's walking the earth, and he goes to the cave of the sorcerer in the canal, which... What? I was immediately like, excuse me? Sorcerer. Yeah. The sorcerer. Nakano, how did you hear about this guy? Why did you go there? What was the point of this? Oh, good point. I never thought about, like, like, does he find this by accident? Yeah, like, how does he end up with this guy? And how does... This guy. Th- this guy. This guy. And then we just end up in a position where he thinks it's normal to utter the phrase, to the cave of the sorcerer Nakano. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, you're asking me to swallow a lot from jump. The way Glambert says Nakano is good. Nakano. The way everybody in this movie says Nakano. And I'm like, I was never sure if it was Nakano or Nagano. Japanese person say this. I don't know. I don't know either. So we get this kind of sword making montage in the beginning. I actually think this is a cool way to open the movie. Like this sword making thing, I like. The sword making thing. As a thematic thing in the movie. I'm going to say is one of my favorite things in the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The emphasis on that. Yeah. So we get some silhouettes of Nakano kind of hammering out. He's at like a forge or something. Right. And he's making like some kind of steel ingot. And in one version of the script, I believe this mountain, it was not like an icy mountain, but Mm -hmm. his cave was in the side of a volcano. Mm-hmm. And the forge was the like the lava from the volcano. That's and I actually, cool. I think that's really cool because that yeah, adds like awesome. a kind of more special. Like it's like, hey, like you can't just make these swords anywhere. It's like forged in lava, which yeah. is neat. Yeah, which also then would add some weird credence to like the weird throwaway lines in the first movie about how his sword is like it's like if a Cadillac appeared in like the 1600s or something. Yeah. Like Although the sword in the first movie is not made by this person, right? Although it's like kind Are you of sure. Yeah, who made the sword in the first? 
first one. I thought I, was, I thought they said it's Masamune. Oh right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who, says, who says that? Ramirez. Ramirez. Yeah. And he falls in love with his daughter. Right. Oh, that he that guy made it, or it was his sword. He made it. I think he made it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Because he's also a sword maker, like in legend. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. Right. So I, I, it's very strange that that's a little confused as well because yeah. at some point we find out Ramirez knows this guy and like visited with him and it's like oh but he didn't get the sword from him or I don't know yeah. strange that um, is weird wait because Connor's meant to have Ramirez's sword right? right oh yeah which is not made by this guy maybe so what's the sword what, what sword does he have in three his normal sword he has his normal sword and then eventually his own yeah then he makes his own sword but I don't believe it's made by this guy so what sword was Nakano making. Just a sword. Just a sword. Just a, just just a sword. A sword. Oh, okay. yeah, just take it on the shelf because he's a sword maker. I guess. That got me all sorts of confused. Yeah, right? No, we got there. We so Lambert's there like through this. creeping around. He's like peering around. At We're just Nakano like very this. stoically watching Nakano make the sword. But he almost looks like sad. He has like a sad expression on his face. Yeah. So then we get some more kind of narration. Well, it's not really narration. It's, I guess, Nakano's explaining more stuff. So Nakano says, Great danger lies ahead, Highlander. From a far land comes another, the most feared and evil among us. He keeps growing. The Kurgan. Exactly. (laughs) This is all dialogue about the Kurgan, essentially. So, and if he wins, the world will suffer eternal damnation. So his name is Cain. Some say he's the devil himself. Right. And so we get some intercutting of, like, Cain and his goons riding. I guess there's supposed to be, like, a Mongolian thing going on here. That's why I assumed he was. Genghis Khan, kind of. Yeah. I believe one of his goons is named Khan in the script Uh. or on IMDb or something, even though they never hear say his name. So there's some relation. If he's supposed to be, like, a, like, Hun or something like that, that he's a... It's really (laughs) weird. Mario Van Peebles, but hey, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So again, this is just like Highlander 1. Mm-hmm. The opening narration is the same. The setup with the Kurgan is the same. But I'm just like, oh, so what was the Kurgan? Right. Like, he's chopped liver, actually. He's, yeah. This guy's worse liver. than the Kurgan, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, why didn't Ramirez feel that he needed to mention Kane at all? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. What? I mean, we know the reason, but it's just like kind of like. Well, that's because this movie is kind of like, you know, jammed in there. Like it's yeah. like wedged to fit in the story. Because it does, like, if you think about it for a few seconds, it doesn't really make sense. Like that. It's like, yeah. oh, well, what about that? Like, it's like, it's, we have to make a movie. So I guess this is what we're doing. Yeah, but the villain in it doesn't have to be the most evil among you. Right. Right. You could just be another guy. It's well, like, oh, here's another guy. Just be guy, like, guy. he's very evil. Yeah. Well, Done. I think <laughs> what, he, what he said about the Kurgan. What Ramirez said about the Kurgan, I believe, is he's the strongest of us all. Oh, but does is... he say the most evil? <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> this guy's the, the most evil. evil. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe uh, yeah. <laughs> Kane is not the strongest, but he is the, the most, most evil. evil. Yeah. yeah. It's important. Well, he does have that forked beard. That's pretty evil. Yeah. He has much more evil piercings. Yes. That's true. So, we cut to a Japanese village. Uh, and this looks, you know, okay. It's a, They clearly spent some money and built, like, a whole set. Heyman's giving him a face like, meh, maybe not so yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, but Kane shows up, and he speaks to a villager and he asks uh, in Japanese where is the well, mountain first he asks in English then he asks in Japanese right. I, I don't understand what the point of them switching the languages is or would be yeah I don't know why I just don't know like what language did he why sp- does he speak in English first yeah that's what <laughs> like what did he think that guy Dude, spoke English where do you think you are <laughs> well like in these kind of movies I am always willing to just accept that everyone speaks the same language. Yeah. That's just you know, an ease of, you know, the audience understanding what's going on. Right. Yeah. But then once you call it out, I'm wondering about it the whole time. Yeah. yeah. I was like, well, yeah, what, what do you, what? Sorcerer Nakano, 
How do you speak English? So, yeah, yeah. he says he like, is... How do all these people speak English now? Also, two quick notes about that last conversation. One, during the whole thing, Nakano is playing his sword with, like, a mallet. <laughs> like, it's a little musical instrument. Oh, right. He's, he's testing the, um, what's it called? Like the, the, the evenness of the vibrations. Yeah. Which was like kind of fun. And then my second note is just about like when the map thing is up there and he's talking about Nakano. I was like, is this a D and D campaign? That's what this sounds like. Yeah. Go on. Okay. So this I think is maybe interesting later. So Kane asks, where's the mountain? He never asks where Nakano is correct mm-hmm. because the guy, the, the villagers like, are you seeking Nakano? And he's like, tell me where the mountain is. So maybe that's kind of interesting. Cause I think let's talk about that in a little bit. Like why is Kane going to this mountain? So the villager won't tell Kane anything. So then Kane is like, burn it down. And then we get this crazy scene where they like burn the village. There's a lot of close-ups, which to me tells me that there wasn't a lot of time to shoot. Yeah, especially because Kane and his goons are on horseback. And yes. first off, I do want to call out, their costumes are amazing. They are. Yeah. Kane looks incredible. He like, does. He's got a look to him, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah, they are on horseback. So then when they go to film it, they don't ever really film the people on horseback and the people they're attacking kind of at the same time. Like, it's yeah. always like a close-up, and it's pointed up shot, right. shot of so the guys on you don't have that background horses. problem. <laughs> and then, you know, other yeah. ground-level shots for the other people. People. I didn't think this was an exciting sequence. It wasn't exciting. It was just like, it just looked like a series of things happening. Also, someone gets brutally fucking stabbed in the eye. In the eye. And it's just yeah. gushing blood from their face. On the special features, there was a scene that they wasn't in this scene where, like, Kane is biting, like, either His the nose or the I think tongue he, out. I think he bites the guy's tongue out. The of villager the guy that, that won't tell him. Wouldn't tell him. Mm-hmm. What? It's just How like, did I miss that? Yeah. It's just like it's a, awesome. It's like I kind of like that. It's just like a split second thing. But he's off his horse. I was like, where was that? Yeah. I would have liked why to was, see that. Why would you like to? Why did he do that? That's so I, weird. Yeah. Oh, was he making out with this guy and then bites yeah, his tongue a, off? Probably. Yeah. That's another difference between the U.S. cut and the European cut that we American should call it. people's makes out with a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Uh, well, the sex is removed in the European cut, the extended sex scene that we get treated to later. Yeah. And also, I believe the, the beheadings specifically, like where you actually see the head come off the body, is mm. removed. And it's because in Europe, or at least in England, they wanted this to have a PG. They don't have a PG-13. I think it's like a 15 rating. Mm. Uh, and it, they wanted to hit that instead of like a hard R. Uh. So the violence is toned down in the European. So that's another difference that's in these two cuts. Interesting. So yeah, so he bites his tongue off. I wish that was in the movie because that's again like something that's crazy and yeah. like at least different and wild. Like, <laughs> yeah, and not just supposed to just, this kind of boring burning scene. Yeah. One time, like the guy's torch isn't on fire. <laughs> like he's galloping around, and there's like no fire in the torch. And I'm like, "What are you burning down?" So is yeah. this scene there to? T- I mean, like in the original movie, we are not told the like the Kurgan doesn't necessarily do evil things. Like he looks kind of evil and threatening. He kills, I guess, what we know to be the hero of the movie, so we think he's bad. But like we're mostly just told the the Kurgan is a bad guy. And as the audience, we're like, "I get it." Yeah. Did they think that wasn't enough in this movie? So they're like, "We need to show him well, be you, bad." Well, they show him kill the hero before you find out who he is or what his deal is right like you know nothing about him he's just a mysterious badass looking guy who stabs the shit out right of but definitely and... like the the look of being evil like yeah it was enough that's like darth vader it's like i yeah. don't know what his deal is but he looks scary so yeah. he's the bad guy you know right. that's all you need yeah but yeah I, I, the scene just doesn't do much either it just doesn't yeah i don't know there's no emotional impact. It's just like, okay, they ride around, stab people. Also, it's during the day. There's a lot of day stuff in this movie. And we were told already how evil he is. It's yeah. not like it's not like they did like the a most show. Evil. Yeah, it's not like they did like a show don't tell thing. They yeah. told us 
Then they showed us. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. So then they don't find out what they need to know, and they burn this village down, and, and then, then just they just gallop, gallop away. Right. So then we cut back to the cave, and Mac is asking how to kill Cain. And Nakano says, with heart, soul, and steel. So this is a callback to the first movie. Is it with faith and steel? That's yeah. That's the thing that's yep. kind of weird. Like, I don't... I, I think it's cool that there's a callback, but it's mm-hmm. wrong. I don't know if it's wrong intentionally or like what the deal is. Yeah, so Ramirez said with heart, faith, and steel. And this one, it's heart, soul, and steel. I don't know. That is very strange. But then we find out that Nakano knew Ramirez. Uh, and he says... Like him, my gift to you is my knowledge. Right. So he's like, I've lived many lifetimes. Um, and then we, we also see a shot of the, like the steel block that he's, I guess he's been making these steel blocks that he's going to forge into swords. Maybe it's magical metal. Who knows what the deal is, but it's got his like emblem on it. And that will become important later. Mm. And then we get 30 seconds of McLeod washing his arms. Yeah. There's this waterfall shot. This is all like vaguely like, is this offensive? I, I like I don't even know. Like when he's making the sword, there's like very stereotypical oh, like Japanese style this, music like, this playing. Flute music playing. That's and yeah. like the vaguely Asian hand motions under the water and stuff. And I'm like, did they like consult anything, or is this all just like this seems like a mystical Japanese thing? Let's just throw it in there. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. It was very yeah. strange, though. So Mac and Nakano are then training with, like, sticks. Nakaro knocks Mac's sword out of his hands, and when he looks down, the sword turns into a snake. Yeah. So he's scared. And so Nakano's like, oh, it's not, everything's not what it seems or whatever. Hands it back to him. Then they fight a little more. And this time, Mac knocks Nakano's sword out of his hand. You have already lost. Right. And so then, then we get introduced to this special move. Which is like the you you already skipped over. You need to respect the power of illusion, which is a line to which Mac asks no follow up questions. (laughs) Mac just saw a sword turn into a snake and then was told about a power of illusion, and he has no questions. He's like, okay. Oh, okay. and it's just oh, yeah, you have to right. respect it. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. I'll respect it by not asking any questions <laughs> about it. I will respect it by preserving my ignorance about this fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Then we learn the special move. So Mac lunges, and Nakano does this move, which the special move can be described as grabbing the sword away from the other <laughs> Like, he just takes it away. Just and, takes and, it and a camera and filter. Spins. And, and a camera crazy, filter. like, triple threat camera yeah, move. move. Yeah. And it's like all these weird like yeah, colors. The saturation the goes all crazy. Is actually the cinematographer's special move. Yeah. It's like some <laughs> chroma filter thing yeah. happens. Use the power of editing to bait your opponent. So now Nakano has Mac, and he's like, "Aha!" So he says, "Fight with your spirit, and your sword will follow." This is like gobbledygook. This is like, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, what does that mean? I don't know. Like, w- what lessons are we learning here? I'm not sure. So then he hands this stick to Mac, which is the one he's been holding the whole time, and it turns into a katana. So what? let's break this. Like, what? What, is, what, was, what was anything? Was You're, it always the katana? Oh, I, I know what's happening here. What? I know what the confusion is here. Oh, really? Okay. You're not respecting the power <laughs> of illusion. <laughs> that is always, that's my problem this whole movie. You're going to yeah. have to keep reminding me of that lesson. See, what? I respect the power of illusion, <laughs> and that's how I watch this movie. Yeah. yeah. So I'm giving it five stars. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a big problem in this movie is, like, what is this power? Like, is yeah, it an illusion or, like, are they changing things into other things? Well, also, I'm not Mac sure. never has the power of illusion. And by the very nature of his conflict with Kane, I don't think he's respecting the power of illusion. <laughs> 
So Mac didn't learn his lesson. No. From but Nakano. He beats the power of illusion. He beats it. Yeah. So by res- uh, is that respect? I guess. I, uh, I don't know. The wooden sword turns into his sword, though. Right. So was he fighting with his sword the whole time? But also, like, symbolically, it's like, I think when the hero gets his weapon, it's like, you're ready. Yeah. And I'm like, is Mac ready? Question mark? Well, then after this, he starts, like, before this, we saw him doing badly in his training. Now we start to see him... Do See, well in his training. I yeah. guess. Is he really though? Like that's a big question I have I don't know, about he this plays entire ninja in a second right. and crushes well, it. But yeah, but like I don't think we really see a transformation of Mac. Like I'm like also the unlike, sequence is two minutes long. So unlike the first movie's montage, which also I think is like a, a fantastic training montage. Yeah, like not we so see Mac learn things. Like it's not just the training. There's like philosophy thrown in there. Mm. Like Mac learns about the rules of the game. Well, uh, also, they're not just in like a cave. <laughs> Yeah, it's visually interesting. Yeah, they're not yeah. in the same. They're not in the space the size of this room. But I'm not right. sure what Mac's arc is here, other than like you said, like respecting illusion. And I don't know how that even translates to like when he plays Fruit Ninja to be like, oh, spin around and the guy's over here now. That has nothing. That's like that weird Jedi thing has what, nothing to yeah. do with illusion. Waste yeah. all so this what, food. What is about to <laughs> happen? Waste all this food. Okay, like, yeah, yeah. Nakano then proceeds to throw fruit at a blindfolded Connor. Mm-hmm. Who, slices them out of the air and also this is funny because i want to say uh there's an entertainment tonight spot on highlander 3 and we'll post this clip on facebook lambert talks about how like sharp swords are and of course his sword wasn't that sharp filming but also like since he has like that myopia with his eye it was very hard for him to cut things in half so they had to like pre-cut the fruit in half (laughs) and so it would like fly apart when his sword hit it which i thought was pretty good that's awesome that is funny and then nakano puts the piece of fruit on his head on like a little i don't know circle circle thing (laughs) and then he's trying to be sneaky sneaks around him behind him but then connor realizes he's there and cuts it here's the part i don't like about that scene it's like even though connor's blindfolded nakano is so close to him that he would just sense that that he was moving. Right. Just well, no, you got to use the power of illusion yeah. to conceal your... <laughs> like, if Nakano teleported behind Connor, I thought that would have been cooler. That's just me. Not cool, but cooler. Cooler. Because sure. yeah. this was not cool. This, no, this was cool. I just thought it would have been cooler <laughs> yeah, if right. he teleported behind. <laughs> but yeah, Connor gets the gets the fruit. Are these melons? They look like pomelos to me, oh, which look. is like a... yeah, just like a, a pomelo? It's like a very big grapefruit, oh. uh, except like the pith on it is like... An inch what? thick. A pith? Yeah, it's a pith. Uh, that's like not the zest would be the, you know, the orange skin. part. The, the, the very outer layer layer that contains the essential oils. Mm. Uh, but the the white part is the pith. The, the bitter. Pith. The shitty part. The shitty part, yeah. The part exactly. that no one wants. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like a, gra- a very big grapefruit. Huh. Um, but yeah, then Nakano says, well done, Highlander. The sword wields the spirit of its master. And I'm like, again, all right, like, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, you've seen a lot of growth of spirit in Mac. Yeah, like, I just, just I don't know what the story is. Anything. Like, they needed to give him some deficiency. Yeah. And I don't see it. And we never see him really grow. And that's a problem. Also, this entire thing just posits a version or a, a philosophy or an approach from a cloud that I have no reason prior to this to think he would possess. And for which he doesn't like, really exemplify in the rest of this no, movie. No, he doesn't yeah, seem like, like a meditative dude or... Yeah, fucking rumpled white tennis-shoed Mac that you see in Highlander 1. Do you think he's, like, meditating or doing any of this shit? Like, do you think he's like, ah, oh, I must train my spirit so my sword will follow? Yeah. Is, is there any reason to think that that's who that guy is? No. Here's a key theory. One theory I've kind of wondered is this was all taking place during the production of Highlander season three. 
and we just wrapped our coverage of that season, and we think that's obviously the strongest season to date, and the show really comes into its own. Part of me is curious, like, Bill Panzer is the person kind of responsible for, well, Highlander 2, The Quickening, which is a vastly different, you know, take on the story. Then we have Highlander 3, which taps into this, like, magical thing. And then we get, like, Highlander the Source, which is, again, like, maybe strange directions for the show. And Bill Panzer does seem to be the driving force behind those changes. Like, he he definitely maybe viewed Highlander differently than a lot of other people did. Like, he was more into this fantastical, magical element. And I'm kind of curious, if he was making this movie and entrenched overseas and in Montreal dealing with this movie... Is one of the reasons Highlander season three so good is he was a little hands off and he was able to like develop from their, the, the writing staff was able to really sing and do their own thing because maybe Bill Panzer didn't have much to do with it. Hmm. Nothing against him really. Like, but they, they definitely, I think there's, there's different visions, especially considering that these things come out concurrently. Highlander yeah. three presents a completely different vision of Highlander than what Highlander the series proposes. Or I just thought of this now while you're talking, maybe it's the opposite. In fact, because who is into all of the Japanese martial arts meditative stuff? Duncan McLeod. Was this an effort to inject something that was perceived as working about the Highlander show into the movie universe? I would say no. And we'll get to this later because I think there's other differences between this and what's going on in the television universe that I'm kind of puzzled why they're so different. But we will say that Bill Panzer is the story person for this movie. Correct. Right. So it's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a a thought I had because they're they're so vastly different. Guys, did you know the sword can be the gate to heaven or hell? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Until this movie. Until this movie. Hey, do you think that wine was going to come back? No. It sort of does, a little bit, kind of. We'll talk later. After this fruit ninja scene... Fruit ninja. Nakano (laughs) takes the sword and he puts it to his own neck and he tells Connor, he's like, take my head and you'll get, like, all my knowledge and magic. And once again, we had a discussion in the episode Mortal Sins about how the writers and the executive producers, like the Abramowitz, were like, when a quickening happens, like, you do not transfer that sort of knowledge. Like, cause yeah. the director who was Mario, Mario as a party, I don't remember, wanted to yeah. do something where like the quickening gave Mac all these flashbacks to like world war two oh, and all this Nazi, Nazi stuff. Flashbacks. And they were like, no, it does not work like that definitively. And Highlander three seems to be saying, no, it does work like that. Again, like this discord between the two mythologies and you power up, you definitively also power yeah. up when you right. take a head in a palpable way. And that's spoiler. Why Kane wants Nakano because he wants his magical powers and he'll get them any way he can uh so then at this point nakano lunges at mac and mac does the special move which just r- is ripping the sword out of taking hands. a sword gimme gimme and so i guess at this point now we're like oh i guess mac has learned everything because he even knows the special move with the the video filter yeah well like he mastered the video filter and but like the real hard part they had to practice is that triple take that they do yeah. Where, like, they show him grab it three times. Right. That's hard. That that's takes, the hard part. We need to distort time. Yeah, that part of it, that's, well, that's the power of illusion. Yeah. And through all this, we're getting some intercuts of Kane riding closer and closer. And I guess eventually we see, like, the mountain in the distance. Mm-hmm. So Kane's arriving. Somehow. How he found it. How? I don't know. Since he had to ask for directions on the road. It's not yeah. like he's just being drawn there, right? I, or maybe he found some know. other people to tell him. Which he, they didn't film. burnt six villages. Right. Yeah. Bit off nine tongues on the way. Oh, you're that village burning guy. Yeah, I'll tell you where it is. <laughs> it's over there. Also, uh, at one point, Nakano teleports Mac to a desert. Oh, right. Yes. 
What is that? Well, yeah, it's like fucking Beetlejuice. They go to like yeah. the, the sand because the, the sandworm sand pops up. <laughs> um, so yeah, is that an illusion? Do they really travel somewhere? I'm not. I'm not. I, sure. I think it's an illusion. An illusion, right? Yeah, it's a okay. power of illusion. That makes sense. Yeah, I don't know why he does it to prove a point. He's like, see, you could go to a desert. And respect this. Yeah. Respect my authority. Okay, so. He actually does talk that way the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mako also did the voice of Cartman. (laughs) Hey, Rewatchers. We've got a sale going on now, and it's just for you. The Highlander collectible magnet set is available on our Etsy and Facebook pages. How much does it cost? It's only $15 for a collectible set of five awesome magnets. You're kidding me. It's less than $3 for magnet? That's right. That's this is com- cheap as fuck. Yeah, with such cool, unique artwork. Where else can you get? Like, you can even buy a print for that much. No. Prints that- are more expensive. And this shit will last, I would say, a lifetime. They These are, are high-quality, durable magnets. They are heavy-duty. And Keep they feature... away from your phone. Don't like <laughs> <Yeah>. your phone. <laughs> I tried it. I put one of these magnets on my phone. Everything was lost. <laughs> Eamon's life's work is My gone. life was ruined. My tax returns were on that thing. Wow. You do your taxes on your phone? Gone. Yep. <laughs> TurboTax does actually have a very efficient app to be discussed later. <laughs> Are they paying us for this? Yes. Hopefully one day. Hopefully one day, but not Into this it. day. So these magnets feature the likenesses of Duncan McLeod, Amanda, Joe, Mythos. And Duncan Part 2. And Duncan Part 2. Uh, a Scott. Scottish warrior, Duncan. Duncan. <laughs> oh, Let's do it together. Yeah. So, so make, buy, sure make sure you pick your, your magnet set, set today. You can find them on our Facebook store or on Etsy. I can't understand you when there's only one of you talking. <laughs> anyway, check them out. They're really awesome. And add them to your collection. Today. Back to the show. Okay, so now we get the kind of climax of this initial flashback. Uh, so we cut to later in the cave. There's some statues, and one of them, like, turns its head. That's creepy. And opens its eyes like really it's a creepy. rejected Muppet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a odd stone Buddha so baby. I had, yeah. I had questions. That, is Nakano magical, or is the entire cave magical? Like, is this a magical place? I guess. Like, how does this work? And that's not that's, an illusion. That's an illusion on the cast on the audience. Yeah. Also, <laughs> also, key theory, is that statue a security system? That's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, really? Yeah. Okay. That's alerting Nakano that, like, shit's happening. Yes. Also. Okay, I'm glad that, like, it wasn't no. so crazy that I yeah. thought. Right, uh, awesome. I did not think that at first, but I have a lot of questions about the buzz in this. I just, yeah. The lack thereof. And this movie seems to kind of posit there is no buzz. I kind of, that seems but they be, say they can feel people. Max yeah. says it later in the airport. He's like, I can feel him. This is another one of these but weird discords no, like, between the, the series and this movie. Like, it's so strange that, and I get that they're different and that they want to leave them different, which is okay. But it seems strange to me that like the TV series is the perfect play box for this concept. Like, they have 22 episodes a season to mess around with the stuff and introduce really good ideas, introduce some like kind of dud storylines, whatever. But they get to mess around and see what works. Stuff like the buzz worked. I don't understand why they didn't say like take some of the best stuff from the series like the buzz and put it in here. 
It seems yeah. strange to me that they don't like they didn't seem to learn from themselves, or it's the fact that this is like a, another crazy co-finance production where everybody's got their right. hands in the cookie jar. Yeah. You know, stuff just is like, nope, we're not doing that. It's like, well, all right, like you got to make the movie, got to make our money. Yeah, yeah, very gotta strange. It money. is strange. So yeah, I did think that it was a weird baby stone security system. Yeah, but I did. Stone. I had the same question about the buzz. I was like, is he getting the buzz? Question mark. Well, no. They're, yeah, they're both asleep. So it's like, mm, okay. And how do they get into the mountain? Like he just points at this like stock footage picture <laughs> of a mountain. I guess they go right up there. And I'm like, yeah. How do they get in? Where's the entrance? All right. So Nakano tells mm-hmm. Mac he needs it's concealed. To the 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 mountain is protected by the power of illusion. Yeah. Right. But you got to respect it to get. How many entrances is, <laughs> does Nakano's cave have? So Nakano tells Mac he needs to leave, and he's like, "You have a long journey ahead of you, and this is not like your time." You know what bugged me about this too? Yeah. Uh, Mac does not have a sheath for his sword <laughs> in any of this. I know we've talked about it before, but I'm just like, yeah, he never does. You're in Japan, man. Pick a sheath up. Yeah. <laughs> Get yourself a sheath for the road. Uh, so much like the first movie, Kane arrives. And does a cannonball. Just yeah. like in the first movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, first he tells his two goons, he's like, they're both mine. So this is just like Kurgan saying, yeah. like, hey, like, the young, like, leave the young one to me or whatever. Yeah. It's like, all right, fine. Also, we'll find out later that these two goons are immortal. Yeah, which mm. I did not know. At not this clear yeah. at this point at all. No. Yeah, Nikano. Nikano jumps. Yeah, that's, that's your favorite Mortal Kombat. Yeah, Nikano. Nikano. Did anyone... Do, I did kind of feel, find it a little confusing that there was Kane and Nikon. Like, they, they, their names are kind of similar. <laughs> they are. And, and that K sound is like an important sound in the Highlander universe. And yeah. Yeah. the hero has it, which is a little weird. Yeah. Yeah, he like jumps from... Yeah, he does this crazy jump. It's like a cannonball. Yeah, he's so like, he jumps down from like a ledge down to meet Nakano. Gadoosh. So he's like, the pleasure's all mine. And then Kane like fucking slaps Nakano across the yeah, face. He bitch slaps. Him. Uh, it's pretty brutal. So they obviously know each other. So, but then Kane says, "Where's the Highlander?" And yeah. so here's my question: Is in the the previous scene where he burns the village, he asks where the mountaineer is. Mm-hmm. He does not say where's Nakano. It's the villager that assumes he's looking for Nakano. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm like, wait a minute, why is he here? Did he hear Mac is here? Who did he hear it from? Like, right. he's clearly not being drawn to this place, or else he would just go and doesn't have to ask for fucking road directions. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't, I don't quite understand what he's doing there. It makes more sense that he's looking for Nakano, and Highland, the Highlander is just there. there. Yeah, and it said he's like, oh, I gotta catch him. Yeah, it's like, has he heard this like weird prophecy that Mac is the one to win the game, which doesn't exist, right? Like in the first movie, is Mac like really prophesized to win the game? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. No. It's just like you're a good guy. Somebody good needs to win, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is strange to me. It's not spelled out. No. And also we get some stuff that like they met each other 200 years ago. And Nikano and Kane, yeah. Yeah, and it's implied that Kane tried to kill him then and presumably lost because he's like, oh, I tried to take your magic before and it failed. So then Kane stabs Nakano. He's like, my head does not easily come off. He, he stabs McCloud. Now he's just McCloud kinda... tries oh, to... Well, McCloud... he's going to take his head. He's Mc... like, there can be only one. He's going to take... Nikano's head. And then Mac leaps from behind the waterfall, screaming, not a good move, and then get like gets like stabbed from behind. Like impaled. Yeah. It's brutal. It is brutal. And there's a weird intercut of the Kurgan stabbing him. Yes. Yeah, which is weird. To yeah. just draw this parallel. To make it really clear we're seeing the same movie. Again. Exactly, because this yeah. parallel is it's not a parallel. Like that's it's his just, first step. It's, it's just, just someone stabbed, getting stabbed. stabbed. It's like, yeah. all right. Yeah, I don't I don't understand the significance of this. None. Is it just because like now that he respects the power of illusion, <laughs> this is like his first death again? I don't know. Fuck. 
Well, like, you never forget the first time you respect the power of illusion. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so now Kane is going to kill McCloud, and but he Nikano. raises the sword, but Nakano sweeps in and blocks the sword. Yeah. And then Nakano does this weird move, right? Well, he kicks Mac out of the way. It's like, when I tell you to leave, like, get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at which point, Nakano finally deploys... His magic, I guess. Right, because Kane's like, go after, like, guard the Highlander. Also, I just want to say, they say the word Highlander so many times in this movie. Like, it's like the catchphrase of this movie. Like, Mac is never referred to as Connor. It's like, oh, they're always calling him Highlander for everything. Get the Highlander. Oh, there's the Highlander. It's like, all right. Fine. Sure. Nakano makes himself buddies. It's Huey, Dewey, and Nakano. So there's, there's triple of them. Also, Nakano, he's a wuss, man. Nakano is shit. Yeah. I'm just going to come right out and say it. Nakano puts up no fight. Yeah, well, Sean Ebro- Connery put up a much better fight with the Kurgan. Do you think Sean Connery's going to win that fight? He fucking slices his neck. Yeah. Yeah. But no, this he does, like, nothing. Like, yeah. And he's, and he's, like, ready to die. Like, in the beginning, when Kane comes in, like, he's just on his knees. Like, he's just going to take it. It's like, oh, okay. Also, it's not until Mac intervenes that this becomes, like, a fight. Yeah. Where's the power of illusion when you need it? I know. Like, he makes these two clones, and then and, but Kane instantly sees through it. Well, but every, at first, the goons are, like, dumbfounded. It's like, who? which one is it? It's like, well, <laughs> there's the guy who was in know, the, the middle. One on the, yeah. <laughs> it's like there was the one in the middle, and then he made one on the left and one on the right. Guess which one's the real one? The one in the middle. Like, yeah. it's not confusing. It shouldn't be confusing. Although, when he does get stabbed, it's the one on the left or yeah. Kane's right. No, I'm, so fi- I, I'm fine with that. Okay. But he sees a, a bead of sweat. Going down the real Nakano's... Which I thought would come back later, because that would make sense. It's like, ah, the thing that defeated Nakano might defeat Kane later. Right. Does not come back. Nope. There's, nope. there's no payoffs in this movie Mm-mm. at all. Spoiler alert. Uh, and then uh, Kane eats his sweat. Yeah. Yes. He, like, licks the sweat. He's like, you betrayed yourself, old man. I wish he said finger licking good. <laughs> <laughs> he just says, smell my finger. Uh, finger licking good. Which is from... That's a line from the movie Constantine starring Keanu Reeves. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Also, it's not like there's a cool fight between the triple Nakanos and Kane. Yeah. There's like nothing interesting happens or comes to this. It's just like he tries making two body doubles. Kane instantly sees through it and houses him. Yeah, because Kane like fights the two and then with his other arm, he has like a dagger, I think. And he like sidestabs Nakano. I think that's how it's supposed to shake out. Yeah. But it's like, what? Well, they could have done so much cool stuff. Like, he could have turned his sword into a snake or, like, teleported them all to another location. Well, the thing that's crazy, too, is, like, I get that this is, like, a special effects scene. Like, there's three, like, and that maybe filming a sword fight with three clone things is maybe not the easiest thing to do in 1995. Also, he's, like, an old man. Right. But... Just do just something else. Exactly. Just do something else. Like, you can just do this with camera tricks. It's like, just cut and show Nakano up on a ledge and then cut again and he's somewhere else. And it's like, you know what I mean? Just, like, draw this out and make it a thing. Like, have yeah. at least the illusion be part of the fight. And it's like, it's really just like or a have dud. there actually be a fight. Yeah. Instead yeah. of just a slaughter. Also, I just want to pause here to say they are very clearly setting up this Kurgan parallel here where, you know, obviously evil immortal kills Max Master. Right. Did any of you feel a single goddamn thing when Nakano died? No. I laughed. I laughed as well <laughs> because of what we're about to discuss. Yeah, in the right. moment. yeah but no, no but emotion. We spent a long time with Ramirez. We had also spent some time with Mac by then in multiple different time periods. We got that cool montage. There was learning. You felt affection between those two people. 
Because he doesn't and, die until like halfway through the movie, not in the first four minutes. Yeah, you cared about him. Yeah, we right. just met Nakano. All he's done is like spout some like trite fortune cookie nonsense. Yeah, that's and it. And then dies mm-hmm. unclimactically. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not like an endearing performance, like showing. No, Kano. it's kind of cold. Actually, there's no like we're brothers moment. Mm-hmm. No, I don't get the impression they really like each other. Yeah, I don't, I don't know because I don't get why Max there. I don't get how he's there. I don't get yeah. why he's there. I don't get what he's learned. Like I don't get anything about this interaction. So when he dies, it's just like it's cold. We right. learn he's afraid of snakes. Is he? I think so. Well, he was afraid of that moment when he saw a sword turn into a yeah. snake. I, that would, I don't have a particular fear of snakes, but that would scare me. Yeah. I think I'm afraid of snakes, too. I think everyone's a, a kind like of Indy. afraid of snakes. But yeah. not like Indiana Jones afraid of snakes. Yeah. Just like, well, you should be afraid of snakes. Yeah, they're scary. <laughs> they will poison They'll you. They'll kill you. Yeah. They're dangerous. <laughs> okay, so now let's talk about Nakano's death. Oh, boy. I actually liked... This is my favorite thing Nakano does. Die? Yeah. <laughs> well, because it's memorable. Yeah. This is at least sure. memorable. Way, I, I actually really like the way Kane says there can be only one. He says it kind of goofily, but I like it. He's like, there can be only one. Yeah, we haven't really he, talked about Kane's voice. Like, Oh, yeah. Oh, it's it's two... Kurgan-esque, but it's like... It starts out really Kurgan-esque. The first thing he says is like so Kurgan. Right. What's what's the difference? It's like, I don't want to say it's like sexier, but there's like... there's like se- a, No, sexier there, is there's, right. There's like... Yeah. There's like, something like sultry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, the, that's exactly... It's a little... Okay. The, like the way you just said, there can be... Only one. Yeah. It's like, like this like soap opera kind of it's little yeah. breathy. It's like, yeah. yeah. It like it's a little tongue in cheek almost. Mm-hmm. Like you can see Mario Van Peebles is like having a lot of fun with his performance. I actually think he's good like i think he's pretty good as yeah. this character it's just that it's a kurgan clone so it's right. a bummer but i think the performance he delivers is like cheesy and ridiculous and like you know and he's like he's having fun so i'm having fun yeah, yeah. i see it I, like, I, i'm not like i like 90 percent like his performance yeah. also i teased how much i loved his costume does anyone focus on his breastplate He's got nipple rings on the outside of his... Yeah, he's got nipple oh, rings on the breastplate. And, spoiler alert, later oh, yeah. <laughs> we will find out that he also has nipple Under rings nipple underneath ring. of them. And he's like, yo, I gotta I gotta go as the cane, man. I gotta why have I, my breastplate Why do I even get these if I'm gonna just cover, just them, cover up, them up? Put them on the yeah. outside. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, well, oh, you should have every shirt also have nipple rings. <laughs> uh, so that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so, so what happens to Nakano's head? So Kane says there can be only one. Can be only he one. takes his fucking head, and all the head chopping in this movie, like, heads fucking, like, they're on springs. They pop right <laughs> off. They're like, boop, boop. It goes flying. Uh, then there's all this, like, kind of cheesy electrical sounds. I don't know. I thought it was, it was like... When I say, I, like, 90% like Mario Van Peebles' performance, his quickening acting is not very good. Not part of that 90? Yeah. <laughs> like, like 10%. It just, I don't know. Looks cheesy to me. Interesting. So then the severed then, head says... Yes, only one, but it will not be you. And then he starts laughing, laughing maniacally. Yeah. This and is it's a bloody it's like a, severed head. There's yeah. like guts There's coming out the bottom of his neck. I like that. I like that a lot. It's nuts. Not, yeah. I liked it in that, again, it's memorable. Yeah. Boy, is that silly. I mean, I laughed. Was, yeah. I had fun with it. But this is, again, like a, a thing that's so different than the first movie. Like, the first movie to me feels so grounded in reality. What's gritty and grimy. Yeah. The first movie never would have featured something like a talking head. Like, this is so cartoonish right. uh, and kind of goofy. 
I don't know. It just does not feel like the the, the tone of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Or again, even the tone of the series does not feature stuff like this. And also, I actually don't like the heads, them showing the heads. I think no matter how you do it, and I'm kind of curious. It's going to look a little cheesy. It's always going to look kind of cheesy. And like, yeah. I would, I think the way the series does it is perfectly fine. Sure. And I think it's actually more effective. And I'm kind of curious to see what the reboot does. Uh, if it's going to be like graphic and show heads popping off, I don't think it's necessary. No, it's better in the show, yeah. frankly. And it's, it's funny because I'm also fine with it being like a bloody mess. Like, I'm not upset by the gore of it. I'm just yeah. kind of, I think it just looks goofy. Yeah, it's weird. It's all super weird. Looks like you can tell it's fake. I yeah. Mean, something about the talking head I like. Maybe just because <laughs> he's supposed to be a sorcerer or something. And it's yeah, just like kind of nutty. A second question about that is... Is the quickening what brings down the mountain? Or does Nakano, because his head's still, like, alive, question mark, does Nakano use magic in that moment to collapse the cave? Yes, that's my theory. Yeah. Or at least that he knew it was going to happen. Mm. Like, he is either involved or has foreknowledge that this will be the result. And that's why he's so tickled by the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I don't like this quickening that much. Mm. I mean, it's a lot of computery. I, I'm assuming it's computer animation of, like, maybe weird tendrils lightning it's not as good as like the quickenings in, in either the the first two movies like actually that quickening in the first or the second movie where mac the first like, one with the where mac becomes young yeah, again it's like awesome. it's awesome like the yeah. way like the the electricity like crawls around and like it's like it looks alive it looks alive yeah and then he emerges from the fireball like, that's yeah. awesome. really cool well, also, like, it's just a testament to Mulcahy. In one of the special features, they talked to Russell Mulcahy. Mulcahy. I keep saying his name two different ways. It's I didn't Sidwin. Sidwin. Yeah. <laughs> Russell <Cheered> Sidwin. This <laughs> is something I didn't think about before, but Russell Mulcahy had to figure out what the quickening was going to be. Because in the script, it just says, and then the quickening happens. Right. So I'm like, wait, Russell Mulcahy is responsible and it should be, I mean, it's obvious, but I didn't really think about it. Like, he's responsible for what the quickening is. Right. Like, the script never said it's electricity, it's explosions. Right. Like, he came up with Carl's that. Carl's lurch forward and ooze oil. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, he is, yeah. And I'm like, without him, like, this Highlander 3 quickening, I'm just kind of like, there's lots of fake foam rocks falling down and stuff. It's very, like, generic. Like, they clearly just kind of filmed some stuff, blew it up. And then added electricity later. Whereas, yeah. like, especially in the, the Highlander 2, like, with the fingery electricity, like, that was all planned and probably storyboarded ahead of time. It's like, we're going to pan and we're going to, like... And there's going to be this can that, like, skips across. Right, and like, then, every yeah. motion was pre-planned and there was a vision for that. And I don't see really much of a vision for this, like... This yeah. more feels like what they do in the TV show, which right. is like sometimes the quickenings are very choreographed, but other mm-hmm. times it's like, well, it's in this location. Like, let's blow up that thing and blow up that thing, and then we fill it in with electricity, and it's fine. Right. But like in a movie like this, I think you'd do more because yeah. <laughs> you have the time. You presumably have the time to presumably. do more. Presumably, you should. You should. Yeah. So that kind of brings us to the fir- the end of the first chapter of this movie, which sets up the conflict with Kane and McLeod and the defeat of Nakano. And so we're about to jump into the present, but we're going to save that for our next episode. But before we close out, I think it's time to play a game. So we are going to play Watcher 2. 
special edition for the movie. That's right. So this is going to be a watch or two. Usually I talk about comments from the episode of Highlander that we watched, and then we cover YouTube comments from other episodes. Um, this is going to be about movies that came out in 1995 and in honor of the Philippines, 1994. <laughs> and in honor of the Philippines. Okay, super. I wish this was just one. Filipino movies. Yeah, just Filipino movies. So get every single one wrong. That's right. I'm going to read you three YouTube comment clues, and you're going to have to guess what movie this is that came out in either 1994 or 1995. Are you guys ready? Round first. Comment the first. Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan. Rumble in the Bronx. No. Um... I'm going to guess right now that this ends up not being a Jackie Chan movie, but I'm going to guess Russia. No. But good guess. Jackie Chan. <laughs> That's d- d- no punctuation. It just says Jackie Chan. <laughs> we expect them to say that and then say period because yep. that's a real final thought. Round two. Smacking. I wonder three to final dimension. No. <laughs> that would be amazing. Smacking. Smacking? Smacking. I-, I don't know. I have nothing. No guesses? No. Round to three. This is in all caps. Oh boy, thank you. Jim Carrey is Stanley. It, yes. Smocking. <laughs> Smocking. So, what is Jackie Chan? Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. I have no idea. Very the third curious. comment is just Jim Carrey is Stanley Ipkiss slash The Mask. That's the comment. I've not seen that movie in a long time. Uh, hey, try to watch it. How was? How's that hold up? Not good. No. Although, uh, oh, this is just going to make me sound like a creep. Cameron Diaz is smoking hot in that. In that black and white dress she wears, right? That's right. That's right. I remember that scene, too. Scumbag. Uh, <laughs> me, not you. Uh, okay. Round two. So Keith has one point. I missed my childhood. Sad face. I went to three. Final dimension. <laughs> no. Good guess. I missed my childhood. Rookie yeah. here. Nope. That's a good one. <laughs> Round two. 148 communists dislike this. Wall Street? No. That's 89. Maybe. Well, no, it's 4th of July. Nope. Oh, no, that's a... Man. I think if we both said Oliver Stone, Stone movies. Oliver Stone. <laughs> I think that's why I thought of 4th of July. Are you ready for the yeah. third clue? Normally, I would like to say that GoldenEye is the best Bond movie, but I think Die Another Day isn't that bad either. Die Another Die Day? Another day. <laughs> nope. GoldenEye? Yep. <laughs> Welcome for that one. God damn it. Keith gets two points. That was a tricky final clue because it mentions two good moments. But also not so tricky because it gives way to the answer. I'm pretty good at watching food. Just throw it back. You consistently beat me at watching food. I know all this dumb trivia. Yeah, we don't know who our senators are. (laughs) Shih Tzu is a name for Chinese people. I'm sorry, what? Shih Tzu is a name... For Chinese people. Is that true? No. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I didn't write this. This is sad. I'm YouTube. I, I don't know. I'm going to guess once again. I'm going to three the final dimension. Good guess, but no. Keith, can you guess this? No. Shih Tzu is a name for Chinese people. Uh, best in chef. No. Thank you. How do you download movies? <laughs> wow. How do you download movies? Free really? No. That's a good guess. I don't think guess this is a third clue. This is this is tricky, but I'm hoping you'll you guys get it. Oh, righty then. Oh, it's uh, true. When it's called. Nope. I got it. Oh, I don't see. Pet detective. Oh, I don't see. 
two Jim Carrey movies on your list. This is when he was really hot. This so, is when he wrote himself a check for $10 million or whatever bullshit he did. Yeah, here's a fun fact. The Mask and Ace Ventura both came out in 1994. Wow, he was working, man. Yeah, that's nuts. And those are pretty big movies. They were huge movies. Well, at least Ace Ventura was. I don't know how big Mask got a cartoon. Yeah. That's true. Ace Ventura does not age well, especially the end part. Ebola equals monkeys confirmed. Outbreak. Nope. Uh, Ebola equals monkeys confirmed. 12 monkeys? Yes. Really? Nailed it. Yo, this is tied up. (laughs) How many rounds are there? There's one more round left. What were the other clues for that? I heard that Brad Pitt peed into the eyes of Bruce Willis. <laughs> Wait, what? I heard that Brad Pitt peed into the eyes of Bruce Willis. And the third clue, is it weird that there's only 11 monkeys in the symbol for the movie? LOL. Interesting. And I picked that for something that happens later. I wonder. Round five. This is for all the marbles, ladies and gentlemen. I wonder if they show this film to film students and say, see kids, this has way over the acting and horrible dubbing as well. Highlander 3 is final dimension. Who said it first? I did. I said Highlander 3. But he he said Highlander. I said Highlander 3. Kyle said the final dimension. I said it for every single one I think I can. It's true. Mm. I'm going to say Kyle gets it. Yeah, buddy. Well, well, well. Congratulations. What were the rest of the clues? <laughs> I wonder if he would have had sex with him as a female before he shapeshifted back to his original form, then kill him. Kill him, kinky. <laughs> well, Kane is a kinky. And then I thought the final battle theme was Dr. Feelgood. By Guns and Roses. Roses. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Very good. Very fun. good. Congratulations, Kyle. Thanks, And that's buddy. how you play Watch, Watch or Two. That was a good one, Eamon. Thank you. you. There were some Thank tricky you. pulls in there. The smockin', I think, is the pull from that whole thing. Right? Smockin'. So that brings us to the end of our first episode covering Highlander 3, the sorcerer, or... The magician, or the final dimension, or the who the fuck knows? The wizard, or Los Immortals... Trace. Duele or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> uh, so, what do we think of kind of the first chapter of this movie? Any final thoughts? It's a little, it's a little rocky. It and is not just it's because a they're in a mountain. Yeah, no, it's actually only because. Un- unlike the Karate Kid, which is a little rocky. <laughs> oh, hey oh, uh, it's a clunky start. I like the sword stuff. Like I'm way into like the montage oh, that was cool. and like yeah. even though I think the the weird opening narration is different, I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. let's see where this goes. It's mm-hmm. if it came back, it would make it better. All this stuff, I think we would feel better about if it was interspersed throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, if this stuff was broken up and you got to see more of a journey, you got to see more of a tie to the present. It was less linear in its deployment we might feel better about it the way this should all be cut together is mac should be fighting kane a couple times and at each point have flashbacks to lessons with mako nakano and so that's mac remembering the things that he maybe has forgotten you know what i mean it's like oh i remember this illusion thing and like how do i battle it like you know what i mean like he can constantly be losing because that's what happens in some ways in the first highlander movie like mac has a number of run-ins with the kurgan doesn't he or at least one yeah, he fights. He bumps into him in the alley, right? And they fight with a pipe, right? And, and the he, church thing, and they fight. Yeah, like there's instances where they come across each other, and mm-hmm. it's like they can mirror that, and then have these flashbacks to Nakano, and you know, then we get to see like, oh, Mac did learn about illusion, and maybe he'll use these tools to fight Nakano next time, but he doesn't. Instead, we just got like our few minutes in Japan for reasons, and then. 
Can I ask another question? Sure. Which is going to be my question the whole time. Why are they in Japan? Mm. Well, we should maybe we can bring up that in the, in the first draft of this, there is no Japan storyline. This is all taking place in the Highlands of Scotland. Right, which this movie eventually goes to. This movie actually spends a lot of time in the Highlands of Scotland. Not a lot of time in Japan. We, we don't go back. Well, in the present, we go back. We, well, like we reemerge in Japan, and then we leave. That's mm-hmm. it. Right. We go to Japan, then we exit Japan, and then we're done in Japan. I'm not ad- averse to, like, do you not like that it goes to Japan, or is it just because it doesn't return there? It's just not important to the story. Right. Like, we have all these weird questions about, like, this weird mysticism and that he's... And this weird mountain. And he's, like, all the way across the world and... I don't mind the fact that he had to travel. Like, I like that idea that Mac, like, searched for answers and, like, went on, like, a walkabout. Yeah. Like, I think that's okay. Especially, like, considering it's, like, catapulted by the death of Heather. It's like, well, where do I go from here? Although we just, again, we don't get to see that. Like, I would be in favor of Mac. Like, I want to see more of these Mac adventures. Like, maybe that's also what it could have been. It's like, maybe sometime with Mako, but, like, what about before Mako? Like, how did he learn... To just be a guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what are his adventures along the way? That would also give them an avenue to have Mako be a positive influence on him. Because he just kind of shows up at that cave, and it's not clear to me he has any deficiencies that Mako needs to fix. Show Mac struggling. Like, he actually is in pain. Maybe he's right. not, Maybe he's not headed in the right direction. Maybe he's gotten off course in some way, and finding Mako helps right his ship in some way, and gives him direction and focus as it stands i have no reason to appreciate why they're spending time together or to think it's meaningful is it only because he needs to know how to make a new samurai sword later yep yeah <laughs> right now which did nakano teach him that yeah he we never we a, never see nakano actually teach him sword making well which now is i'm funny. ticked because i'm like what is this sword he was making <laughs> like he was just making it and then he like put it aside does, doesn't mac also Kind of know how to make swords. Like, doesn't well, he's he, a he's definitely a he metal was, smith. He was something he was in the first movie. In the first movie, in some yeah. way. No, no, if he knows how to make swords because of that, but yeah, like he's very adept at shoeing horses, but otherwise, he yeah. can't do it. I, like, I don't know. I guess he learns that. Yeah, that would be nice to just show more of that. Mm-hmm. It just had to breathe. It had to do something, so it had some punch. Mm-hmm. Not a great start to this movie, but there are some fun things in it. Like, I do think that Mario Van Peebles is fundamentally fun. Yeah. I think the silly Nakano, but it won't be you, is fun. Like, it's weird. It's silly, yeah. but it's, like, fun. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So the, the, the cave has collapsed, trapping Kane and his three goons. Oh, and I don't two even know goons. if we mentioned, yeah, two goons. Two goons, and right. There's, like, an explosion, and I guess, like, Connor gets, like, it seems like he's, like, catapulted from this cave, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. he's, like, tumbling down. This is very, like, Batman Begins. It is. He, in that he's in a cold mountain? Well, like, the whole place explodes, and then... Also, how long has he been there that he never changed his clothes? Well, I don't think he has cha- clothes to change into. You'd think he would acquire some. He's in a secluded mountain. That's true. <laughs> but they have know. plenty of fruit. They yeah, don't have any spare Yeah, where clothes. are they getting all that fruit? That, like, kind of tropical fruit. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Magic. The power of illusion. Who knows, Highlander? It's a kind Who of knows. magic. <laughs> See, that's... I think about that whole line differently. It's a kind of illusion. <laughs> when Max They're not says, tricks, Michael. It's so, my illusion. <laughs> when... 
when he says that to Rachel, he knows that there are other kinds of magic. Wow. That's true. You're right. Okay, so are we ready to hop into this? Yeah. yeah. All right, so after this cave explodes, trapping, presumably, Kane inside, there's like all this dust and s- smoke and whatever billowing. Uh, so then we get a transition into the present, and it's over the mountains, and there's like a helicopter. Mm-hmm. So we get this whooshing sound. It's like an okay transition, I think, to the present. It's nothing Aiden's that special. Of face like he's smelling a fart. Yeah, it's not okay. a fan. It's like nothing special. And I farted. There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, that explains a lot. Boop. So now we're introduced to some of our other main characters. So, Brenda, that- so Brenda gets off the helicopter, right? Oh, no, no, hold on. Who did you say that is, guy? Oh, sorry. It's like Brenda, right? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. She's not in this movie. Oh. <laughs> some other person who's like got an expertise with some other blonde woman who with uh, expertise in Japanese swords is in this movie i know we just ate lunch but i kind of feel like i have a, a hunger a hunger for some hunger we got deborah hunger on the <laughs> oh screen God. gross there are a lot of layers to that yes one. there are so yeah no not brenda not brenda we'll get to what happened to her later yeah so deborah unger gets off this helicopter and she is dr alex johnson i believe is her name mm-hmm. that's and, right and she is greeted by dr takamura <sighs> Okay, Eamon, tell us about this. Dr. Takamura is one of the most annoying characters <laughs> to me in movie history. Wow. Maybe that's a bit much. Wow, that's aggressive. I do find him very annoying. He's kind of nothing. Say more. I, I found him too innocuous to be annoying. He says Alex 42,000 times. He says Alexan, right? Alexan, yeah. Alexan, 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 Alexan. So many times. Alexa. Alexa. Hey, Alexa. Oh, he's just talking to Alexa. Yeah, right. Alexa. <laughs> Alexa, do you really think the sword is that old? <laughs> I'm not invented yet. Boop, boop. I'm going to track your data. He just really gets on my nerves. But he meets her at the helicopter. Right. They're at like an excavation. We got to talk about wherever this is. But the, the line is said, he says, the archaeological commission is waiting. The owner of the corporation is threatening to shut us down so he can continue his foundations. Maybe this is a lack of knowledge on my part. How is the word foundations being used here? I'm a little confused. Uh, I think they are building. They're laying the foundation for a building. There's a whole building. Well, I think they're trying to build more. Okay. So they're trying to do more building. They have uncovered this site. The archaeological commission comes in. It's hampering forward progress i would like to say that like there's a building built already and it seems like this cave is underneath the building i'm not sure what's going on also what more do they have to build like on the side of a mountain like let's talk about this what is this building where where does this take place What, what is this it, well, we know it takes place in Japan. No, 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 no. Near, near Mount Neary. Near Mount Neary. Less than a mile from Mount Neary, we find out, right? They go into this giant... What is this building? I don't know. That houses four-story metal, metal electrical... Equipment. I don't know what this is. What is this? Does it, it matter? On this podcast? Yeah, it matters. <laughs> Just saying, like... Yeah, know, it fucking it does. Of, it looked like some kind of lab to me. And right. Building, yeah. And they're building more... Labs? <laughs> what kind of lab? What is this stuff? Readers out there, listeners. No, seriously. Readers like, out there. If we're going to get into this, if we're going to get into this movie, let's get into this. Like, I don't know what this is. It's like weird electrical equipment. I was like, is this a power station? But why is it built on the side? Like, wh- why would you ever build almost anything where this is? Like, I don't know what this does. Does this thing like look for earthquakes? Is that what the deal is? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what it's there for. I, I don't know why is anything anywhere. I don't know why it's strange that. This building, whatever it is, is where it is. Maybe they're planning a whole massive development that they... Full of weird metal spires? <laughs> sure, why not? But what, what do you farm. think the metal spires are? I thought it was a lab. 
is what I thought. To do what? A lab for what? I don't know. So why do you think it's a lab? Because of the giant metal spider. But you don't know what they are. You're not even telling me what they are. Yeah, because it's irrelevant to the plot. (laughs) There there it is. There it is. It's irrelevant to the plot. And yet we're still talking about it. No, no, no. But, like, whatever this is was clearly picked because it, like, looked interesting. Interesting. Sure. Right. Right. Because, like you said, it's irrelevant to the plot. Like, this could just be an excavation site. Yeah. There's this other thing on top of it that I think is weird. Yeah. Like, literally, as soon as this place popped on screen, I was like, what is this? Like, what is all this stuff? Also, because, like, you'd think, like, if it was an electrical plant, like, oh, maybe this is going to play into it because it's, like, electricity. These things attract electricity. Like, ah, we're going to see. World's biggest lightning round. Exactly. We're going to see something with this. Like, we're going to use this to our advantage. That's why it's set here. It's not that, though. Unless they ran out of money or time to do something in this location. That's possible. See, this is not. You you attack me for stuff like this. Like, oh, you don't fucking understand. (laughs) Like, it could be anywhere for anything. No shit. So could anything. This movie could be about unicorns and caramel. And it's not. But, like, it's about... Because you fucking buried the lead. You got to the point that was interesting, like, 30 seconds after. Why would you build something out of the base of a mountain? But I had to get Why to the point... You... <laughs> when you... No, that's the point that's interesting. The point that's funny is, what the fuck is going on here? Come I on, found man. it distracting. It's like, weird, right? These... Well, I was just like... The, the giant, like, metal things are weird. Yeah. Like, I'm like, where are they? This, like, this whole thing was cockamamie. It's all shoehorned in. And it's dropped. Like, they're just at an excavation site. I mean, site. saying That's it's it. dro- Well, yeah, they are at an excavation site. Saying yeah. it's dropped implies it was introduced. <laughs> like, it is it, introduced. It's, there's a commission, an archaeological commission. There's a board that needs to approve their thing. Like, it's apparently holding up their, their stuff. Like, there's all this stuff here that, like, oh, we're not allowed to dig anymore because of this thing. I thought they shut, like, gave us clearance to dig. Like, it's definitely integrated into this thing for some reason. It's there. Yeah, it's just, it's just a mechanism to get cane out of the dirt. Like, that's all any of this. No, no, the mechanism to get cane out of the dirt is an archaeological take. The mechanism of it being an electrical superconductor or whatever this is, is, uh, I don't know. So I guess Dr. Alex is a famous archaeologist, and she's like, the Japanese government, I guess, has a lot of respect for the work she's doing. So all the dialogue is ADR? Question mark. There's so much ADR in this movie. Yeah, it's very strange. She gives the guy a, a Yankees cap. That's right. And they talk about, like, so she's she's like, oh, we're only, at like, a mile from Neri, like, the legend of Nakano. And I guess Dr. Takamura. The legendary cave of the sorcerer Nakano. Right. So, uh, so I guess this guy is legendary somehow. Right. For yeah. something. He's legendary as a sorcerer. Yeah. So I guess there's stuff written about him. And Takamura, I guess, is saying, like, well, you don't really believe that that's true because the mountain's here. Then she gives him this ball cap, and he's like, well, Babe Ruth was a legend, too. It's like, well, kind of different, right? Like, But this is like a thread throughout the movie that, like, oh, legends are somewhat based in reality. Sure. And she says, like, oh, we can we can find other archaeological stuff by using legends as clues. Which I thought was an interesting concept. Does it come back? Not really. No. They mention it. In know. the original script, it's more prevalent. And we'll talk about that later. So later we cut down to the tunnels below this facility. And this is like later at night. And there's like these boards on the wall. They start shaking. And the guard, this guard goes to investigate. And then his fucking torn, like this cartoon awesome. style. This is super shredder shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just gets ripped through the wall. This is actually kind of cool. He goes over and he says, Grant's like me. <laughs> <laughs> He's a digger. He's a digger. Kane and his goons emerge, and 
Guys, and you guys watched the the Blu-ray first, mm-hmm. uh, or that's the only version you watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does Kane say when he came out? Do you guys remember? He says uh, he needs to find McLeod because he owes me 400 years. Right. So this is another weird difference in the two cuts. So I believe this is from the U.S. cut. He says it's 400 years. Or maybe it's the reverse. Maybe it's the European cut. Now I'm fucking it up. That was determined, I guess, to be strange because how would he know he's been there for 400 years? So... It's changed to saying McLeod owes me for all this time. Hmm. I was immediately confused by that because I was like, "Why is it his fault?" Yeah, like, that's why are you making yeah. McLeod for this. I get very good point. I get that you're yeah. like very evil, good point, but like and you, also, you got what you came for. Right, you came to kill Nakano, and you right. did. Like, and you also got like a free chip on the game. Like, yeah, got to hang out for you get four hundred free years essentially. Well, it's probably not pleasant and but, bored, but yeah, yeah, you know, he's like. Boy, McLeod, I really hate him. And it's like, you never even met the guy. You haven't even yeah. had a conversation. And yeah, he, I'm going to confuse how you even know his name. And <laughs> all he did was run away. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, you stabbed him and he ran away. Yeah. Like, if it's anybody's fault, it's Kane's fault. It's Kane's fault and it's Nakano's fault, but you already yeah. whacked him. So. Mm-hmm. so now we also get confirmation that the goons are immortal, which we yeah. did not know previously. Right. Because right. it's like, oh, I was expecting you guys to be skeletons. <laughs> yeah. So another layer to this is so at the end of the first movie, McLeod wins the game and is the last immortal but not mm-hmm. only is kane there there are three immortals left at the mm-hmm. end of the first movie technically yes Burry. interesting so kane tells his one goon he's like go find mcleod for me and just find him and just find him and so that guy runs off and then kane's there with his other compadre <laughs> and he's like oh where are we what's going on and he's like you don't need to worry about that and kane cuts this guy's head off and it also fucking pops off like a spring yeah, yeah. and it's like he like lands his head lands in a puddle with like a shocked look on his face it's pretty good I was laughing so hard. It's like, hey, you know, remember what happened last time you did this underground? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the very last time you did this, you got trapped for 400 years. And then he gets buried again. And then the movie takes place in, in the, the future. future. In the like, I have fights old man McCloud. <laughs> yeah. That's really funny. Uh, Ramirez, Ramirez, my old friend Ramirez. Nakano, Nakano, my old friend Nakano. <laughs> <laughs> Just call Nakano's name. He'll be back. Zap. Yeah. That's, yes. that's funny about him not remembering not to do this. Yeah. Where is. <laughs> or is that confirmation that it was Nakano that did the collapse? I guess. That he doesn't think it was well, the I guess now there's fault. a whole whatever this superstructure is. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Just hold it up, no, right? Actually the me- that's actually what the metal things are for. They yeah, hold they're up, to yeah. hold it up They make somehow. it quickening proof. Because also, doesn't the electricity flow up into the metal it thing? Does. It does. yeah. Yeah. Which so that's really why also they're weird. It's yeah. so that they can they're quickening the conductors. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing is the other goon doesn't react at all to like... Like, his buddy being portrayed by Kane. Right. Like, why is he still carrying out Kane's orders? Or does he not? Because he does go to fight McLeod later. And is that the reason oh, why? Because he's like, yeah. well, I guess every man for himself. Right. I don't know. But, yeah, sense. it's, it's that strange. That, to me. But yeah. he doesn't have, like, a reaction. Like, he never even turns around to be like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, he just goes. He just leaves. But they knew Kane was a scumbag. They knew he was yeah. a tongue-biting scumbag. Yeah. So. And he, like, licks his sword after he cuts this guy's head off. Yeah. The other weird thing is, I mean, I know it's a movie yeah, and like, whatever. He, like, makes out with his sword. He's like, <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't like how they just come out. This, like, reminded me of, like, a kid's movie or something. When, like, the bad guys, like, come out of the cave. Like, it just seems really corny to me. And they're, like, in their complete uniforms, like... It was it was never got like hot in there, so they like yeah like introducing they, the villains and they yeah just they just out. like stroll out. I would have liked them to like crawl out and be like uh like something yeah. But I guess maybe that's not good for this kind of movie. I don't know <laughs> yeah B movie well, schlock <laughs> heyo yeah. 
So we cut now to the desert, and we get these. Ooh, is this the desert that Nakano <laughs> illusioned him to? Is that oh, why he's here? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, so there's two riders. And McCloud has a son. Yeah. And we find out Mac has a son, mm-hmm. and there's all this, like, bonkers, like, crazy video effects in the sky. Like, it's kind of lightning, but it's also, like, swishy waves and stuff. So I guess that's the quickening, which has, like, a global, re- like, what is? what do we think this is? I don't know. It's like somehow, but Mac knows what it is. Like yeah. Mac yeah. knows that it's, the game is back mm-hmm. on. But it's a little unclear what the heck that is. Because everyone can see it. Because the sun's like, how could there be lightning without clown? Right. Yeah. And we do get another voiceover, although not Mac staring at the camera. Yeah. And Mac is like, how can this be happening? They were all dead and the prize was mine. So who's out there and where is he? They were all dead and the prize was mine. We meet Jack and John. Right. So we meet John and John. John and John, John. exactly, right. (laughs) So, yeah, so Mac and this kid ride into town, and Mac is telling his old friend Jack, whoever the fuck, like, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, I don't know. You never find out. Nope. Beloved character, Rachel. Uh, So Mac's packing up because of this whole game restarting thing, and he's leaving John in John's care. Yeah. (laughs) Jack John. Jack and John. I hope whatever you're going for is worth what you left behind or whatever. And then we get a real silly training montage well we also get we find out this is his adopted son yes because he's like oh does the boy know he's adopted and he's like he knew he was adopted before he could spell and this is something interesting so in an interview with the actor whose name is gabriel kakin kakon which uh, is the which is the child is he john or john he's uh john yeah okay uh so this is very cool so um highlander fan film director andrew modine actually got to speak with the actor that played john a number of years ago something that was interesting about the audition process was that they liked this kid so much that they changed the role to fit this kid because this kid obviously does not really look like lambert Mm -hmm. this kid was supposed to be his biological son in the movie and they liked this kid so they were like "Eh, let's make him adopted no no offense to this kid but like seriously they couldn't find another kid that they liked that like like you know what i mean (laughs) yeah also, or, just, or just like suspension of disbelief and just say it's his kid. Who cares? McLeod yeah, had sex her. with a woman of a different ethnicity. Well, I guess it would well, be I guess it's supposed to be him and Brenda. Brenda. Oh, okay. But also, uh, like, right. maybe that's part of the reason. But the other reason is, like, well, if the game wasn't over, how could he have kids? Right. Like, because well, I guess, could that did, be a debate? Like, does he win the prize and then lose the prize? Or did he never win the prize? Uh, and this is something that's definitely explored in the original script, which we'll talk about later. Yes. Because in that, he talks about, like, I thought I won, and I didn't. It was a lie. In this, I'm not sure. They never addressed this issue. At some point, it said the prize was never yours. Yeah. Kane says that. Yeah. Later. I'd appreciate it coming from Mac, though, Mm -hmm. to just be, like, having some self-doubt about everything that's happened. And Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's very strange. But, yeah, he's got this adopted kid. Yeah. For the only reason to have bait later. It's like, hey, should he kidnap the girlfriend this time like they did in the first movie? Let's switch it up. Let's give them kidnap somebody else. So we'll give him a kid. Mm -hmm. There's really no good reason for him to have a kid. None. Exactly none. Because there's no relate. Like, it would be better if, like, this kid was around more, more screen time, a relationship built. But... Like, there this kid is really just there for the mechanics of we need somebody to kidnap. He's he's in it for this horsey scene, and then when he gets kidnapped. Mm-hmm. That's it. Nothing. Mm-hmm. That's it. I love you, John. Then he uh, practices with his katana and oh looks like he's God. making whooshing sword sounds with his yeah. mouth. The whole time he's like, whoosh, 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 whoosh. Seeing Lambert with the sword makes me really appreciate Adrian Paul with the sword. I like, know. it's like he feels, like, Adrian looks so natural. Like, he looks like a fucking pro. No offense. Well, maybe offense. Sorry, Christopher, if you're listening. But yeah, he's, listening. <laughs> he's listening. But, like, it's like, it looks like someone, like, play acting with a sword. Like, it does not he look natural. He has this weird, like, O face. He's, like, making 
an O with yeah. his lips. Yeah, he's like, oh. Ooh. And apparently this was a reshoot because, and maybe that's part of why it looks kind of weird and clunky. This but, was a reshoot? Yeah. <laughs> what were they replacing? Well, the film. A piece of sand oh, man. got in the camera and fucked it all up. Oh, and no. so they had to reshoot it. And we also get, hold on, we get more voiceover here, don't yeah. we? He's like, going back to New York. What, this, I can't do a lamp here. He's like, going back to New York. The place of the gathering is not what I had in mind. Once again, my life is about to change. I have a note here that like these Who's sort of... talking to? Good question. Like this is oh, like inter- this is know. like internal monologue now. Yeah. Whereas like the original voiceover is like fourth wall breaking. Yeah, talking to the audience. So like again, even within the own like narration of the film, it is like not knowing what it's doing and the styles all over the place. These sort of narration things are like fucking hallmarks of bad movies. I narration think. things. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like whoa, like we have to explain the movie as we. Go. It's like this isn't good. This is not bode well. When we yeah. have to have like the character tell us what's happening right it's weird that he's going back to new york like why like is, does he feel a pull to that place now that's the thing i was wondering the whole time that's why i said like why is this in japan because i guess he doesn't know it's kane right because i was like oh is he gonna go to japan the answer is no he's not gonna go to japan he never goes to japan again since the beginning he goes back to new york and then he leaves new york and then goes back, <laughs> goes to, new back to new york, new york again. again like there's a lot of moving around that i don't exactly understand yeah but my guess is that there is some kind of pull because the goon who kane sends after him evidently has zero problem finding (laughs) him so and also zero problem getting from japan to new york city (laughs) oh yeah in his ancient warrior (laughs) outfits with no money or passports or identification of any kind that's correct uh (laughs) he says these are my this is my passport right here he's going up his dukes (laughs) (laughs) very good (laughs) and you go checks out yeah okay so we cut now to the weird electrical factory place in japan the at the excavation and the police are all there and alexa Somebody <laughs> broke into the dig. So they go to investigate. Did anyone notice the weird cutaway that happens in this scene? Mm-hmm. It's so strange. They're like, let's go see what's going on. And then it cuts to like an overhead shot and it just hangs there. And then it just cuts right back to the two of them walking to the dig. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, like usually cuts like that are meant to like bridge a gap for like time passing. It's like, oh, let's like reestablish the shot mm-hmm. and come back. No, it is the strangest like borderline Lynchian cut. It's just like, let's cut away, show a crane, not doing anything, <laughs> and then just cut right back yeah. to the scene. It's like, fuck. Okay. So I don't know how this was supposed to be stitched together before. Probably differently, and that's why they did it. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, so anyway. They look into the chamber, and they have this headless body right yeah and so Kane's victim they talk about how it looks like somebody broke out instead of in right or like how do they know the cave was here what That's were they, they looking said, for yeah. right they noticed the guy's sword and they're like oh it's such an amazing duplicate right and then alex commits some kind of uh well it's probably a crime in japan too uh and takes some kind of sample from the sword he's like i don't think it's a duplicate i think it's a sample of the cloth it's simple of the cloth okay yeah it's the tartan she or no, it's not the tartan. Is it the cloth? It's not the tartan. No, it's definitely no, it's the cloth, right? She's somebody, looking at something under else a microscope. The, she just takes a piece of whatever yeah. is on the I thought sports. it was a, a piece of the sword because I thought they were talking about the sword when she does it. They yeah. were, but I don't know how. I don't know. Yeah, it didn't make sense to me. But. <laughs> it's a piece of whatever. She takes a piece to analyze with science later. <laughs> yeah. That's, Which is oh, like, that's yeah. what the conductors are for. Yeah, that's right. They're like, let me analyze this with science. <laughs> So then we go back to Marrakesh, which is where we are, apparently. They never tell us that, but I think we find out later. Later, Later, yeah. yeah. Mac has, like, a weird, like, desert compound with, like... (laughs) 
with a Range Rover. It's like gated and has plants and it's weird. Yeah, and it John John's all sad and Mac is like playing with a baseball and like this do- John John John. It's like oh come you on. You better call me. Well, you better call me. And then he fucking and like, like deadbeat like, dads this guy. Yeah. And he fucking forgets his kid for like the whole movie. Oh, yeah. He never calls his kid. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. And Mac like fucking speeds away to it. The kid yeah. like, run, like, they show Mac driving very quickly. It's like I'm dust out. flies in the kid's uh, yeah, face. Yeah, no, you better call me. Uh, I gotta go. Bye. Don't call me. I'll call you. Yeah. Uh, see it. <laughs> so then, smash cut, New York City skyline, hard rock music, and the title card, New York City. This York- is the only time we don't need a title card. Yeah, There's like- no title card for marrakesh there's yeah. no fucking mountaineery japan there's no years ever placed on the flashbacks but they New find York. they like is this fucking stock footage they got and this stock footage is so like low grade it even had the title card on it like <laughs> they were like oh do we have a can we afford a stock shot in new york well we have one but it says new york on it that'll do like yeah, why like why does this one have a title card it's the most identifiable skyline on earth yep <laughs> like yeah Short of just showing a picture of the Eiffel Tower. Right. Like, <laughs> or a pyramid. Like, yeah. like, oh, where are we? Oh, I don't know. Oh, it must be in New York. Hackensack. Yeah. Yeah, the famous pyramids of Hackensack. Yeah. Max back in his old trenches. And with his uh, tennis shoes. His tennies. His fucking shoes and his tennis. He's tennies. fucking Inspector yeah. Gadget. Yeah. He's always been Inspector Gadget. He, uh, he puts the helicopter on... back in his hat. <laughs> he's always on duty. He's like walking in the middle of the street. And it's very snowy. Which, yeah. to me, it's interesting that this movie takes place in the winter. Like, he must have really been snowing a lot during all of this or like this snow all looks real so yeah. like, I, i'm surprised we don't see more like snow no snow snow no snow it's it's pretty regular throughout the movie that there's snow i was yeah. impressed by that it's this is my favorite christmas movie yeah, that checks out. It beat out Die Hard. Yeah, beat out Die Hard. I think this looks good. I think this alleyway like is lit really well. Like sure. I think this is like neat with all the bright lights in the back. Like this has a little flair to it visually. But then we get a fucking crazy scene. Good golly, Miss Molly. This is who wants to do who wants to do this impression, Eamon? No thanks. Okay. No, that's no, all right. <laughs> for a walk, eh, motherfucker. Little boy lost his way. Got forest Hey, bucket. I'm talking to you. Nice play. All right, so then the one of the, these gang members is like, oh, cat got your tongue? And then it's like, meow. And like, it's meowing in the background. It's like she slams. It's like she slams there. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah, these guys jump Mac for no reason. They, like, stop their car to all get out. All of them get out. And there's, like, five It's not like he looks like he's car. carrying anything valuable. No. He's like a sack. Like, why? And he looks like shit. Yeah. He looks like shit. Always. Probably so why mug him? They yeah. need a car full of people to mug this guy. And they're all of Hispanic origin <laughs> for some reason. And they're just really being pricks. Like, this really yeah. has like a, this has like an 80s feel to it. Absolutely. Yeah. This, Yeah, this is like a Charles Bronson movie scene. That's exactly what it is. This is some Death Wish shit. Yeah. And one of them pulls a knife on Mackie Mac. He like gets two of them. He throws that guy into the window of the car, decks another one, and then the lead guy pulls out a gun and just blows him away, like, six times. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. And then they all run away. They don't even take his bag. (laughs) Like, at that point, take his bag, right? Yeah, he went through the trouble. Let's talk about the, the way this shakes out in the original script. So, there is kind of a mugging scene in the original script. There's, like, two thugs that come up to Mac, and Mac, I think, goes in, like, a trash can or whatever. There's a pipe in a trash can that he pulls out. She busts out the 
pipe. So like the writers of these movies are fully aware about the like the pipe the pipe mystique. Thing. Like yeah. <laughs> which pipe later. Yeah, there yeah. is a pipe later. So he pulls out a pipe and like basically just stares them down. Just scares them away. And he's yeah. like, You're gonna mess with me? And like he's so fucking cool and fucking hard that like he scares these guys and they're just like, Nope, we're not gonna fuck with you. And they leave. And then Max, I just, like that way Max just drops the pipe and walks away. Yeah, the first thing that happens to our hero in this movie, basically, is he gets he's murdered. killed. <laughs> For no reason. Yeah, In a random no act of violence. Yeah. Also, this is like 1995. How dangerous was New York at this point? I, I think this is like really turning around at this point. It's turning around, but it's not turned around. Get turned. Turn up for what? Cut to make. ER. George Clooney. And then like, the, the nurse is like, gang beating. It's like beating. Like, this guy's got holes. Like, yeah. Or does he? Ooh. Right. So, like, whatever happened, like, Max mutant healing powers let him down just enough that he's taken to the hospital. Yeah. But he's fine when he gets there. Right. In the first movie, he's machine gunned by a Nazi. And gets, yeah. up, and gets in- up instantly. instantly. Yeah. And at this point, he has won the prize yeah. and can't fucking get up. He killed the strongest immortal. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just, out. He's done. Done so. Great. This scene is weird. Some old asshole doctor comes over and he's like, he's got three gunshot wounds. And he's like, oh my God, let me at him. And he's like, the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. This doctor is such a piece of shit. He is a piece of shit. He's real doctor snobbish. If you ask yeah, me. He's so independent. <laughs> he's so independent and doctor snobbish. And very old. That's he's a reference like, to uh, one of our season three episodes, listeners. Mm-hmm. So. so listen to our back catalog, you jerks. Uh, yeah, jerks. No, he's you like, guys this guy doesn't have any gunshot wounds. Stop wasting my time. Right. I'm like, oh, maybe he's sick in some other way. Yeah, yeah like what's all the blood doing all yeah. over the place? So then Mac wakes up and, and freaks out. Has yeah. a fit. Flips the fuck out let me go and he's like let you don't understand go. it's like whoa just chill just be calm like what happens here that he like slips out i, I wish it no wasn't idea. stuff like i wish he wasn't saying stuff like you don't understand like it makes it seem like there's some imperative for him to like get out of here like instantly there right. is rather than like i wish it's like him freaking out just because he was shot and is now in a new place and like on a bed you know what i mean like have him freak out for a different reason and maybe not this violently either like he's yeah, like, he, like violent yeah he does get violent and then this asshole doctor is like get him to the fucking psych ward or and whatever he, like, stabs him with a needle of like right. sedatives and he's like take him to district or district seven uh, take him to district nine, <laughs> district yeah. nine. ward seven which is like the the loony bin yeah the loony bin which boy is it loony so also to me this doc like this scene again drawing parallels between this and the first movie like this is kind of a replacement scene for like the cop interrogation scene or something it's like oh instead of asshole cop we have asshole doctor i don't know because there is an interrogation scene later and spoiler alert there are cops so like and mac isn't really a participant in this he just kind of is along for the ride i have no semblance of why this is here it's like, again, him getting captured. I mean, like, after the first quickening in the first movie, like, Mac gets arrested. Like, can we just appreciate the fact that our hero has done nothing in the movie so far? Yeah. Nothing has happened. He has... He abandoned his, abandoned his son. Yeah, and his mentor. So Mac <laughs> yeah. has fled people who care about him mm-hmm. and been shot. And captured. <laughs> shot and captured. Shot and... <laughs> captured is a weird phrase. I, li- like, I like heroes that aren't captured. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mr. President. So he's been stabbed, thrown down a mountain, shot, and now sedated and locked away. With Looney a man bit. who thinks he is Napoleon. Right. 
So in a groan inducing scene. So yeah. we got back to the the electrical factory or whatever it is in Japan. Alex is looking at like something under a microscope and she's like, This doesn't make any Definitely sense. Definitely not a fake. Right. Dr. Takamura gives her a piece of tartan. He's, cloth. Wearing, his, he's wearing his Yankees hat. That's right. Yeah. And he gives her this cloth and he's like, Hey, like, I can't figure this out. What's the deal with this? And she's like, It looks tartan. That doesn't make any sense. Like, that's far from home, especially four years ago. Uh did anyone see like on the desk behind her is the head of the little like creepy the statue from the the cave oh yeah, oh, yeah is yeah. it really yeah that's a good which i thought was actually i was like oh good call back to that that's fun its eyes aren't open though true well not it's one. not it's not being nakano's baby monitor anymore, <laughs> so. i just want to like complain about how they just look at this cloth and like oh yeah that's a 400 year old piece of tartan cloth well she confirms that it's 400 years old later right that's like they have to do the analysis first so it's not as convenient as i I'm thinking. But they are, like, they're suspicious that because it was yeah. found in the cave, they're like, well, it must have been there 400 right. years ago. Mm. Right. Although, how did they know how long ago the cave collapsed? How did, where's this 400 years coming from? Mm. Just thinking about that now. What's to say this cave didn't collapse a 1,000 years ago? Good question. Or 50 years. I mean, well, probably not 50 years ago, but, like. Because there presumably be this electric factory. Yeah. Yeah. But even 100, I mean, who knows? But, like, they've applied this 400 years to it for some reason. Did they get it from trying to date the sword that the guy had? But if the sword's that old, it doesn't mean it's been there that long. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know either. Bad science. <laughs> it was a weird science. Weird, weird science. science. Okay, so we cut back to the hospital into Ward 7, and this is quite the scene. First off, I actually... Hold on. This is this might be controversial. I kind of like this scene. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Go on. This scene also, just like the first movie, this scene to me also... like This is like the Boston Common scene. Oh, no. Oh, that scene that also you only <laughs> you like? But it's like, it, this is the weird comic relief scene in the movie. Right. I think this is one of the most interestingly... Kane is the comic relief character in this movie, though. <laughs> That's true. Sorry, go on. It's interestingly shot. To me, this scene feels like Russell McKay. He shot the scene. There are crazy wide shots, big tracking shots, dramatic, like, comic booky colors. It's like a, like a bright red floor, green walls. Like, the lighting is, like, very comic booky. Uh, I think it looks really neat. As just a little weird comic piece in the middle of this thing, I don't mind it. I think the Napoleon thing is silly. I like ma- like. It, I know it's stupid. I kind of <laughs> like it, though. Like, just suck this out. Like, at least Mac is funny, though, because Mac is not a funny character in this movie at all. Mac is funny in Highlander 1. Right. Like, he's a smartass. I don't think Mac is ever a smartass in this movie. Is he? He's, like, weirdly threatening. Like, when he sees Deborah Unger later, he's like, you stay away from me. And he's, like, he's very, like, I don't know. He, he, he's Mac is nothing in this movie. Like, I don't get a sense of his character at all. Yeah. But in the first one, he's kind of a smartass throughout it. And to me, this is a little bit back to that. It's like, oh, he's kind of goofy and wily. I really love the shot when, like, fucking Napoleon puts on his goofy newspaper hat and the camera, like, does this great pullback. And it's, again, like, super wide, and there's all this action going on. Like, this is a fairly well-choreographed scene. This does not have the trademarks of, like, that Japanese village burning down where it's a bunch of close-ups and stuff like that. Like, this is another big scene, but it looks like this one actually worked, <laughs> where yeah. the Japanese one was, like, cobbled together, it would seem. So, anyway, that's, that's my initial overarching thoughts on this scene. But let's talk about what happens. Kyle, walk us through. So, this guy, Napoleon guy. Credited as Looney Napoleon. Looney Napoleon. Very nice. So, Looney Napoleon is, like, giving a speech, or initially, like, talking to Mac about how he's Napoleon. and Mac, he's like, I'm in danger or whatever. And then Mac is like, 
oh, don't you remember? Um, Martin. Martin, your favorite soldier, soldier, Martin. Who's, like, out to go kill Wellington for you. You gotta, like, get me out of here. So this guy springs him and, like, helps him escape. Because Mac is tied down to this bed. Yeah, so he unties him from the bed and then gives this speech... To, like, cause guards to come. And then Mac just walks just, out. Like, saunters out of there. He just walks out. He hides behind a bed and then walks out. Yeah, like, <laughs> he, and he very lazily jogs yeah, out. He's like, yeah. ah. he's, like, really taking his sweet time. It's odd. I have a question about, like, Mac being essentially, like, almost incarcerated here. Can, can a hospital do this? I'm not sure. I mean, you can be involuntarily committed. Like, Mac know. is, like, strapped down. And I, I was just like, wow, like, what is this And he about? also attacks that doctor. True. It's the thing you could theoretically be arrested for. Right. Does, like, a hospital, like, a normal hospital have, like, a built-in... Like, asylum like this? this is no. Called? This is, like, yeah. Arkham Asylum or this something. This is, like, Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Short answer is no. Well, this is just, like, a scene from 12 Monkeys. There's a scene just like this where Brad Pitt creates a diversion so Bruce Willis can get out of the psych ward. And I'm just like, psych. Was this just a coincidence? I guess it's just a coincidence. But what year did 12 Monkeys come out? 94? 95. So probably just a coincidence then. Yeah, Yeah. I guess. I thought it was weird. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I agree with Keith that the scene is nicely shot, but I'm just like, it's possibly better choreographed than any fight in this movie, which shouldn't be a thing. But it's just like crazy guy that thinks he's Napoleon. Uh Like, is this a Looney Tune? Yes. Well, he's a Looney Napoleon. (laughs) Yeah. Batman's arch villain, Looney Looney Napoleon. Napoleon. Yeah. So it's like, this is such a trope. Like this was an outdated trope already by the time it appeared in this movie. Yeah. Two thoughts. One, it's like a weird device to escape, help Mac get out of a situation he should not be in. Like yeah, this movie has that... artificially placed him in captivity, and there's and no need for it. Cr- comes up with a cartoonish way to get him out. Right. So that's just like a weird one-two punch that like I'm having a hard time overlooking. Two, though, is there supposed to be a parallel between the fact that he's Napoleon and then soon after this we'll start getting flashbacks to the French Revolution? It could be, but they don't follow through with it at all. Yeah, like, I don't get it. And in the original Highlander movie, there was supposed to be a Napoleon flashback that was cut from the script before they even filmed mm. like this would make more sense if like especially if that flashback existed in the first movie it's like oh maybe mac draws on instances from that first flashback to inform whatever he's gonna bullshit this guy about that would be something something yeah. i don't know it's odd yeah napoleon should have been in this movie if there was this weird loony napoleon thing mm-hmm. to like, something, like bridge the this well, divide. Like, i don't think there's any connection between the two it's just odd that you've got a napoleon and then you've also got french revolution flashbacks like it seems to be inviting you to link them but there's nothing nope so mac weasels on out of there somehow all the meanwhile like kane's goon is is here unnamed goon number two right. yeah he's in the hospital and that's what kind of prompts mac to be like i need to get out of here right because yeah he gets like the buzz does he well again it's there's no just, sound but or he, is he just like i'm in a mental asylum and i need to get out i think it's i well, the way it's edited they yeah. show the guy like walking down the hall and then there's like an overhead shot of mac also spinning camera very mulcahy of him like mac's like eyes like flash open like oh shit so i i think they're saying that he can feel him here okay yeah, that's all fair enough it. so mac is hightailing it out of this hospital he arrives at like some stairs and decides to go down not my first choice of where I'd go if I was in a building. It's like, let's go to the basement to escape. But How do you know he's not on the second floor? I guess true. Yeah. But he ends up in the basement. Okay. Yeah. Well, he does yeah. end up in the basement, but he kept going too far. He didn't notice that little star. The exit. Yeah. Right? yeah. So now we're end up in like this like engine room slash laundry room slash like 
fire yeah. hazard room where like just cloth is everywhere with electrical equipment. There's a weird part when the goon is walking around and a woman, like a nurse, comes out of an elevator and sees him and screams, and screams for some reason and drops her tray. And he says, shut up. <laughs> like, again, like a Looney Tune, like yeah. what yeah, Bunny like, would say. Like, it, And it's like clearly like being played for laughs. So I was like, is this funny? Nope. Is, yes, what is this? The answer is no. Yeah. And also, how did he learn that? There's so much of that language. weird, like, languagey, like, conventional stuff that's in this movie. It's like, these people are from Asia, yeah, have been entombed for 400 years, and are instantly acclimated to modern New York society. It, well, it's like, not only does he know the word shut up, but he knows, like, the right inflection <laughs> to say it in. Like, yeah. he says, like, shut up. And I'm like, really? Like, there should have been a scene where, like, a cab tries to, like, hit him or something. That's like Star Trek style. And he goes, A double dumbass on you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. where he learns to say a curse. Right. See, that could have been a fun thing in this movie. Like, Yeah, in quotes. Yeah. (laughs) Fun. But well, at least I mean, that, that's it. like the fish out of water thing. It's like right. have an ancient warrior come back and have to deal with society. It's like yeah. that could be that could be at least played for laughs. That's something. Sure. <laughs> well, this beloved character, goon number two, is uh, not one for this world anyway. So Mac and the goon are snooping around in this basement thing. I guess it looks cool because there's all these sheets. It doesn't it's, really it's make sense, la- but it's, it's laundry like, day. It's moody. Yeah. It's like this is a cool lighting. thing. It reminded me of. Uh, what movie? Hero. Yeah. The Jet Li movie. Oh, right. That's a good movie. Yeah, it is a great movie. There's this whole curtain fight scene. And mm-hmm. this is kind of like, because like, at some point, the goon starts slicing his way through long johns that are hanging up <laughs> and like, goes from there. So he's going to take on Mac. And then we get this like dramatic choral music. Did anyone listen to this closely to hear what they're singing? No. Na, 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 kano, hey. Wow, really? Is yes. that actually what it is? Na, 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 kano, hey. Hey. That's kind of something. <laughs> Yes, it is. Na 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 kano. Hey. Na 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 kano. Hey. So na 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 kano. The goon kind of shouts for McCloud, and he's like, "Where's Kane?" So he he does he does know it's Kane, but how? Like even like really late. I don't. He's not late on this guy. What does he recognize his voice? Because Mac has apparently super secret recognized voice powers in this yeah. movie because it happens later and it's nuts so does he know it's kane or doesn't he i guess he does he must but it yeah. doesn't make he any sense saying it knows yeah means he knows where's kane <sighs> doesn't make any sense don't worry about kane worry about me right so, so i've in my notes i was like oh this is going to be a fun fight scene because it's this cool location very moody Nope, not going to be fun at all. So anticlimactic and boring. This just fucking ends. Well, like, it's cool, like, the lead up. I'm like, ooh, something interesting is going to happen. Yeah. And then it's over in two seconds because McLeod brings back the line from earlier, like, the you've already lost or whatever it is. Right. That Nana Nana Kana said to him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he gives him the editing move. Yeah. To edit off his head. <laughs> well, the, the goon just starts barreling through the sheets, like just chopping willy nilly. And then McLeod just like does that thing. He does that. See, he does the super secret yeah. move where you just take their sword. Yep. You just remove it from their hands. And he chops his head he off. He chops his head off. And there's a splatter of blood on the cloth. And the also, it almost looks like a kanji or something. That's what like I was that. like. I was, I was thinking that. The blood but... splatter, is that a symbol? I don't know. I don't think it I was. I don't think so. But... So 
he cuts his head off, and now we get a big quickening. Yes. Which uh, looks good. And I have in my notes, especially because we know, like, certain effects were done, like, not on time or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was curious if another special effects company did this quickening. This quickening, to me, looks markedly different than the cave quickening. The lightning animation is markedly better. It's different. It's, like, thinner. And yeah. it's, like, every once in a while, it's intercut with, that, like, very fuzzy blue lightning that we it's see like in the, the cave. thick, fat blue lightning. Every once in a while, there's some shots of that. But I have been, uh, the feeling that somebody else did this quickening. Hmm. Just a guess. I don't yeah. know. And there's exploding washing machines. Yep. Well, sudsy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Mac takes a bubble bath, and yeah. that's the quickening. That's how he absorbs his power. Oh, and also, when the head gets chopped off, this thing fucking catapult launches yeah. into the air. This thing goes flying across the room like it's a fucking kickoff at a football game. And that's that. Yeah. So no, that it's... brings us to the end of two scenes that we've covered in this podcast. Yeah. There aren't that many scenes in this movie. Our second quickening of the movie. The right? quickenings are cut third. Third. Quickenings are coming fast. Wait, third quickening? Nakano. Oh, right. Kangoon number one. Oh, right. Kangoon number two. two. Three quickenings. Wow. Three quickenings. Yikes. Zeist. Zeist. Or no zeist. (laughs) So before we talk about these scenes, do you want to play a little game? Sure. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. It's game time. And I thought we'd, uh, since we're talking about Highlander 3, I thought it might be fun to revisit some of our previous Highlander movies. So, I've got 10 Highlander 1 trivia questions. You guys are going to go back and forth. So, I'm going to ask Kyle one, I'm going to ask Ammon one. Back and forth. Whoever has the most points at the end wins. And so, we're going to try to go quickly through the right along. All right, Kyle, we're going to start with you. Ready? Sure. What year was Connor born? 1592. 1518. Amen. What sporting event was the original film supposed to start with? Hockey. Kyle, what is the name of the actress who plays Brenda? Uh, I don't recall. Boo, Roxanne Hart. There it was. Eamon, what is the prostitute's name? Candy? That's right. Kyle, name another movie starring Clancy Brown. I don't know shitting the bed so hard. Pale uh, yeah. I don't know if he stars in that. Eamon, <laughs> name a TV show starring or prominently guest starring Clancy Brown. Uh, Superman. Yeah. Kyle. Who was the love of Ramirez's life? Shukiko. 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 All right. Come on. Uh, Amen. Who made Ramirez's sword? Ooh, is the real one or the one he says in the movie? Mocha. Is it Masamuno? Yeah. Kyle. Who did the Clam and Clown battle? The phrases. Yes. Ooh. Amen. Who does Connor fight in the garage? Seal. That's right. Kyle, name another film by Russell McCabe. Razorback. Correct. Eamon, what is the name of the detective in the film? Detective Bedshaw. That's right. Kyle, who composed the musical score to Highland? Michael Caine. That's right. Eamon, what drink does Castigier offer Connor? Boom Boom. Yeah. Kyle, what insult does Connor throw at the nobleman's wife in 1783? In Boston Connor. Yeah, I know. I'm going through it. Something a bore. What is he it? calls her a bloated ward. <laughs> a bloated ward. Oh, oh, <laughs> he calls her a razorback. <laughs> <laughs> razorback. <laughs> uh, Amen. Where does the final fight take place in Highlander 1? Uh, Silver Cup Studio. That's right. Kyle, what wrestling group starts the film off? The Fantastic Freebirds? No, it is the Fabulous Freebirds. Uh, fuck this. Uh, <laughs> Amen, what year does the movie take place? 1986. No, 1985. Uh, Kyle, what is Connor cruising for? 
<laughs> some ass. That's right. And finally, Amen. What kind of sword did Vasile fight with? Oh, a Scaramanca. Scaramanca. Damn it. Close. It's a Toledo Solomon. Amen, you have a total of eight points. Kyle, you have five points. Yep, it's five points. Great. Good job, Amen. High five. Nice job on some Highlander 1 trivia. Highlander 1 triv. Okay, guys. So what do we think of what we've seen thus far in this film? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Not much. Uh, a lot of odd decisions. Just left and right, weird choices are being made. So if the first things we saw in this movie on the podcast were about establishing who the villain was and, I guess, getting them trapped, these scenes are about how do we get McCloud back into the action, right. as it were. Like, where do we get him from? How do we get him from so point So their a? first choice is to take him back out of the action by having random gang members shoot him. Also, we have him in Marrakesh instead of just starting in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what an odd mechanical decision. I mean, I question that you had to get him back to New York. Right. But they do, and that's fine. Like, I totally buy that the gathering, like, reignites and he feels a pull back to New York. So, like, he has to go there. Right. Uh, and also, I guess part of it is because the device used later, it's like, well, we have to capture the sun. So there's this kind of like plain switcheroo thing that happens. Part of this, like, is like, oh, if we have him travel, that can be how the kidnapping works. Yeah. But it's it's strange. And we can talk a little bit about the original script. In the original script, well, there's no sun, right? <laughs> no. There no is sun. No sun. Rachel is in it. Rachel's in it. And Mac, like, the, the appearance of Mac back here is much more interesting, I think. Like, it's much more mysterious. Like, I like that it's, like, kind of a shadowy figure walking through the alley. Like, eventually we see that it's Mac. Like, his introduction in this movie is just, like, I'm back. He's back. Like, it's like we just see him in Marrakesh. It's like, oh, there's Mac. Like, yeah. where's introduction in the first movie? Marrakesh. Much more, much more fun and, like, visually interesting. It's like, oh, here's our hero walking through the streets of New York, just like we remember. Like, it's kind of more moody, it would seem. And that, that noir mystery about him walking yeah. around the streets is cool but like he's also influenced by being lonely which i think is a in like, the original script he's like i'm alone i'm going back to the only place where i like have anybody right and so that's important that's like an, an emotional reason he comes back and this he just comes back because of the game i guess yeah so yeah very strange and the whole loony bin thing is nutso cut it Cut it or make it make it more the movie make this a thing like mac is you know trapped and, like, how do I get out? Like, that could be part of the... You know what I mean? Like, that sounds like the plot of a movie I'm not interested in seeing, but would be a movie. But, <laughs> like, not, right. but it would, like, serve I'm, a... It would I'm, serve a role. Like, yeah, I'm not in, I'm not in favor yeah. of that, but at least that's something. Like, yeah. it's like, well, he yeah. gets captured, and now, like, at least maybe then, like, there's some impetus for him to get out. It's like, because the game's going on outside, I have to go protect my son, I have to protect Rachel, whatever it is, and I'm stuck here, and I have to figure out some way out. But none of that's important. No, he's just here, and then he's not here, and then they fight... <laughs> there for some reason like i don't know why they fight in the loony bin this also we'll get into this later with like because kane's gonna show up on our next episode but like this guy tracks down mac instantly like he pinpoints this guy like yep my fucking google maps doesn't work this well like when i yeah. need to go somewhere like this guy's like oh he's probably in the basement of this fucking hospital and he just comes there from japan he does he does <laughs> yeah he comes from japan to the basement of the exact hospital right mac has by pure chance been committed to right and they show like zero like detective work or like zero like anything about how he finds this guy it's just ridiculous that he gets from japan to new york in his goofy outfit 
Absolutely. In a lot of ways, this movie is competent, right? Like, this movie makes more sense in some ways than, like, Highlander 2. Like, this feels like a, a movie... Well, Highlander 2 had, like, the, felt unfinished. Like, sure. It was difficult to understand in part because whole swaths were missing. And the story's so bonkers. Like, this yeah. is more straight ahead. But I do feel like this is a movie where if you pull on one of these strings, like, a little bit, like, it all falls apart. Like, this feels like a movie that was figured out. Like, like we said, like, these are all mechanical things. It's like, well, we need them to fight. So where are they going to fight? Like... Well, just have them fight here. Like, th- th- this seems to have already gone through so much crazy editing to arrive at, like, weird things. Like, hey, like, they're just, gonna, like, Max in the hospital. They're going to fight in the basement of the hospital. But, like, then when you think about it, it's like, wait, he comes from Japan. He finds him instantly. Like, these are things that, like, I don't think we're overthinking it. But, like, this is kind of a hallmark of when movies aren't that hot. Like, there's lots of, like, suspensions of disbelief in good movies. Plenty of movies. Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies. But, like, Highlander 1. Highlander 1. <laughs> yeah. Or The Dark Knight is a, a, another good example. Like, the whole, like, Joker scene. It's like, wait a minute. Like, if you think about that for a few minutes, it's like, how does this plan work? Like, this doesn't make any sense. This is crazy. But the movie's good, and so you buy into it. Like, when you have all these things that are like, hold on, what? Hold on, what? Like, it forces you to, like, continually unravel this thread. And think like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. And then nothing starts making sense. Like, you're second guessing everything. Like, I'm, I can't buy into this story because there's no like firm grounding of what it is I'm watching and how the pieces all move. It's like it's just very strange. So then I start calling out everything. That's just me though. Well, it's, I agree that there's there's something just very jury rigged about the whole process. Yeah. Like it doesn't bear thought. I guess is really what yeah. it comes down to. Not even like overthought. Just general. Right. And again, to me, that seems to be a byproduct of like too much, like editing happened so much, like that there was a story and it's like, well, we're not able to film that. So it's like, well, but we like this scene. So just put it here. And we like this character. So just put them there. And then we're left with like, hold on. Like now it doesn't work. Like, but I like that Napoleon scene somehow. How about that? Yeah. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Like I couldn't get past it. I thought it was like, I, you made me appreciate some competent elements of that more, but it's just mere existence. I find a little offensive. So like, you know. Yeah, it's not a sensitive uh, handling of the mentally ill. Either. Oh, also true, yeah. <laughs> Certainly not. But it's also just like... Neither, neither is us calling it the loony bin yeah. over and over. No, they prefer the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> <laughs> the cuckoo's nest. Loony Napoleon. Yeah. No, the, the cuckoo's nest is on the, the top floor. The little loony bin's in the basement. That's, yeah, that's, exactly. why, it's a bin. that's why it's a bin right. and not a nest. The loony nest. That's yeah. where King goes because he's a bird later. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> the loony nest. And we haven't even gotten into the apex of his shenanigans yet. This movie really goes off the rails. Yep. <laughs> it might already be off the rails. Were there ever rails? It's like Highlander 2 and that runaway train. Yeah. Choo-choo. <laughs> yeah. So, so far, we have talked about the opening of the movie. Uh, yes. So, what has happened so far? Uh, Nakano, the new Ramirez the magic character. Man. Magic man. He taught t- McLeod nothing and then gets decapitated by the villainous Kane. Right. Then mm-hmm. his severed head causes a cave to collapse, trapping him below Mount Neary in Japan. For some reason... Kane blames this on a series of events on McLeod. His goons have escaped. He murdered one of them. And McLeod, in the present day, in the present day, McLeod goes to New York for some reason, gets put in a loony bin for some reason, encounters a Napoleon wannabe for some reason. And then in a two second fight scene, he dispatches uh, the other Kano goon. Kano goon. That's right. So two things I forgot to mention about that fight scene. The beloved Kane goon who says nothing uses the phrase, I'm your shadow, McLeod. Yeah. Like, huh? That's an odd thing to say. Especially because yeah. they, like, just met. This yeah. isn't like he's... You've never spoken to this man. And they've never even fought before. This is yeah. like... It's like there's beef. And yeah. it's like, no beef. No beef. 
Joe Beef. Joe Beef. Joe that, Beef. Maybe that was his name, Joe Beef. Yeah, that was it. Second, though, and I can't believe we didn't talk about this when talking about the quickening, the Mountain Dew. Oh, my God. How did we not talk about that? When the that? quickening goes, it causes a series of Mountain Dew cans that are, like, the label multiple. Like, like the ultimate doing, in product placement. Yeah, like, whoever is doing this laundry has, like, a Mountain Dew habit. There are, like, 12 <laughs> cans of Mountain Dew on a table, and they'll erupt their Mountain Dew into the air. Mount, Mountaineery Dew. Mountaineery Dew. Mountaineery Dew. Was that the tie-in? Yeah. yeah. And in Highlander 2, we had the Wendy's That's right. product placement. With that, I was just like, there's still Wendy's in this post-apocalyptic, like, domed city. Well, they, they must have won the, uh, the, the, the franchise, the franchise, franchise wars. wars. Yeah, yeah. In Demolition Man. In the future, all restaurants are Taco Bell. I'd like to take you to Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really shocked we didn't talk about the Mountain Dew. Sorry, it was on the next page of my notes, uh, so I didn't uh, but also, see it until like, I flipped it. The cans just explode. The cans don't levitate. Just the Mountain Dew erupts, out of erupts the- from the cans. But the cans are completely stationary. Don't worry, guys. The cans are fine. Yeah. These quickenings, quote unquote, aren't like as gay as the, the ones in the first movie. You know what I mean? Like, these don't feel as erotic. Like, like, literally, like, as phallic. erotic. And yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Right. Like, the, they're very homoerotic in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Less so in the second movie, I'd say, too. But, sure. like, the first movie goes deep into that imagery. And this, this doesn't. Yeah, because, like, we talked about that in our a bajillion part first episode series like the very first quickening we see where mcleod fights Masil, they meet in this like shadowy place and like they fight with penis Phallus, symbols, Phallus symbols and then yeah. like mac basically has like an orgasm is what it looks like and there isn't all this lightning necessarily the same way yeah no there's actually very, not much lightning in the very first quickening. yeah and all these cars like lunge forward and extrude oil yeah. and it's very very sexual it's very sexual these are not no these are not this is like special effects orgasms not joe beef yeah joe beef <laughs> all right so we're ready to hop into this chapter let's do it all right so who hops in the frame but kane so kane is now on the scene and so how, how do we how do we how get do introduced in the version i watched he just is walking around a dock <laughs> so presumably he got off a ship yeah is what we're you know this alludes to i thought this location was cool because it looked like there a, a ship was docked in like the ice i thought that looked kind of oh, okay. cool but yeah, yeah, which I had no problem with that. I was like, okay, yeah. took a boat. And so that's from the European cut. In the U.S. cut... What happens? Since the special effects needed time to work out, he fucking, like, teleports onto this dock. The whole it's frame like goes, ripple. like, wonky. It's, it's like, like a, a stargate. And he, like, <laughs> pops into frame. Like, yeah. it's like the frame, like, it, like he poops, gets pooped out of space or something. Yeah. He's like, like a wormhole. I mean, that would make sense for Joe Beef. That's how Joe Beef got to the hospital. Like, he was <laughs> he teleported just pooped there. there. But he had already left Kane, so is Joe Beef so that all that magic? that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So uh, I'm like, also, really, that stretches what the power of illusion is. Yeah, the power of if illusion. What? Yeah. Well, maybe actually, just all time and space are an illusion. They are. Man. Sure. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, yeah man. This is deep. <laughs> maybe this is really we making have, a point. We have Matthew McConaughey from True Detective yeah. coming in. Times a flat circle. Death created time to grow the things that would kill. Fuck you, McConaughey. <laughs> so some asshole's gonna write that in their college essay and think it's really profound. So here's a question. How does Kane know to come here? I guess it's just he the just gathering. Feels it, but like he he sends his goon. He's like, go find McLeod. This goon is not like reported back, presumably, right? Right, right. So like, so I think the gathering is just on. Is just back on, so they feel pulled to New York. My view of this might have been tainted a little bit by the reading of the script, because right. there's a discussion because like the bad guys again trapped in a cave. 
there's some description that he gives that like when the gathering was happening and he's like trapped in the cave, like the pull was so strong. They were like clawing at the walls, trying to escape so they could go participate. That's so cool. That I is think. cool. Yeah. That's but a good idea. I feel like that is maybe making me think more favorably about it, though. It's not something that's present on the screen. Yeah. You know that, what I mean? That question, there is no answer to. No. Yeah. You know how to fix it? Here we go. How about the three fucking amigos. villains? The three amigos emerge from the cave. Kane takes the one's head. The mm. other one is like, what the fuck? And fucking flees. Yeah. And, of course, he's got no choice because he's an immortal. So he ends up fleeing to New York because he feels a pull there. And Kane follows shortly after. Because, like, him ordering him to go there. He doesn't order him to go there. He just says, go find McCloud. Well, but, I mean, he orders him to go find McCloud. So yeah. now, now we're like, oh, well, he must not know where McCloud is. Mm-hmm. He sends the goon to do the dirty work. Right. But then Kane just shows up anyway. It's like, well, you didn't even need to tell him to do that. You would have yep. just come anyway. Right. So fix it by not making it an order. Okay. Have, him, have, yeah. him just, have him just leave Kane's entourage. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds like a shitty place to be. It's not a good entourage. Yeah. Again, this is like how this movie is like not thoughtfully put together or edited in like the script was edited to such a degree that it's fucking butchered and it's like it doesn't make any sense anymore. Nope. So Kane's in New York. (laughs) So now we get a police investigation. We cut back to the hospital and we're in the basement. Hey, guys, you know what the best thing about Highlander was? Yeah, it's the cops. <laughs> They're back. We get some real go- – the, the one cop, the heavy set dude, mm-hmm. who kind of looks like the, the police officer from the first movie, Alan North. Yeah, he does look like him, which yeah. I kind of thought he was supposed to be him. But So we're about to meet <laughs> Lieutenant Sedan, which is a new police officer played by Martin Neufeld. And, you know, he's the new grizzled, hard-boiled guy who's out to get McCloud. He's kind of your Bedsoe replacement. Yeah, but Bedsoe is a little bit of a buffoon. Yeah. This this guy doesn't seem like a buffoon. Right. This guy seems gruff. He's rough and tumble. And he's on the ball. Or yeah. at least he has a functioning memory. <laughs> yeah. Right. For a second, just from the way he looks and the way he talks, mm-hmm. I thought he was going to be, what's his name, Garfield? The guy who says you're a cocksucker or whatever, McLeod? Yeah, the guy, oh, right. roughs yeah. Up, or the guy who roughs up Nash in the first instance who's like a beat cop or something I like that. I thought the exact same thing. I thought that now this guy... Is wearing big boy pants. He's yep. like older and wiser, but he's still an asshole. Right. And like that would have been awesome. And you know, he wanted Nash from the beginning, and now he's going to get him. Right. Right. Nope. So what happens? I this- would have also been fine, like because you like you said, this guy kind of looks and sounds like him. Like he's this rough New York type. If just they had just called him Garfield, him just, anyway. Just, yeah. 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 Just recast. It's fine. So this guy is totally like, fine. Is like where's the sword? Like this guy remembers right the Bedso case. From eight years ago. Right. Because the other guys are, like, impressed that he's putting it all together yeah. so quickly. He's like, how did you know right. there was a sword? He's like, I, I remember. Yeah. Other I remember. Pe- other people don't remember, but I remember. <laughs> I was like, what, who is this guy? Are you, like, describing boxing from the 30s? Yeah. <laughs> Lieutenant Sten's voice is so strong it's like a cartoon new york voice yeah like every time i saw him i was almost pulling it was like the first time you realized that it's rick astley (laughs) where you're like that voice is coming out of that man i'm like yeah huh i find him fairly captivating like i think this is a more interesting character and i wish we got maybe more of this plot i don't know like because we do talk about like uh like are there cops in this like does that bog it down it's like i think it just needs to make its mind up it's like either there's no cops or this is, like, hardcore part of the story, and it's neither. Yeah. Like, I mean, my preference would be that it's not. Right. But, like, insofar as it is, this is probably the most compelling cop we've seen in the Highlander franchise. Sure. Sure, yeah. He beats all the detectives from the series, hands down. Hands down. Handily. It still is, like, not worth it. Like, there's not enough time put into it. 
it's it makes no sense. It just kind of gets in the way. And they don't really provide anything for the story. Well, again, because it's all a rehashing of the first movie. So it's like the cops in the original one, that was part of like getting Brenda involved too. Yeah. And it's like, well, how is she going to uncover this story and find out what it is? Like she's the surrogate for the audience in some ways. Mm. But it's like we've done that already. The audience is aware of what's going on. So they've just now introduced a new audience surrogate or something. Like it's like uncover the mystery that everybody knows the answer to. But you know he's I mean? not – but he never also advances the mystery. Correct. That's he exactly never it. All, he also never gets closer to it. Right. Because, yeah, in the first movie we see Brenda. Like she goes to the, the, the records and she sees birth certificates. She's like, wait, how, what is this? This isn't making sense. Like she's slowly piecing this thing together and getting closer and closer to McLeod through it. This is not what's happening here. No. There's no pieces being put together. He almost learns nothing. He does learn. Like, he's like a hard-boiled detective, which is fine. But, like, kind of no detective work happens in this Zero. movie. It's just that he he follows Nash around. Once, yeah, or twice. Once, yeah. Twice, yeah, that's it. Three times a lady. That's right. But three never, t- like, gets information out of that. Like, he never has a theory. Does he? No. He is zero. His, I mean, his theory is that he's the decapitator. Right. But yeah. that's it. So I'm going to nail you, Nash. I'm going to nail your butt to the wall. <laughs> so in the original draft of this script, this is supposed also, to be Bedso. I'm pretty sure he's another John, isn't he? Is he John Stan? Maybe. I think so. Come on. Let's There's three Johns in the movie. Three Johns in the movie? <laughs> yeah. Lieutenant John Sten. Yeah. What? There's three Johns. Speaking of characters' names, I am not entirely sure who this person was, but on IMDb... There is a character in this movie named Stosh. You're kidding. This this has to be confirmation. Is Bill it, uh, Bill uh, Panzer must have a friend or his dog is named Stosh, right? Like his dog. It has to be something. Like his there friend's is dog. His friend's, his friend's dog, dog whatever. Stosh. There is no way that there are so many Stoshes in the Highlander universe. Like that is not a common name, right? Or is it big in Canada? I don't know. But Stoshes keep popping up. Big in Japan? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, real, it's a classic Japanese name. Yeah, Stosh. So anyway, there's a Stosh in this movie. Yep. Uh, uh, there's something to that. Not much, but there's something yeah, there's to it. There's something to it. <laughs> do they make the same joke in this scene that they do in the garage scene of Highlander 1? Like, how do you die? The, the, the joke here is like, uh, I suspect foul play. Yeah, yeah. I suspect and, foul play. And then the, say, the joke in the other one is like, well, how do you think he died? <laughs> Yeah. Well, and they, and they like, also echo that joke later in the morgue, yeah. because they're like, I, the, 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 the M.E. is like, I think I finally figured out the cause of death, death, which is pretty funny. But. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty funny. <laughs> All right, so Mac is coming home in the next scene, and Sten cuts him off at the pass, right? Eamon, tell us about this. Eight years ago, you got away with it, but I'm not Detective Bedsoe. And McLeod's just like, have a good night. Right, and goes in. Yeah, and yeah. he like he doesn't really have anything, but he's like, I know something's up, which is okay. So he's just like waiting outside of his apartment. But here's also the fact that Nash is back for the first time in eight years, and there's suddenly another decapitated body. Pretty yeah. good. Strong evidence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So here's one of, another weird key thing that I notice. So this happened eight years ago. What year did the first movie take place? 1985. 1985, which makes this... 1993 so this movie takes place in the past of its movies the movie's release and let's barely barely but i'm just saying because they they mentioned this eight-year thing a number of times Mm -hmm. it's kind of just strange it's like unless there were a lot of delays with the production and getting like the movie actually released in theaters because even if let's say you say the movie takes place in 1986 because it's when it came out eight years later is still 1994 where they got in the philippines where they got (laughs) it finally in the philippines but a year later like it's kind of just a strange bit of dialogue yeah i don't know it's weird the strange keith thing in it though oh just that i thought about it (laughs) just that i like was dissecting how many years i was waiting for some batshit theory don't don't worry i have the most batshit crazy thing that we're all gonna be on a ride 
for later. Yes. <laughs> and it involves one of the most mundane things in this oh, film. Great. Yes. <laughs> oh, but uh, I like that Sten mentions Bedso in this scene. But it's, I think Keith was mentioning Bedso is supposed to be the cop in the script. Yeah. Do we want to talk about his involvement at all? Or He's back. Bedso's involvement? Yeah. In the original script, Bedso was, I mean, he's the cop, so it, it kind of yeah. makes more sense that he's picking this up. So he definitely stops by with like more stop and chats with Mac and mm-hmm. is present at the end of the movie, which is important. And we'll right. get into that later as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of like that it was Bedso in the script, but... Yeah, I mean, no, it would have been fine. Yeah. Though this character is very different than Bedso. Very different, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, this character is, like, in fucking intense. Bedso is pretty laid back. Yeah, he's unlike the other cops in the scenes, which are, like... They're yeah, they're a little bit more laid back. They're just like yeah, like look at this, and like this guy's like we gotta catch. He's smoking. <sighs> yeah, catch this motherfucker. Like he's yeah. like really into it. Like this is a guy that doesn't sleep at night because he's gonna catch a murderer. Which That's again right. would be like fodder for good drama in this if it was like integral to the plot really but it's kind of but it's not yeah because again it's all mechanics it's just like these cops are here literally only to stop mac at the end at the airport i don't think they're here for any reason (laughs) no i just think it's for an obstacle it's like why does mac not stop kane at the airport like what's in his way maybe gets arrested and then like we work backwards from that Hmm. i'm not sure that that's what it is just because I don't think you need an obstacle. Like, he can just beat him. Like, he can just get there faster. Sure. It's not like you mechanically need that obstacle. I guess not. All right. So, we cut to the mean streets. And there are these, like, street hustlers there. And they're playing... So, what's the name of this card? Three-card Monty? Three-card Monty. Kane's walking by. And they bring him in. They're like, hey, brother, come on over and, like, play the game. So unlike his friend, Kane figured out how to buy clothes. Yeah. He but, he, looks- but he changes later into his armor. Kind of, yeah. 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 But he does have, like, a trench coat on and, like, and he like looks- a, a hoodie type. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. It's a cool outfit. Sure. So He's guy like wearing... fucking Morpheus. That's yeah. what he is. Yeah. Well, especially once he gets the blade glasses from this guy. So, so this three-card Monty guy is wearing the Wesley Snipes sunglasses. Right. Yeah. At night. And he kind of looks like Wesley Snipes. He does he probably, look... Actually, he probably got that all from Wesley Snipes, Snipes, which yeah. he directed in New Jack City. <laughs> yeah. So he beats him at the game. Another weird, like... Not just beats him. He uses his magic. He uses his sorcerer powers. It's a weird, like, another three-person thing where you're trying to pick the right one. It's oh, kind of a weird... That's a good point. Nakano callback. Oh, that's funny. He cheats by... He's like, oh, find the Ace of Diamonds. And he turns all three cards into the Ace of Diamonds. Yeah. And takes the money. And they're like, whoa, what the shit? Give me your money back. And then he teleports the guy's glasses off of his face. Yeah. He illusions them off of his face. Yes. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, and they run away. And the one guy is a little person... <laughs> Like, all right. Wait, what? The the card, the, the the one guy, like, running the game is, like, a little person. Yeah. Is? Uh-huh. I watched this twice and didn't pick up on that. What the fuck? Oh, you must have just thought he was crawling around the whole <laughs> No, yeah, he's a little, it's like, it's a very, like, oh, okay. Like, I thought he looked like Wesley Snipes. <laughs> he, do, he, does. he does look like Wesley oh, okay. Snipes. Okay, looks like a small Wesley Snipes. Yeah. So, uh, a little. Wesley Snipes. little trivia. Not on Wesley Snipes. So, yeah. there was a similar scene that was going to be in the movie. Before they shot this, right? And this is kind of like, I guess, the replacement scene. So, during filming in Montreal, two local punk rockers with mohawk hairdos were hired as extras for a scene wherein they were to attempt mugging the newly awakened Kane uh, in a dark alley. So, this is similar to, like, it's like Kane having his first run-in with the, the mean streets in New York, right? Mm. The two were paid a nominal fee, thanked for their services before shooting... Uh, and the scene was dropped from the movie after they were seen taking drugs on set and overheard plotting to kidnap Mario Van Peebles by driving away in the uh, in a makeup RV with him in it. Great. <laughs> That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? 
Why marry a Van Peebles? Why not marry a Van Peebles? Well, I mean, enough. if you're going to ransom someone. I mean, maybe Lambert. Yeah, who has more cash? I don't know. Or cash. Lambert must have more cash, right? At but I guess point? they weren't in a scene with him. Also, these guys are all hopped up on drugs, so yeah. who knows yes. what they're thinking. This is a meth plan anyway. Yeah, so. meth plan. <laughs> so I'm sad their plan. I thought that was a great yeah. story. I'm sad their plan didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> sad for whom? I don't know. That could have just been the plot of the movie. Yeah. Mario Van Peebles gets they, they just drop the Lambert has to yeah. <laughs> his friend Mario Van Peebles. Oh, no. We were filming The Highlander number three, and then Kane got kidnapped. And I, I'm a superhero, so... I must save him. Also, by the way, this scene is the scene. Like, that's it. This, this, like, this three-card Monty thing. What is, the, we, what is the scene? We see how he gets uh, sunglasses. sunglasses. They're like, yeah. we need the origin story. <laughs> but, like, it kind of doesn't do much, does it? I don't think it does anything. This isn't Kane getting acclimated to New York in any way. I don't think. No, he seems fine. He's getting around just fine. Like, he's the yeah. one who scams the... Like, I don't know. He hasn't learned anything. This is how he gets his money to pay for his drink that he Like, he should later. get... He should lose a three-card Monty or something. That would maybe... Like, it's like, wait, what's going on here? Like, he... he there's no learning moment for him. This is so stupid. Because they're using the power of illusion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is just fucking just sleight of Sleight of hand. Sleight of hand, right. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I don't know. Also, showing... oh, he's never seen this game before. Yeah. I it's a know. pretty simple game, though. Wait, have you ever played before? Hey, let me explain. I can see you're confused. Let me explain the rules. Okay. All right. So we cut now to Max Loft, the iconic Max Loft from the first movie. I like that they've kind of recreated it. Yeah, I couldn't remember if this was really a faithful recreation or not. It seems like pretty close. Yeah. I don't know. Enough so that I'm like, all right. It's yeah. like it in spirit, I think. Yeah. Where's the fish tank? Yeah, where's the fish tank? I guess the fish tank is called out explicitly in the original script. Like, yeah. oh, the fish tank is there. Like the, the weird, the silver room. I didn't remember this from the first one or not. Is his view fake in the first one? And yes. this is definitely a model. Like, yes, it is fake in okay. the first one. Yeah, yeah, it's all a set. So Matt comes back. Everything's like covered in sheets and shit. Like, so he's packed up. He hasn't been there, I guess, for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, he looks out the window. Sten, much like Bedso, was camped out in front of his place. Or I guess in the, in the Highlander 1, Bedso's camped out of uh, Brenda's place. Right. Right. So this is similar. So then Mac uncovers the fucking piano where the TV remote lives. Mm -hmm. He then has fucking... Cable. He's well, he has cable and it, that he's, I guess, been paying for. Uh, or maybe he doesn't because I guess in those days you could just plug in to the wall for, like, channels, you know, your regular news broadcast. You'd have bunny ears for that. True. But he has, like, some special high-tech, like, it's some crazy flat screen. It's behind. Did you see it's, like, behind a fucking electronic, like, yeah. curtain thing? It's, like, it, like, goes up. Yeah. So he turns Max on this. living high on the hog. Uh, so He's he... living on that shield court money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, we definitely need to have a discussion at some point that this is a prequel to, to Highlander 2. Where's uh, Like, I that we should try the, to... I know, I know the exact line that made you think that, and... Or maybe I don't. Oh, no. There, you, that no, there, that. there is one. But I think we should try to shoehorn this in. I know it's not for you nerds that are freaking out. It's not a real sequel to that. It doesn't count. I know. But it'll be fun and silly to talk about how this could actually fit in. And this is like before the fucking ozone layer collapses. He doesn't have any science acumen in this movie. But this one also posits that you get it when you cut people's heads off. So maybe uh, Kane. Maybe Kane had it off. Kane has the scientist. The, all that science knowledge would be frozen in like <laughs> yeah. the 1500s somewhere. Okay. So on this TV, because also just talking about character shit, like 
Kyle, you said in one of our previous podcasts, like Mac doesn't seem like the guy that's like into meditation, like has this like spiritual side to him or like into illusion and stuff. Mac also doesn't seem like the sort of guy that when he comes home after years away, maybe eight years, shrug, who knows, that he's like, let me turn on the TV. Like Mac doesn't seem like a TV guy. That's just me. I don't know. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, right? Okay. Am I, am I mistaken in that? Like, he doesn't seem like the guy that watches TV. I don't know. I can see him watching TV. Okay. I find the, Well, I find the TV more believable than that he's into, like, hocus Eastern pocus. wisdom. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I, hocus pocus. I guess I could see him, like, drinking beers and watching football. And yeah, just I can like, see ah, that. fuck, fuck yeah. it. It's a Sunday. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Fuck it. It's a Sunday. So, anyway, he puts on fucking news, and it is a live, we're going to get into this, a live broadcast from Japan. And so, Dr. Alex Johnson, Deborah Unger. Do you know it's live? Yes, it says live. Oh, okay. She is being interviewed. She says uh, she's from the New York Museum of Ancient History. Not a real thing. And so, is this the local, like, I think this is like the local New York news channel, which is broadcasting live live from Japan about a story, (laughs) like an archaeological story. This is like the slowest news day. It's like all syndicated. Sure. Yeah. yeah, no, you just buy the store. You just buy the slot. And all right, so it gets slotted in. Mac is listening like, to this. It's local in the sense that it's activities of a local New York <laughs> yeah. person. It's I don't know why I'm bending over backwards to... So <laughs> we should do. I think it's important to do this sort of yeah. stuff, this legwork for this. So then Mac is like, oh, and he recognizes her voice. Sarah. Yeah, and says, I Sarah, hate this. And gets a flashback. So, all right, well, let's talk about this flashback first. So we get a flashback to sometime in France. Like, this is pre-revolutionary France, right? Yes. This transition is nothing memorable. Not like the Mulcahy transitions. Like, this is literally a pan to the left and using a wall to cut the scene. Okay, fine. It works. Again, this is stuff they do on the TV show. Great, you do it on the TV show. They shoot those in seven days. This is a movie. Nobody thought, like, how are we going to do these transitions? Like, this is a big part of the original movie. Not planned yeah. out here, apparently. Yeah. Or this is the level of planning. It's like, just fucking pan. We'll cut to the wall. Might as well just fucking do Star, had, War, Star Wars wipes. Doesn't they had matter. walls back then. <laughs> so we're at some type of French via. And the music, did anyone notice the music has, like, very small hints of who wants to live forever? Like, two to three notes. It's very subtle. Probably because they couldn't really get away with quoting mm. the music. But Which how? How could they not get the music? I know. I, I don't know what the rights issues are with that. They can do it for two movies, but then in number and the three, TV show too, and the TV show. But for this, nope, nope. Maybe it's just a conscious choice. Maybe it's not that they couldn't do it. Just don't. Let's want. divorce ourselves from Queen. Yeah. yeah, possible. We've got other metal to incorporate into this movie. So this character Sarah, who is played by Deborah Unger, mm-hmm. comes in but with and like, it's like red hair, redder right. hair, redder or hair. Yeah, uh, she's like, oh, like who are you? And Mac is like, no, like do I know you? No, <laughs> I'm Dandy McCloud. Yeah, this is like the least charismatic scene ever. It's yeah. a negative chemistry. <laughs> yeah. But and it's also, also just like they're just in a room. They're just stand they're both standing there already. She has a British accent, which she's visiting from England. Right. right. Which gets explained later. But it's like, oh it gets explained in thirty seconds. Oh, it doesn't yeah. okay. it's like yeah. in the scene it gets You've explained. You've met my spirited niece right. visiting from England. That's right. Because Mac is here to gamble right. <laughs> with this woman's uncle. Right. Saucy French man. <laughs> <laughs> Mac is very saucy. So here's the thing about this scene that, like, is crazy. Like, the transition to the flashback is Mac recognizes, like, he's not looking at the TV. He hears the voice and goes, Sarah, who speaks in a British accent 200 years ago? Like, yeah. this is how he, like, he has this power to recognize voices? <laughs> like, how does he know? It's also, her. like, is reincarnation part of this 
universe now? Evidently. Or is it just like, this is a stand-in for love? But we're going to get into more of this later. So, we dissolve back through to the present. Because that's all this scene is, really. This is nothing. This is just two characters saying, hi. And she's like, oh, he's here to rein me in. or Oh, yeah, there's like a taming of the shrew aspect to this. Like, I'm I'm bridled or something. Yeah, and he's like, ooh, a pleasant challenge. Right, so then we dissolve through the TV. I'll suck those nipples. <laughs> Spoiler alert. How much Lambert nipple sucking do you think is in this movie? As much Too as much. legally allowed to be with this yeah. film's rating. <laughs> so we dissolve back to the present through the TV. That looks kind of okay. And then we get a cut to the snake bar. Yeah. All right. So on this, this exciting bar is not playing a football game, a baseball game, wrestling. <laughs> they are playing a live news broadcast of archaeological footage for the bartenders to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what? all those bar patrons. It's like pay-per-view, only yeah. terrible. Hey, could you, ch- could you change the station to that archaeological find? <laughs> the only thing that could be, like, less exciting than what this is at the bar is, like, a live stream of, like, an eagle sitting on an egg. Like, you know, <laughs> like just watching its, its chicks. Like, what? This yeah. is so ridiculous. So, anyway, Kane's getting a drink. Anyone notice what he's drinking? Applejack? Interesting choice. Ooh. Why is he drinking Applejack? I wondered the same thing. Is that a liquefied version of the cereal? It is. That's right. It's that's very, he's actually just milk. eating a bowl of Applejack. <laughs> Applejack, if anyone wants the scoop on Applejack, it's a colonial era drink. <laughs> Kyle's shaking his head like, you fucker. <laughs> Get Don't. in there. No, sorry. I was debating whether or not to do the Keith joke of, uh-huh, nobody cares. <laughs> you could. <laughs> if I'm not going to. Go you, ahead. All right. You could. Do people want to know what this is? I do. Write Spit us in. Out. I'll wait. Oh, okay. We'll okay, wait so Applejack is a colonial era spirit. Mm. It's called Jack. It's, well, it's Apple because it's made from apples. Jack because it's jacking, which means increasing your alcohol content. So it's mm. like a stronger alcohol than most. The idea was it was very economical at the time. So they would make essentially kind of like an apple brand. Like, you know, they would ferment the apple juice. Mm. But normally to distill any sort of spirit, you heat a kettle and you boil off your alcohol, you collect it, and that's your spirit. During the winter, that's expensive, especially in colonial America where you have to burn a bunch of coal or wood. And so it's like, well, instead of boiling the alcohol off, let's freeze the water off. And so they would leave these outside to freeze. Or, of course, the water freezes before the alcohol. And then they scoop off the frozen, frosted water. You know, it's like an icy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And would discard that. And what you're left with is a concentrated alcohol. So that is Applejack. Interesting. How about that? That was actually quite fascinating. And Kane has apparently heard of it. (laughs) He's like into Applejack. Like, why does he pick that one? Who knows? Oh, I thought Applejack. I thought they made Applejack because um, the flavor of apple and the flavor of cinnamon have a race. (laughs) But cinnamon always wins on the race to get to your bowl. Am I thinking the wrong thing? Also, there's a nice little parallel between the Kurrigan and him on this because so yeah so we talk about some ancient taggers right kyle yeah there was uh you know there's this tagging phrase we don't know what it means blah blah blah. and kane goes i know what it means and i have in my notes there's a full focus shot i don't know why i always find that like slightly impressive anytime i see a movie where there's like full focus there's Mm -hmm. like there's a fucking snake bowl I love this snake bowl. The snake bowl. The reason this place is called the snake bar is <laughs> it just has an on the orb bar. with a snake in it. Also, here's a crazy theory, right? Anybody get the, a vibe of what this bar is? No. Is it a gay bar? Yeah, that's it. It's like a cowboy bar. This place is entire like there's country music playing and it is populated mostly by older gentlemen all wearing cowboy boots, cowboy hats. So I was like, is this place in New York? 
part of me even wondered, are they, is Kane not in New York at this moment? Is he on his way still? This is the strangest location. It is a cowboy bar. Everybody in this place is cowboys. There's, I mean, there are 9 million people in New York. I believe that there's a cowboy bar in New York without hesitation. Possible. I believe that there's. Oh, yeah, sure. Insert bar here. I believe it exists in New York. Sure. So anyway, isn't that, isn't that just a strange thing, though? Like, this is a cowboy bar. It was a weird... Entirely populated by cowboys. Okay. And, and snakes. snakes. And and snakes. There's a snake in my bowl. <laughs> yeah. So weird key theory. Is he even really in New York? Yes. Question mark. It's debatable. You could say he's not, though, and it's okay. Was he in New York before and then left New York? Is that I, no, I'm, I don't know if we're, we could say he's 100% New York. We know he's on a dock. That's true. So... Interesting. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> All right, so, bam, we cut back to Japan. We're in the weird electrical facility or whatever this is. And For the last time? Maybe this is the last time. So Alex is looking at some rock carvings. She says something in French, uh, and then she says, oh, this alphabet is, like, early Russian, which is, like, okay. I don't know why it's in Japan or who was there. Does that imply, like, the Kurgan maybe was there? Who knows? Well, why I is thought it? it was that that was a rock piece from the cave that one of the warriors carved that into that's oh that the warrior carved that that would make more sense because they could definitely be from like west asia then all right yeah, i'm on board that okay yeah, more that okay fully. yeah all right i'm into that so she says there can be only one i actually really like this yeah what we talked about before with like nakano and like oh the legend of nakano maybe it's real it's like eh, fuck that i think this is cooler and this is something that seems more left over from the original script that like there is a legend about these mystics in the Scottish Highlands and, like, what were they up to? And, like, there's stories about people that would behead each other. And it's like – or this is, like, mythology that exists out there. Much like the Watchers or something. It's like, oh, what is this? She's investigating that. Like, there can be only one inscribed in rock I think is cool. Yeah. No, that is – Like, cool. that lends to this crazy mythic nature of this thing. And, like, her apparent theory that legends can be used as, like, a source of archaeological knowledge. Then she gets a fax message. Right. Although this time we don't get to see the fax coming in. We'll talk about that oh, yeah. <laughs> later. What is this fact she gets? It's about a headless body in New York City. And, like, the note is, like, thought you'd enjoy reading this on the way home. <laughs> From fucking Tommy. It's like, Tommy, what a weirdo. Like, why did you send this? Yeah. And well, is it only... I don't know. Is it because that, I guess, Tommy knows about the headless body they found? Well, he must. In the original script, it has to do with, I believe, that... It's the clothing that's being yeah. investigated. Like, that's the impetus for whole, her, her whole involvement in this investigation in the original script is that her body had this, like, ancient armor on. Body found in New York with ancient armor on. And that's how she ends up going back and investigating. Right. Which is better. That, that makes, makes more sense. sense. That makes more sense. And that's also the wa- reason why this person sends it to her because that's the crucial part. Like, this headline is just, like, headless body. But yuck, the other yuck, one, yuck. Yeah, but the other one gets yeah. into, like, this is some, like, ancient person or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. That makes way more sense. Yeah. So Brenda's doing great work. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm just, is, that, is that bit tired yet? I'm no. Gonna just keep, I'm just going to keep going with it. Oh, by the way, they have the same skill set. Huh? Yeah, really. They're, like, the same. Okay. So, also, so she's, like, boxing up shit. She boxes up, the like, the paperweight, essentially, we'll call it. This the is the block of metal. And she's going to take all this stuff back to New York. And then part of me was like, wait, she's taking all this Japanese stuff to New York? Like, J- Japan doesn't want to keep any of this stuff? Like, I, to me, that's a little weird. Maybe they'll let her use her facilities to analyze it. They might get it back. I think she's taking it all and keeping it. Stealing it. it. <laughs> she's yeah. stealing it. They got facilities there. They have all those electrodes and stuff. They, yeah. Got, yeah. they definitely have other labs. That's all the museum equipment. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So then we cut back to New York. And Eamon, what is Kane up to? Kane is looking in a sex store window at like a blow-up doll or Yeah, something. he is. And he's her. like, yeah. yeah baby. <laughs> and then some weird like... 
pimp man approaches him and is like, oh. Does anyone know who that guy is? No. No, who? Uh, he is credited as Ponytail. Ponytail. Is what he's credited as in the book. He, I mean, In the credits, he looks like such a fucking creep. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, this guy looks really familiar. So I went all out looking for him. He is Christopher Heyerdahl, a.k.a. he's one of the main characters in the AMC show Hell on Wheels. Oh. He is the Swede. Wow. He is phenomenal in that show. Damn. This guy's great. Wow. How about that? Um, but this is like his second IMDb credit. Wow. Ponytail. 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 Does he even have a ponytail? Yeah. I didn't notice. <laughs> and like a does. gross beard. And yeah. Like, he's like, why would you want plastic when you can have the real thing? Right. Then he takes Kane over to one of the most offensive characters I've ever seen in a movie. This is, I was like, like hold one on. Of the most hold effective on. caricatures hold in on. this thing. Yeah. All right. So Kane goes oh up to God. like a little shitty hotel room or whatever this is. Yep. Little fuck room. A little fuck room. And there's a, a whore in here. Yeah, I have in my notes, is this offensive question? Mark? Yes. <laughs> once she once she talks, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So do you, she just has this really like broken English accent talking about uh, Did you write like, down the actual dialogue that uh, she says? She says no glove, no love. I remember that. Uh she says it more like no, I mean, glove? well, we can. Would we like to play the clip? No, sure. No. All right, let's play this clip, guys. Highlander rewatch does not endorse any of the, the, the uh, characters displayed in this clip. That's right. Why don't you come play a little bit? Make yourself comfortable. You're a nice big boy. Come on, you little devil. Silent type, huh? It's fine by me, baby. But I'm telling you, no glove, no love. Okay, so that was a crazy clip and so offensive on a lot of levels. So, one, you probably couldn't get this just from the clip, but she hands him a condom, which he unwraps. It's red. And he eats it. And he chews it. This is like our only fish out of water scene in the whole movie. Yeah. Is that he doesn't know how to wrap it. Like he knows how to do all this other crazy stuff. At some point he learns how to drive. But he's like condoms. And he has big uh, tattoos. And nipple piercings. In addition to his nipple piercings. And he's ripped as shit. He is ripped. He is very ripped. Hubba hubba. Uh, And then he rapes her. Yeah. Does he rape her? <laughs> I mean, like he does something not good to her. I think the implication is he hurts her. He hurts her. Okay. She screams. Yeah. Oh, she does. And he, like, bites I thought her. it was like moaning. No. Yeah. Oh, he does bite. Do you think he bites her ear off? Maybe he's a biter. <laughs> yeah. Also, you see her naked boobs. A lot. A lot of boobies. Yes. Mm-hmm. For no reason. Yep. One, I think he rapes her because of the screaming. Two, she said you can't have sex without a condom, and then he does. So. Yeah. Yeah, no. Double so this, is, this is just the hooker scene from Highlander One, except except that that is just a hooker beat. <laughs> this is a hooker scene. Yeah, true. And we don't know if the Kurgan rapes the hooker. Also true. He just goes, "Of course, of you course, are. you are." But these are like these these like hallmarks of the first movie. It's like what was in the first movie? Oh, a hooker and the villain. Like mm-hmm. here's a hooker and the villain in this movie. Like they're just replicating stuff. Also, I'm pretty sure the Kurgan wrapped it up. Safe sex. <laughs> Bro, you think the Kurgan's very conscientious about yep. that kind of thing? He's like, I don't want to deal with that. This is 
All right, guys, we're revisiting the Highlander catalog covering all things Highlander 3. Today we are going to be reading from the 10th anniversary Highlander catalog. Ooh. So is that 1996? Is that when this is from? That would be from 1996. Highlander 3, The Final Dimension, Director's Cut, Uncut, and R-rated. Oh, boy. Mm. Like my dick. That's right. <laughs> Both of those things are untrue. Your dick isn't rated R. Yeah. It's what, rated, is it, what is it rated? G. G. Oh, it's actually uh, just a rubber ducky. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Once again, the director knows best. This uncut, R-rated version is the real thing. Forget the PG-13 theatrical version that the, the, that the distributors sent to theaters. Well, really? Well, fuck the fuck distrib- distributors. <laughs> and theaters. Yeah. yeah. If that's what you're really called. Yeah. This steamy director's cut yeah. contains five minutes of additional footage never seen before by audiences in North America. Astonishing special effects and sizzling romance, Christopher Lambert's greatest challenge will become your ultimate adventure. Also stars Mary Van Peebles. <laughs> <laughs> that last sentence is the, it, the creme de la creme. Did people, do you think people like got this movie to get like turned on? Did yes. pornography yes. not yes. exist? No, totally. No, that's a hundred percent right. Also, by the way, I remember watching this as a child with my parents. And when what? this scenes, yeah, because they were, they, yeah. were, they liked Time Leader too. They were into it. And it's like, oh, let's get this movie. They got the movie. We watched the movies together as a family. That fucking sex scene comes on. Oh boy, did I feel uncomfortable? Because <laughs> it is a graphic bet. sex scene. Yeah. That fucking sex scene. No, that's I, a bit redundant. I feel, like, I feel like movies, I mean, there's still problems with the male gaze in all these things, but I think the impetus to show tits and mm-hmm. things like that is different now. Like, it really is. Because yeah. if you want to see tits, everyone's the ability to do it. Right. It used to be, it's like you had to go to a certain shop and, like, have, like, a magazine that you'd hide under your bed or, you know. Yeah. You had to expend a lot of effort to get genuinely pornographic material before. So there was a real advantage to being like, you know what, let's uh, yeah. mix in a little something into our action movies, usually, or, you know, into more mainstream movies. But right. now, I don't know, that's, yeah, that's less important. There. Yeah. Like, there's still, like, a sexual element to movies, but it's different. This movie handles it very artistically, though, I <laughs> <laughs> but like, what was the last? What was the last major movie that you've seen that has a sex scene that's anywhere near as graphic as the one in this one? We should talk about the cover of this thing, which is like a poster. Like, okay. what? What is this? Well, we have Christopher Lambert and Mario Van Pebbles at the top, uh, clashing their swords. And there's a Connor like, <laughs> reaching up top like he's grabbing a golden snitch. Yeah. He's it, quick he's quickening he out. Yeah. And there, yeah, he's quickening out and then there's a clock behind a him. Clock. And I guess that's a cityscape or sparks or something. I guess it's I think it's a factory behind yeah, them, factory. right? So it's just like a cobbled together Photoshop. Right. Montage. And on the clock there's like Roman numeral numbers, but there's also like years, like seventeen whatever is on there. But they're like peppered in. Ro- it's not like Roman numerals that are not in order. Wait, what? Oh my god, you're... Wait, one, two, three, and then going the other direction. Oh, oh, oh. There's a... I couldn't read the X line. It's so small, I actually couldn't see it. Jesus Christ. Isn't that tiny? I can't really see it on my copy here, because I'm yeah. looking at the catalog. No, no, it is an X. Mm. But the half of the X is, like, infinitesimal, and the other half is bigger than that. Jesus Lord. Also, the Roman numerals are just wrong. Like, the four is four hash marks. Oh, you're right. It should be a one and a five. Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> Holy, Holy shit. shit. Look at the four. Holy shit. No. Oh, you know why, guys? 
Because it's the final dimension? No, it's the Zeiss clock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Zeiss diverse. Zeiss clock. What is it like uh, going to a final dimension? <laughs> Are we supposed to be guessing the price Yeah, of so we're yeah. not playing Price is Right rules. Guess it's just Who, closest. Whoever gets closest. How much does VHS cost? Eamon. This is a VHS tape. VHS, $19.96. Kyle. $24.99. Kyle wins. It is $19.99. Oh, man. Good guess. Thanks, man. I thought VHSs were more expensive back in the day. That's still pretty expensive. That's, that's, that's pretty, pretty expensive. expensive. For nineteen ninety-six money? This is a feature-length film. When was the last time you paid, like, $20? Today would be close to 30 right? When was the last time you paid 30 close to $30 for a DVD? It's been a while. Yeah, right? I wouldn't pay $30 for a movie. No way. Yeah, digital download for, like, 99 cents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of expensive, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, it is expensive. Right? So there we go. But you're paying extra for Diane Unger's. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I have to mention that prostitute. That's right. A lot of boobs. All right, so that's the Highlander catalog. Back to the show. All right, so we now cut to the medical examiner's office. So the goon who lost his head is on the table, and they've, like, stapled his head back on. Mm -hmm. Um, This is another Mulcahy-style shot, I think. Like, Mm -hmm. big wide angles, big bright colors. Like, the floor here is red again. Yeah, Yeah, this is very dramatic. And on the the wall, there are, like, blown-up x-rays. Like... What kind of fucking police station is making, like, six-by-four poster-size x-rays? <laughs> but they're on the wall. But it's awesome. Like, this is a very, like, a cool comic booky. Maybe they were giant x-rays. Maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe that's maybe just of a very giant. big person. <laughs> yeah, that's a big guy. This is... Andre the Giant came in and they... Uh, yeah. Right, so Lieutenant Sten comes in. The Emmy gives him, like, a smart-ass remark. He's like, oh, like, I think I figured out what the uh, cause of death is or whatever, which is funny. So Sten goes to, like, smoke up. The guy tells him, he's like, you better not do that. And they're talking about, like, what's the deal with this body? He has no cavities or broken bones or any medical records of any kind. And he's like, there's no organ deterioration. He's like, this guy's a newborn baby. And so then Sten's like, yeah, no body, no records, no prints, no dental. Which Sten is like, what the fuck is this guy doing in New York City? And first off... Them, like, him being, like, this guy's, like, off the grid. Like, what's he doing here? It's, like, that kind of makes sense if he if he didn't have any medical issues. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how are they going to find out? Like, if this guy has no cavities, well, I guess he didn't go to the dentist. Like, he obviously doesn't have any health problems, so he didn't go to the doctor. Like, so them being, like, I can't find out anything on this guy. It's, like, well, of course you can't because he's, like, he has no record. Like, maybe he's not a criminal. Like, the idea that they can't find out this guy's info, to me, should not be this shocking. Like, this guy's just the John Doe. Yeah. I think it's more shocking when you're in some kind of crazy ancient armor. All right, yeah, there's that. Okay, wait, there is that. He's inherently weird. Sure. And there is no record of any kind of him. Right. So, like, that's a weird one-two punch. So then we get this line where the medical examiner's like, oh, it's like, oh, well, you shouldn't even be, how'd this guy get in New York City? And the medical examiner's like, what's this guy doing on the planet? And it's like, uh, Oh, is this a Zeistian I, I think reference? Maybe. It's a fun is this thing what you were re- talking about earlier? That's what I was talking that about. That was what yeah. I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think you could definitely read it that way as a fun, like, wink to Highlander 2. Yeah. It could I also think, just be a smart-ass remark. Like, well, who knows what this guy's fucking well, think, up to. Yeah, I mean, there were lots of smart-ass remarks you could have written there. I think it is supposed to be a wink. Yeah. At, yeah. Which I think is too. good. The quickening. So, yes, Second, he is from Zeist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Second thought. One of the things that's so unusual about him is how nice his teeth are. Presumably because he's immortal, he has no cavities. Kane's teeth <laughs> that's right. are a horror story. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, such a shit show. They even call it out in all the special features. There's like this little oh, behind-the-scenes yeah. things with uh, Van Peebles. He's like, I haven't flossed in years. Yeah. And it's like, 
But your goon, either your goon fastidiously flossed in that cave, yeah. or it's because of his immortality, and why don't you have magical teeth That's powers? Right. Yeah, why, why did Kane get the short shrift on magic teeth? Actually, his shit teeth are an illusion. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe Kane just drinks lots of red wine. That's right. It's only red wine. Yeah. yeah his it's mouth all Applejack like and red wine. <laughs> yeah. Like, his mouth literally looks like he swallowed ink. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like a pen. He was chewing on a pen and it exploded in his yeah. mouth. <laughs> all right. So, Sten's all fucking mad. He's like, ah, fuck this. And he leaves. Uh, he's furious because they, they got no leads, as it were. There's a really weird, awkwardly long reaction shot from the doctor. Where he goes like, oh, no. <laughs> right. The doctor's very cartoony, yeah. isn't he? And he has a weird, like, earpiece on. I didn't notice that. Hey, what is that? It's, like, weird, like, it almost looks like a headset for taking phone calls, but he's, you know, in the Maybe morgue. it's for taking call his center, notes? Call like, center oh. for his, uh, his tape recorder? It's probably a recorder. Mystery solved. Yeah. Just, call me, just call me Lieutenant Stent. Yeah. Podcast over. <laughs> All right, so we cut to the museum. We get this long establishing shot. Inside, Alex is looking at a computer screen comparing a piece of the tartan, uh, a McLeod tartan, to a piece of the tartan they found in the cave. Did you guys have trouble logically figuring out this it really confused me. I, it is confusing. There's a lot I of confusion like on here. The second round through, it made more sense to me. And there's a piece of dialogue where I still don't know what she says. Well, let's talk talk it through. So Alex is comparing these two swatches, essentially, of McLeod Tartan. And she's saying there's an alteration in color. Like, one's dark blue and one's light blue, but barely. Mm. Also, the one's like 400 years. Like, I don't know. Wouldn't, like, it have wear and tear from yeah, being exactly. trapped in a cave for the, 400 know, years? At least the images seemed sufficiently different. Oh, right. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so she says uh, there's recorded story of someone named Connor McLeod from this village being exiled from his home for yielding unnatural power. She says the father altered the tartan to honor his son's memory, but there's no record of that branch ever since. Does this mean after Connor left, the clan changed yes, their, their color? Right. But and only a branch of it? The use of the term branch That's the thing that's confusing, because it's like yeah. it's the whole clan McLeod. Like, surely there's a record after Connor left. When I, was wondering, well, I think he's saying that the old McLeod colors... Right. Ceased to be used because the clan McLeod changed its colors. And that would be what Connor was wearing. Yeah. So it's not like Connor went off. Oh, with so his Connor's old... wearing the old colors. Yes. Ah. Okay. 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 wearing those colors. No, that makes sense. Right, his yeah. dad, after he leaves, goes, oh, this is really upsetting. I'm changing the colors to honor him. Now all McLeods down through history are wearing Have the this... new colors. Then there's no longer a record of the old colors. So this is the first instance of the old color. Okay. Got it. That makes I'm cleared up on that, I think, a little uh, bit more. So you're about to say it makes sense. I would not go that far, but it makes more sense. But then I'm confused My notes about... literally say, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> she says Nakano's initiates were said to be great sorcerers, but they never said where the sorcerers came from. Maybe Scotland? It's like, is that what this is? It's like, what? And like, maybe the Scottish know. sorcerers went to Japan. Right, yeah, because okay. there's, like, a tradition of Scottish mystics, and it's, like, maybe they all pilgrim, like, had a like, pilgrimage to Japan. This is so, like, shoehorn. Is this, like, the Druids? Where? No, no one knew who they were. Or oh, where they, they come, what, were they oh, were what were they were yeah. doing? <laughs> Stonehenge, where the demons dwell. Toppled by a dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so now we get into this weird, like, family reunion thing. So she has a piece of paper. That's like the guest sign-in sheet from a what what she says is a yearly 
McLeod like reunion at Is this that castle. what she said? Yeah. I rewound this part like five times. <laughs> the subtitles on the disc were in Japanese, so I couldn't turn the <laughs> subtitles right, yeah. on. And I was like, what is she saying? Like, I literally <laughs> couldn't understand the words she was using. You no, know, if Chris Tucker had asked me if I could understand the words coming out of her mouth, the answer would have been no. <laughs> so Amazing. On so this, what is this? It just says, nobody refers to themselves as from this branch except this person. And it says, Connor McLeod, USA. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all the information that's on this. And so I guess I'll give this the benefit of the doubt that, like, she went through other paper, right? Like, this isn't the only thing she's going by. There must have been yeah. more records that, like... So, wait, it was a family reunion? Yes, the McLeods have, I guess, a yearly meetup. That at, fucking Connor showed up to? I guess he probably goes every year, and this was in 1986. Wow. And so, after the gathering, he goes back, I guess with Brenda. With Brenda. And visits the castle and signs in using the name Connor McLeod, which he does not usually do. <laughs> That's so And marks weird. that he's from New York City and also marks that he's from this particular branch that doesn't exist anymore? I, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't really make any sense. For some reason... I mean, I guess okay, but... I was not paying close enough attention to this, clearly. I thought it was somehow related to, like, the deed for the castle, like, the deed to the property. I couldn't figure it out. So don't worry... It gets stupider because <laughs> then she's like, I'll guess where he's from? Right here in New York City. And I'm going to talk to him about the sorcerer Nakano. Like, this is her hunch as a scientist. Mm-hmm. She's like, this is the best clue. Really? No. Well, I think she's, I think it's, I'm going to talk to him about what his ancestors were doing. Did, like, you ever have an ancestor who went to Japan? Is there any family stories or records about that? It's almost, it's like 400 years ago. I don't know. Families have history. Sure. I'm not, I'm not saying it's a good plan. And as McLeod, points out, as McLeod points out later, there are hundreds of McLeods in the phone book. Fucking find one of them. Like, yeah. bug them. Like, this is the most crazy reaching out on a limb oh, sort yeah. of thing. Like, this is your hunch? Like, this could have all been accomplished differently, right? Very. Absolutely. Like, like in the original script that she's involved, like, her in the original script, her and fucking Bedso are hanging out, like, in the medical examiner's office. Like, because yeah. she's like, I've got this tartan. What's going on here? And, like, this piece of armor, this and that. Like, they're trying to figure it out. And that's how she runs into McLeod because McLeod's being interrogated at the police precinct right. and is leaving and runs into her. And it's like, wait, how's he involved in this? And, like, that's how she gets tied up in it. That makes more sense. Like, this is just like, I'm going to go visit this guy. Like, what? Eh? Como? Tommy, her friend, leaves and a vulture flies in. Yeah, so we got to later in the museum because she's going to work late. And a fucking vulture comes in, and it's Kane using the power of illusion to be a bird. <laughs> like, like, he flies. Like, that's not an illusion. So, so what he does that is, is he, yeah. he tricks gravity yeah. <laughs> into believing that he's a bird. He tricks his bones into being hollow. <laughs> that's actually what it all is. Yeah. What a shit bird to turn into. I mean, he's the villain, so of course he turns into a vulture. He's a naughty bird. Naughty bird, yeah. Good use of shit bird. So yeah, all right. So now there's a cane vulture in the building, (laughs) and he's being a real creep. Peebles is a creepy guy. This room looks kind of cool. It's very, it's like the fucking it Last Jedi. Cool. Another red yeah. room. Red room. Like, there's right, all these red rooms. Red rooms. Red rom. Red rom, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Kane just fucking strolls in, and he's like, what do you call this place? She's a like, museum. A museum. I'm surprised she had an answer to that I question. Know, I would have yeah. been like, so huh? Confused. What? Like, I would like, say, huh, so many times yeah. for that question. <laughs> if somebody like, said that to me right now, I'd be like, uh, What? He says Alex, he's one of Alex's bigger, biggest, biggest, biggest fans because fan. he's still on TV. Yeah. He's a fucking TV star now. 
because she's so famous. Yeah, for this discovery of some scratchings in a rock. That famous discovery. Yeah. The sorceress Nicano. Nicano. Yeah. She's just so, saying how much she loves history and, like, remarking on and all he, the And he notices artifacts. the armor, which is yeah. from his goon. He's like, oh, like, he's like, the present can never escape the past. Which is like, yeah. it's like, oh, that's a good bit of dialogue, I guess. Sure. Not in this scene, but, like, yeah. whatever. But then he's like, oh, what do you what do you call this? And it's a model. It's a model of the, of cave. the cave. And he's right. like, oh, it's too small or whatever. At some point, he, like, stops her from making, like, an emergency phone call. And then, like, gets real, like, creepy. He's like a real well, creature. What's he say about reality? Oh, uh, it's about, like, history. He's like, oh, I don't know if I like history, right? And he's like, I kind of prefer illusion and fantasy or see, whatever it is. Yeah. He's like, like illusion, fantasy, fantasy hocus pocus. And then he like now his hand is on and then hers. he's like hanky panky. So he doesn't even say panky. Hanky panky says? He just says hanky pank. Really? <laughs> I'm like, I listened to it three times and I could not hear that other why. And like, it's gross. Maybe the why is silent. Yeah. His gross pank. Red wine lips are all up on her ear. <laughs> not to keep calling this back. I mean, like, this weird disconnect between, like, he was been in, he's been locked in a cave for, yeah. like, hundreds of years. Comes out speaking perfect English. Fine. I'll well, give you also, that. But he he's knows- like. He knows the word hanky panky, but doesn't know what a model is yeah. or, or what a, a museum. museum. Yeah. <laughs> How is he learning these words? Yeah. Well, it just can't decide whether it wants to be a fish out of water story or not. Yeah, I, mean, I guess they, he does. He, he interacts just, with the hooker, so I guess he learned hanky panky from the hooker. the hooker. But if he had hung out with some scholars, maybe, maybe he would learn museum. museum. Yeah, right. It's all about who you know. Yeah. He learned it from the hooker. <laughs> I like his outfit. He has a cool black trench coat. Is this the trench coat? Trench coat okay. type thing yeah like they make him look cool yeah like that's a th- uh a he's good... like morpheus yeah yeah he is this is this like, like before hot... morpheus though sure so... but this is like this 90s fashion like this like blade is the same way like, yeah he does like small glasses blade. long yeah. coats like leather stuff like studs and shit i don't know yeah but like it captures that like that kurgan quality of like the style and the he definitely has style. Like, Kurgan had a look. This guy has a look. Yeah. 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 Crazy fucking haircut, too. Yeah. He's so it's like crazy. weird. But it's kind of, it's kind of back because it's got like the shaved sides. Mm. I had a question. Fucking people do that now. Whole, when does he get those shaved sides? Uh, because he has like long hair. And I was like, wait, is this you know, another it's, Kurgan? It's thing? always long. But it's is it just that, covering it up? It's just sometimes it's covering up the fact that the shaved okay, so, sides are Okay, because at the end he pulls it back. And I was like, oh, he has shaved like a shaved head like the Kurgan does now. Yeah. Oh, uh, right. But I didn't know if he had it the whole time. I couldn't remember. He does. Okay, so while this is all going on, a fax comes in. This is my favorite part hey, of the Eamon, movie. Eamon, tell us about your favorite part of the movie. <laughs> well, <laughs> when he says hanky-panky and like makes her hang up the phone, then she gets a fax. And the way she gets this fax is her computer just starts flashing a really <laughs> loud noise. Incoming fax. It's like an alert. It's, alert. I think it alert. says incoming fax alert. It does say that. <laughs> so it's like, uh, 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 incoming fax. So this is the most alarming fax anybody has ever received. And what information does this fax contain that needed to urgently be sent in a fax? It just says, like, I don't know anything about Connor. <laughs> it says no additional information on Connor McLeod. It's like, this was fax-worthy? Like, Great. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Like, it's like, I have nothing to report. Let me fax that over to you. So, of course, now Kane sees this and is like, ooh, what's this about? Connor McLeod. So, I have a question. Why, why is Kane at the museum? Uh, because he saw her on TV. The so, last time we saw Kane, he was seeing her. No, oh, I remember. So, yeah. he's here because... She's looking into the cave. But what what is his aim? What is he getting out of this? Like, he doesn't do anything. Like, <laughs> that I don't, that, I'm not like, like, what does he get out of this? Nothing. He lucks out and a fax about Connor McLeod comes through. If that hadn't That's happened. True. Did she think that he knew where Connor was? Why? 
because he knows that does he does he knows that you Connor think was at that cave right so do you think he thinks that Connor's buried in a different part of the cave or something he like could. that? Who but, knows? but then he would stay in Japan. Right. Not, no, no, no fine. I, I just mean like he might have also recently escaped. Maybe right. It's not great. It's but it's so weird. Like what is he doing here? It's but weird that the he, original script fixes this problem. It's, it's weird that he lucks out yeah. because I think I would have accepted it if he had indicated to her in some way that he was there because he's looking for Connor. If he says there was someone else in that cave, I'm looking for yeah. What happened, Connor McCloud? Did right. you find him when you looked at the cave? I would have no problem. That would with that. be better. But because they never hang a lantern on why he's there, he just and then he up. gets a fax, and he's like, "Uh huh." This is another one of these like just like we need a scene where the villain meets the heroine. Oh. So here it is. Like it's not driven by any sort of real plot or story. But in the original script, it's interesting because on the newscast, one of the things she finds, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, is his sword. Interesting. And she packs the sword up, and so he's like, "Wait, she has my sword." So he goes to the museum to get a sword back oh why fucking change that that makes so much sense it makes a lot of sense and it's got so much great symmetry with all the sword related things that happen in this movie that we will probably not get to until next episode right but also it doesn't change anything like why logistically change that like that involves her having a sword in her hand on the tv broadcast Kane does not fight anybody in the interim. So it's not like he needed his sword. So they were like, oh, well, he needs he a did sword decapitate here. that guy at the very beginning. Right. Oh, that's right. But maybe he, they could have done that a different way and used his, his own sword against them or something. Yeah. Whatever. But, like, he doesn't need the sword really until this point. Like, just have her have the sword and he can show up and just take it off the fucking shelf. I don't know. It's so strange that it's changed. That's a big, big deal. The mechanics of these movies, when they start editing this stuff, it fucks it all up. Yeah. It's so strange. Wow, so we are really digging deep into these these episodes. I think we're Deeper talking than anticipated. Yeah, we're talking a lot more about this than I thought we would, which is interesting. Hmm. Maybe because it's so good. Yeah, that must that's be why. It. That's it. Yeah. So, how about we play a little game? Well, guys, to continue the theme of Highlander movies, I thought we'd do a little Highlander 2 trivia this time. Shit. I know. Highlander 2? Highlander 2, I say. The Gathering? Quickening. The Quickening. That's yes. right. I'm on a Highlander podcast. <laughs> no, not. So, the rules will be just like last time. I'm going to read each of you a question. You have to answer. We're going to go pretty quickly along. Whoever has the most points at the end wins. Are we ready? better this time. Who knows? All right, Kyle, I think you started last time, so yes. Eamon, you're going to start. Did you make my questions harder than Eamon's last time? No. Or is just one set harder than another set? No, they flip-flop. Some of them are harder. I didn't really try to. We'll see how this goes. I'm gonna, I did not intentionally. Oh, I don't know. I'm not, I was just curious. Yeah. I'm just trying to justify my failures, Keith. I just want to let me cheapen Eamon's victory. Yeah. That's right. All right, Eamon, you ready to kick it off? What is the name of Connor's love interest in Highlander 2? Fuck. I know, these are hard because we haven't seen them in a while. I don't remember. Tick tock, tick tock. The answer is Luis. Fuck. Kyle, what drink does Connor order in the bar? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Eamon, who plays General Katana? Michael Ironside. Correct. Kyle, who is the composer of the opera that starts the film? Wagner. Ooh, yeah. Bonus question, do you know what opera it is? Go to Dameron? Yes, very good. I'll give you half a point for that. All right. Eamon, name the Scrubs actor who stars in Highlander 2. Oh, uh, John C. McGinnis. That's correct. Kyle, what year does the film take place in? Uh, 2030. Ooh, close. 2024. Eamon, who's a good boy? Billy? Oh, Jimmy. <laughs> Kyle's right, Jimmy, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Kyle, who plays Connor's love interest, Luis? Ooh. Oh, 
Wait, Madsen? I'll give you half a point for that. Madsen. Virginia Madsen. Virginia Madsen. All right. Eamon, why did Mac have to build the shield uh, for ozone depletion? That's correct. Kyle, name one of the Hedgehog twins. It's Corda and Mina. Damn it, is it the other one is going to be the fuck? Eamon, name the other Hedgehog twin. Corda or Mina? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very good. Kyle, when does the sun radiation kill Brenda? Oh, boy, this is hard. Uh... 1999? 1995. Shit. So, when this movie takes off. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Holy shit. Amen. how does Connor summon Ramirez back? Uh, by saying Ramirez, Ramirez, my good friend Ramirez? <laughs> is it by doing that, or is it when he gets the quickening? Oh. Challenge. No. He says it. But according to the answer on this sheet, it's when he calls his name. Oh, I believe that's what you wrote. <laughs> but that's also what Ramirez says. When you call my name, I'll be there. But he uh, doesn't but actually he, come. He comes he later. Comes he, over. he comes a little later. Uh, Kyle, finish this line. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. If you don't take it out and use it, it's going to rust. Very good. <laughs> Amen. Mac has an ugly sculpture called Coca-Cola Plan in his place. Name the artist. Oh, shit. Uh, Robert Rashford? Very good. Hey, Kyle, what is the name of Mac's partner? The show's funny. It's on the tip of my tongue. I don't know. Eamon, have a guess? No. Alan Neiman. Neiman. Alan Neiman. Eamon, what's Mac's favorite takeout in the movie? Favorite takeout? Yeah, favorite fast food. Wendy's? Yeah, that's oh. right. See, when you change it to fast food, that made it easy. I'm sorry. Well, I, it actually did say... Oh, no, it does say takeout. I'm sorry. But I thought that was maybe... Kyle, what country was the movie filmed in? Argentina. Correct. And... There we go. That's the end of it. No. That's <laughs> very good. Oh, that's right. I was second. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was like, oh, I was like looking over the questions. I was like, this doesn't seem right. Yeah, we're good. All right, so the grand total is Eamon has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven points. Eamon at a nine. And Kyle has one, two, three, four, five, six points with those two halves you got. Six to seven. Eamon wow. wins again. Ooh, you're pulling a hat trick on me, Eamon. Well, what? guys well this brings us to the end of our third episode covering highlander 3 so what do we think of the scenes we talked about what are we thinking of this movie so far i mean it's it's getting better-ish maybe i'm not sure honestly this one i mean this was the most racist segment we talked about (laughs) so i guess and the most misogynistic okay so true so we're nailing we're two for two so far no i'm actually gonna go ahead and say this might be the weakest segment that we talked about we got that sweet three card monty segment yeah so how much do we think this movie so far being hindered by the fact that it's like a clone of the first movie how much is it hindered by that like do you think it's so prevalent that it's taking you out of this movie like it's like oh I, i remember this i remember this i think that's a problem on the margins you know what i mean like i do agree that that's not good if this movie was logically coherent and got from point A to point B successfully and was just, like, overall better, I would be talking about that a lot and how that bothers me. But, like, it's the jury-rigged, illogical center of this movie that really is what weighs it down. Like, the fact that it's got so many mirrors to the first one is almost a sideshow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that would bug me in an otherwise good movie. If this movie was a solid B+, and that was the case, I'd be like, hmm, I don't know. Am I being, uh, or maybe I'm being too hard on that. No, I don't know. 
Uh, actually, here's something we should talk about. Kyle, as you mentioned, this is maybe the weakest segment of the film we've talked about so far because kind of nothing really is happening. We just get a couple, like, scenes that don't mean too much, like, that aren't needed. Like, the hooker scene isn't needed. The three-card Monty scene isn't needed. The investigation at the medical examiner's office, like, eh. Like, we know the guy's immortal. Does We as the audience got zero in. We get nothing. Sten doesn't really put together much else. Like, we don't get the idea that he thinks something else is afoot here. Do we? We just think he's like, ah, oh, fuck this. Like, I don't know. Like, he's, he's just mad. He's just mad. Like, I, I want Sten to be, the wheels to be churning. It's like, no, no, no. There's something else here. Like, what am I missing? What am I missing? Like, I feel like he's the sort of character that would look for something more. Like, we mm-hmm. want him to finally figure this out. Yeah, like, I was kept on waiting for, like, a Sherlock Holmesian kind of, like, when you rule out. Right. Everything else, like only... Yeah, no matter how illogical. When you rule out the impossible, no matter how illogical, it must be true, right? Yeah. Like, I was kind of waiting for, like, a moment like that. That just never happens. Mm -hmm. Sten's not really on a journey, is the problem. Sten is just there. Sten is not on a journey. So, my point of bringing this up is, since this is kind of a bleh nothing episode... Wait, our episode is bleh nothing? Are you calling (laughs) Eamon bleh nothing? I will not stand for that. I won't either. But maybe we've been talking a little bit more about the script now, the original script, Interspace with our commentary and we didn't talk about it initially in our first episode so maybe let's revisit the opening of this movie in the original script and how it really differs from this the original movie does not take place the original draft of this script by merman does not take place in japan it takes place in scotland and it deals with like scottish mystics right which so is, there is different kane is kavala kavari Kilvara. Kilvara. Okay. Yeah. It's another K name. Right, another uh, K name. He, like, goes With the word to, kill in it. Yeah. Yep. He goes to some condemned man who knows the power of, like, shape-shifting. Right. Which happens to be what Kane does most of the time, is right. shape-shift, apparently. Mm-hmm. And See, so we, we should have had Nakano shape-shift in this movie once. Because then we'd be like, oh, he shape-shifts. That's his deal, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he sort of did it with the snake With thing. the snake, I guess so. But I, I would think that's just an illusion. Right. Like, it looks like it changed because it's a stick. It's a stick. It's not a yeah. man turning into a bird, bird yeah. and flying around. Like, it's different if you think it's a bird. He flies into a building, like, through a window yeah. as a bird. He actually That's was just, not an illusion. He actually was just climbing the whole time. I could believe but it. But he made illusion. himself invisible right. and made a bird fly in instead. I could believe if... Kane turns into a bird and walks through the door. I'd be like, well, people just think he's a bird, but he's actually a man walking through a door. <laughs> and it's just like a whole bird hopping. Right? <laughs> First off, what happens in the beginning is he convinces this man who's about to be killed that if he teaches him the power of shape-shifting, he will switch places with him. Right. Also, as it turns out, that was an idea they kept because in the future there will be a swapped execution right. moment. But it's because this guy's mortal. He's not an immortal with powers. He's a mortal, mortal mystic. Yeah. Right. So he teaches it to him, and then, of course, the bad guy betrays him. And it's just like, ha-ha, bitch, like, go get killed. And then he, he continues on his quest. Oh, right. And part of the things that's driving him is, I guess, shape-shifting is very hard. He's not good at it. By obtaining more quickenings and things like that, he will gain the ability to sustain this shape-shifting power more easily and for longer. It's the villain's quest in this whole thing. Kills another older immortal and his Who's like a teacher because he takes the place of their student. Like he kills the student in secret and takes their form and then kills the teacher. And he, he chases the teacher into, like, a weird cavern, and then, for whatever reason, the quickening Again, collapses in the, cave. the right. cave. Connor and Kilvara never meet never in the past, which I think is better. Sure. Well, because right now they're asking us to accept this weird reality in which they are long enemies, whereas they've literally had one interaction. Right. They've had one interaction in the past. Right. 
and that's it and haven't seen each other for hundreds of years. So like they're asking us to accept that there's this deep seated animosity between them. And I guess maybe I can get why Mac might hate him for killing Nakano, even though I don't really believe he and Nakano were friends. Right. Uh, <laughs> but like, there's no reason Kane should hate McLeod. Like I can get that he wants to kill him because he's evil and he wants to win the game. Fine. But like, he's like, as he, he hates him. He hates him. He's like, he owes me 400 years. It's like, does he? But there's another weird thing in the script where Kilvara at one point is like, I need more power. I need to find the Highlander specifically, yeah, which is weird. That is weird. And I don't like it. So now, now let's talk a little bit about Connor's like origin story in the original draft of this movie. He, there is a character, Sarah, who is a 15 year old girl. Yeah. This which is, is a uh, different, a different character. It's a completely right. different character. They just use the name later. It's not yeah. like he falls in I, love with Sarah. Having seen this movie, the second I read, I read that, that, I was, I was like, like, "Uh-oh, uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. <laughs> like, what's going yeah. on?" Yeah, but Mac is like he, a farmhand. Yeah, and he protects this family from warriors, but he is also shot in the chest with a dart or a crossbow bolt. Right, and so he convinces the father. He's like, "You need to bury me," because the father's like seeing him resurrect. And he's like, you need to get me out of here because word of this is going to spread. Like, these people know I died. Fake a grave, whatever. Get me out of here. Thanks for everything. And the guy's, like, thankful for him. He's like, I don't know what I saw, but, like, peace. Like, yeah. uh, so Mac heads out. And then he eventually – there is a teacher figure in this, Kavanaugh. Who is, I guess, supposed to be the figure who we have yet to meet in our discussion in the French Revolution, I guess is – The yeah. analog to that character, Is maybe. he? But this guy's, like, a teacher figure, Pierre. not – Yeah, yeah. Pierre – yeah, he's, he's I guess like he's just a Nakano figure goof, yeah. is, is what he is. In the original script, there's more scenes like you need to leave her, this sort of stuff. Because Mac has another love interest in the original. I forget her name off the top of my head. No, but Who's she's also like, like the cousin of, of the French king. whatever. He's the co- she's related to the king. Yeah. Yeah. Kavanaugh just is like teaching Mac, you need to learn how to live, man. Right. And like smell a tree or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's different themes being developed. Because that's a... Well, the loneliness theme is a big deal in the original draft. Right. That is what it's about. Which is also kind of what Gregory Wyden's original thought about this entire enterprise was about. It's like, you know, these people are kind of tired of living and they want to finish this thing. Because and... Mac also visits in the present. He comes back to New York and visits Rachel. And it seems very sweet. Like, he's just like, I was, I've was. i been alone. I just can't be alone anymore. She, like, comforts him. It's very, you know, like he puts his head on her shoulder or whatever. I don't know. It's different. It's right. a very tonally very different. It's a much more somber movie. Mm-hmm. It looks like anyway. There's a lot of like in the original draft, like a lot of long Mac dialogue, which I'm just like, I don't think I get that. Like Mac goes on like I don't think Mac talks that exactly, much. and I'm like, I don't think Mac talks this much or expresses his feelings this much. So let's cut this back. Uh, I mean, it definitely still feels like a first draft of a movie, but there's more nuts and bolts to it that feels more complete than what this is. Like this feels like they grabbed a couple elements of it and like move stuff around but in the process lose some of the meaning behind it which is bad yeah i agree it's like uh, this to me is a classic example from the first highlander movie i stand by this is there's the big lovemaking scene in highlander which is just a sex scene for what reason to have boobs on the screen but <laughs> in the original script the immortals don't heal the way they do in the film and television show they have scars they're all bruised up and it's all fucked up. So the lovemaking scene is like a reveal of Connor's body as being like disfigured from centuries of battle. That's cool. That is cool. But 
they and took it, they it, took that element out, but then forgot to take out the love scene. And it's like the reason the lovemaking scene in there is just to get them naked and interacting together, so she can physically see what this life has done to him. I think this is something often that happens in movies when things are picked and pulled. You lose the heart behind it, baby, baby. <laughs> It's not over yet. Yep, from the hilly, snow-covered mountains of Mount Neary to our to Mount studio, Fari. To stu- the studio in Philadelphia, <laughs> Mount Fari. Gaiman, <laughs> okay, why don't you give us a let's say sixty-second recap of what's going on here and break each of those sixty seconds down into another sixty seconds, so it's just like an infinite feedback loop of how long our recording is. Okay, so Mac is in a mountain with Mako, and they learn to respect illusions, and then uh, Kane shows up with two of his goons, and they kill Mako, and then. And Mac escapes and the cave collapses. Mako is trapped in the cave. McLeod uh, falls out. Alex is investigating the cave for some reason. Uh, Alex, not Brenda. <laughs> Alex, not Brenda. Brenda's dead. I guess we haven't talked about that yet. Spoiler alert. Uh, McLeod You're ruining our pod, man. <laughs> has a son. Didn't win the game. Uh, it goes back to New York to confront Kane, who escapes. And Kane has a prostitute. He eats a condom. Uh, and they are going to meet in a Japanese cultural center. All right, there we go. That sounds good. So if that didn't do it for you, you should definitely go back and check out episodes one, two, and three in the feed. I really don't know why that wouldn't be sufficient. Right, exactly. (laughs) That about does it. I mean, we've only recorded two hours of content about this already, so. Probably longer. Probably. All right, so we're about to jump back in. So, shall we? Let's shout. Yes. All right, so the scene opens with Dr. Alex. The Secret World of Alex Mack. Oh, Alex Mack. Alex and Mack. Oh, oh, look at that. You nailed this one. That's right. You wow. just blew this case. And she was an alien just like McLeod is from Zeist. Well, that's right. That's They're right. both aliens. Wow. Yeah. Very good. All right. So she is at Mack's house. She's knocking. No answer. So, and no Rachel, I guess, to answer the door. Who knows where she is? We'll find out in Endgame, I guess. Did we talk about Kane burning down the model village in the... No, no we, didn't. we didn't. So let's backtrack a little bit. So in the last scene from the last episode we talked about, There's Kane visits yeah. Alex at the museum. What for, is this place? Right. He learns about museums. Yeah, he learns what museums are. <laughs> Do you think after and he left, he just are. took a tour and like, maybe that's how he gets acclimated to society. He takes he, an audio tour. He takes the full fucking tour of the museum and yeah. learns, although it's the Museum of Ancient History, so we would only learn kind of a... A segment. No, but yeah. he's like got such a thirst for knowledge because like he says, I'm a bit of a historian myself. So then he yeah. goes to the Met. And, <laughs> and does he the really whole... learns the stuff. He's like, ah, oh, Egyptians. I wonder if I knew about them. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to the Goog. The, yeah, the Goog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On his way out, what happens, Eamon? He repeats his line from the start of the movie. That great callback. Yeah. Which is, what is it? Let it burn or Let, burn it down? Burn it down. Burn it down. And the little model village of the village scene what do you call at the this? beginning. A model. It, that burns down as well. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Key theory that they were building a set and were like, what's the set going to look like? Let's build a model. They built a model of the set. And then later they were like, we can use that model in yeah. the movie and then put it in the scene and burned it down. I don't know. Probably not true. But It's weird, though. It is it's weird. super weird. Like, it looks like an With exact magic. model of the, yeah. of the fucking it village, does. right? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so 
Alex is there looking for Mac. He's a no-show. So she, like, camps out in her car. Sten is behind, parked right, right behind him, her in yeah. his car. So Mac eventually exits his apartment or whatever it is. And he goes to the garage. The garage. The garage. And I guess our good old friend from Highlander 1 is back. The Porsche. Yeah. The Porsche, yeah. I actually, I mean, I like seeing the Porsche. Oh, I do too. It's yeah. a nice car. It is a nice car. If I had a car, well, if I could drive, and then if I had a car, and I was rich. Wow, a lot of lawyers here. <laughs> That's the one I would get, but probably not. Cool. Uh, cool story, So bro. Mac peels out. He's heading off. He's got like a gym bag He with peels him. the tarp off the car and then peels out <laughs> That's right. of his garage. Uh, so he heads off, then Alex follows him, and then we see... Sten's lights go on, but, like, mm-hmm. barely drive away. Like, they don't yeah. really establish that, like, he's following, too. Mm-hmm. But it's there. So then we cut to the Japanese Spiritual Center in Queens. Uh, Sten is out in his car, and he radios to tell him somebody's there. Everybody's following everybody, mm-hmm. as usual. Mm-hmm. A few things about this, unless you had a point you were about I've, I've got a few things for okay. sure. So you go first. We'll see if They might be the same. We'll see if there's some interesting. Why is there, like, a shadow of people fencing... Like, being projected onto the front of the right. Japanese Cultural Center. Yeah, what is that about? I had to, like, do double, like, because I was like, wait, is that is really the building? Is that the is re- it a reverse the building? reflection? Yeah, and it's like, I think that's the building. No, that's the building he's looking at that has shadows of people fighting is the Japanese Cultural Center. Those are shadows of Mac and Charlie, we find out, yeah. fighting. But, but that's impossible. Inside. Right. Right. So... They, like, cheated this shot. They're like, oh, we want to see this. Sh-. Like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. I, I was very confused. Here's my second point. I Googled if this place exists. Oh! It does. Uh, what? Nice. But not really. Oh, okay. A place called Rezobox, which is a <laughs> a Japanese... A what? <laughs> R-E-S-O box. I don't know what it means. Sounds like a band. Opened in 2009. But it is a Japanese cultural center, and they have one in Queens. (laughs) But this isn't that place. You know what? I think there's actually a museum as part of this, and I think I almost went there last time I went to New York. Wow. Because there was a whole discussion of... We should go to Queens because, like, we whenever we're up there, we never go to Queens, and that was one of the things that came up. Spoiler alert: How about never that? Went, never went to Queens. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Do you think they it's in Queens because of Queen? Yeah, that's it. That's yeah, a that's key it. theory. Nailed yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this shadow thing is fucked beyond belief. Yeah. It's like this is such <laughs> fucked beyond it's belief. It's such crap. Yeah, All really right. So then it. we cut inside, and Mac is there sparring with. Charlie? White with Charlie. Ch- White Charlie. Yeah. White Charlie. Another Kendo enthusiast. Right. But Mac just like fucking flips this guy and slams him on the ground. <laughs> Mac just seems like a dickhead. He's but like these that. guys are like best friends. This yeah. Mac has maybe been away for eight years. Yeah. I have questions about that though. Good to see you, Connor. Yeah, like Good these, to see you, Charlie. Yeah, these guys are like best sparring friends or whatever it is. I don't know. Also, two white guys fighting in the Japanese, Japanese cultural, cultural center. center. Yeah, I was thinking that. Same thing with White Charlie. Also, it's a—it's not a Japanese cultural center. It's a Japanese spiritual center, and they are fighting in it. Does that n- seem weird too? Mm. Like I have no idea. It's a spiritual center. Should you really be like punching and? It's kicking? also under construction, I guess. I wanted. Yeah. I had a note that I was like, "What's up with all this scaffolding?" Like, and a trapeze. I yeah, it's not scaffolding. It's for a show. It's like a stage. So it's for the chap. It's for the like. Uh, uh, I guess like for acrobats or something. Yeah. Yes. 
So that's the deal. It's not scaffolding. I wanted the same thing, though. Also, there's an indoor working, like, little waterfall for some reason. It's very You know, you got to wash your arms, meditate under yeah. it. I don't know. Well, so, yeah. Maybe so then there's Mac, hidden well, treasure behind the well, waterfall this is like, if it was a video This game? is, like, Probably. a weird mirroring. Like, Mac does, like, mm-hmm. water moves, and, like, he, like, washes up or whatever. And I guess this is similar to, like, the waterfall shit he was doing in the flashback in the beginning of the movie. Was I that even guess. him? Were those his arms? I don't remember. I mean, think, yeah, yeah, arms. I think it was. They were white. They white were arms. White arms. <laughs> white arms. <laughs> yeah. So he like starts washing his face or whatever, and then he gets another flashback for some reason. Right, like through the water, and we flashback to France, and it's a horseback riding scene, and Mac is racing Sarah, who's wearing a very busty red number. Um <laughs> and also, ooh, I wanted to point this out. I guess this is this is like this the way this movie like falls apart. Is this significant because Alex, Dr. Alex is also a horse rider. Did anyone notice that on her computer, she has a picture of her and a horse? Oh, wow. I did not I notice, notice that. that. That's a good pull. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's her it's and her horse's, name, her horse's name, like Tar- 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 Tarius or Tarsus or something like that. Tarsius? Yeah. Mm. Wait, you can see that in the picture? Mm? Oh. Yeah, she, she labeled it. I'm assuming it's the horse's name. <laughs> sure. Wow. Why not? Yeah, right? That's so strange. Yeah, so, so it's really feeding into the strange, like, reincarnation aspect of this thing. Right. That yeah. it's not, like, a coincidence. Correct. Yeah, so they're, they're racing around, going around this, like, water feature <laughs> in the this garden. water feature, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's, a, there's, a, there's water in this garden somewhere. But then after riding, you know what you got to do. Fuck. Fuck. You got to fuck hard in the hay. Oh. Roll around in the hay. So, yeah, they fuck like crazy <laughs> yeah. immediately in, like, the upper loft of a stable. I really hate right. Christopher Lambert's fucking acting. <laughs> fucking acting. That's not acting, bro. No, I, yeah. I feel like I agree with that sentence, but with a different emphasis. I hate his fucking acting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Am I wrong? I'm just not convinced Lambert's a good actor. Uh, yeah. I think he no, does. No, for sure. I think He's better with less dialogue. The and less like dialogue he has. Glancing around. The like, better. Yeah. That weird stare. Like, just leave that. Like, just let him be a That's loop. why he got the part. I'm just not convinced he's an amazing actor. all right so let's break yeah. it all down we get some sucking um boobies do we see yep. do we see the real nipple sucking in this nope, part no 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 there, there's, yeah. there's there's more nipple there's sucking some later. nipple sucking i think also no, this is breast sucking Bre- oh, yeah, full-on breast sucking, sucking. Yeah. implied blowjob i think a what implied blowjob uh, i didn't break he's definitely like standing this. and she's lower Ooh man and he's giving like weaning his head back and going like rawr yeah. all right so reader pull anyone ever have sex in a barn no it's also open to the rewatchers reader pull. this does not seem comfortable ever that's a stereotype much it is, like it's the, literally a it is, in the head. this is yeah, yeah. No, this is like a thing that's on romance cover like yeah. novels right this sounds awful <laughs> and then mac is so good in bed she says i wish we could go on like this for a thousand years which <laughs> well, is also necessarily a little... because he's so good in bed which is she's also just in that i don't know she's like in love I'm, I'm just remembering this now is that a callback to the first movie also with heather like i wish oh. we could be like this forever or something does yeah. she say something like that probably yeah i think so a little on the news they can never resist the urge to drop those the kinds of lines yeah, in right. the show or here <laughs> yeah. they're always like what are you 400 years old yeah <laughs> so then yes, somebody and, calls yeah. for mac outside and it's pierre pierre 
<laughs> so fucking this guy's look is <laughs> i have a picture of him here this guy looks like he's a spongebob character hey everyone's hair like max hair is like fucked this guy's hair is frizz like well at least this guy at least mac has the excuse of he's just literally been fucking <laughs> he's had a literal roll in the hay pierre's just like hey the revolution is started we need to go we need you and so mac goes back to sarah and he's like i gotta go and she's like oh you're not gonna be back so she gives him a token she gives him his ring or her ring right right so we just had a lot of conversations lately about like who is the mcleod character one time i don't remember when you said this i don't actually think it was part of this sequence i think it might have been part of maybe even our american dream the comic book discussion you say something like matt doesn't strike me as the guy who trains (laughs) right yeah which i agree with wholeheartedly Mac also doesn't seem to me like the guy whose friend rolling up on a horse saying, come fight in a revolution is like, okay. Mac's not the guy that seems to fight in a revolution at all. Exactly. Like, he's out of everything. Like, he, this reluctant warrior character. Like, why? Yeah. Yeah, there's like this This takes the reluctance out of it. Yeah, there's been this, like, weird desire to recast him as, like, a crusading kind of character. Whereas I think the person we meet in Highlander 1 is the most reluctant. He just wants to be left alone. In this movie, he's like the guy destined to win. Like, Kane comes after him like, oh, this is Guy Highlander. Like, what? Like, no, this guy's a nobody, which is, I think, important. I think that was like a part of what made the original character interesting. He's like this cynical, rumpled man. And now, all of a sudden, he's this ultimate warrior of justice Mm -hmm. who's like, well, you're right. I have strong thoughts on the monarchy that I must vindicate by going to fight in this revolution. Because the mysterious Pierre asked me to. Yeah. What side is he on? Thoughts and truth. (laughs) We don't know. I thought he was on, like, the side of the rich people. Yeah, he definitely has money. That's a very good question. And he's captured at the end. He's captured at the end. But is the revolution over? If the revolution is not over, then he's... What What has he tried for? Treason, I thought. Treason, yeah. Against the king. So then he's on... then he is a revolutionary. So he's a revolutionary. Because, but then I was also just rethinking of the line, in a little while, we will see Mac being broken out of jail, and Pierre says, kind of comedically, oh, it's for the revolution. Right. Leading me to wonder, is the guard a revolutionary? (laughs) And Mac was fighting for King Louis. Well, yeah, when when Pierre breaks him out, he does give the guard money and say, for the revolution. Which could have just been a joke, I guess, but... Which I guess is how it landed. Now I need to go back to the tape to see what he the exact wording on it was i don't see amazing if he was a counter-revolutionary right that's what i thought he was <laughs> i'd also like to point out that the music this is like the love theme mm-hmm. this is the only bit of memorable music i think in this movie to me this is like kind of striking i'm like oh this is pretty this is interesting i like the score here this is the only bit of score i think you can remember from this movie i like some of the operatic portions no 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 hey <laughs> hey 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 <laughs> i'll be here all week hey okay so then they need we... you in paris the revolution has started right oh by the way pierre immortal i had a lot of questions yeah, i did no not buzz. my first my first watching of this i did not catch his line of like i'm tired of this immortal life yeah and... that's which happens later that does not happen now right clear. and i just assumed he was a guy did not so think right. he was an immortal at all and they don't get there's no, no reason to think so the first time we're going to talk about that more no yeah, mac is going to write off he right tells her like i gotta go with her right 
Gotta go with him. She gives him the ring, and he rides off with yeah into the sunset. So we cut now back to the present, and Mac is getting ready to leave the Japanese cultural or spiritual center. Excuse me. Uh, Alex shows up, and she confronts him, and she's asking, she's like, "Hey, like Mr. Nash, like could you help me find like a former tenant of yours? I'm looking for Connor McLeod, the former owner of the store that's called Russell Nash Antiques." I said there's the deed to the property. I guess. Well, I had, a, yeah. I had kind of a weird question about Previous this because owner of the shop. I guess this is just Mac fucking up and writing his address when he went to Scotland to visit the McLeod Castle again. He must have written Connor McLeod. I live here at the Nash Antique location. Yeah. Because otherwise, Mac has never used Connor. Like he's abandoned Connor McLeod. Like we've right. seen in the first movie. Like he has like six aliases. None of which are Connor, Connor McLeod, McLeod again. Yeah. So it's like, wait, like, how is she drawing, tracing Let's Connor McLeod back here? It must be that, I guess, Mac wants to receive the McLeod newsletter. So he wrote Connor McLeod and yeah. put his real address. So that's how I guess she gets it? I, I guess. guess. Right. But how did she get the fucking family gathering uh, signage sheet? I don't fucking know. <laughs> Russell Nash, in quotes, says he hasn't seen Connor McLeod in eight years. Right. I feel like they just forgot like what his the name plot. was in the first movie or <laughs> yeah, something because he was russell nash then yeah so if it was yeah. eight years russell that's when russell nash left new york but he had been russell nash for however long he'd been russell nash connor needs to de- deny 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 <laughs> why does he yeah. like giving any clues here anyway uh, so then max like i can't help you miss johnson and she's like huh? and he's like oh yeah i remember everybody i every voice i recognize on tv i remember them instantly just like he did luis in highlander 2 remember he like oh, saw right. luis on tv oh like you're that eco-terrorist right how do you remember this shit yeah. it just happened sure he had just seen it yeah you really think you see a weird newscast about <laughs> japanese sure but he literally just saw it but that was live in Japan, so she is. This must be days later. Oh, that's true. That's fair. Yeah, I was saying about the Louise one when I saw. Oh, that, sure. Maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's yes. got a good memory. And also because she looks exactly like his lost love. We're forgetting that. <laughs> right. Part. Exactly. Oh, this right, is yeah. not a chance yeah. encounter. Yeah. Okay, so then she's like, "Oh, like you must have an interest in Japan, right?" And he's like, "Yeah, strange food, good cars, tough, tough deals." deals. Tough I was deals. like, "Tough deals. deals." I mean, is that he Trump gets style? A, does he get like a hard way to go on his antique business? I don't from, know. Strange food, good cars, tough deals. Also, like yeah, strange food—that's food? like a cultural thing that I find like taking for granted. It's like I guess in 1995, like sushi's still weird, right? Maybe, maybe I don't know. I remember being in college and our Seven Eleven on campus started serving sushi. Oh, thank you. And it was like, holy shit! The Seven Eleven has has sushi. sushi. Like what? Like also, you think McLeod would be a little more open minded? Sure, he lived in Japan for maybe years. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, they're fucked up. Actually, you know, I think it might have it might have been only been like three days because he never he never changed his clothes (laughs) and he only ate. Those melons or whatever they were. So now we get this crazy thing. So she's like, well, I'm looking for a McLeod or whatever. And then Kane is like, so am I. Slice. And it's like, again, no buzz. No buzz. No buzz. Like, yeah. So he appears feet from McLeod. Right there. Yeah. So is there a buzz in this world at all? It, they've seemingly hinted at it before, but no sound effect, no zooms, none of this sort of stuff that we are associated with the show. But this scene definitely posits absolutely not. Like he's right there and he has no fucking clue. Is it part of his sorcerous powers maybe or is max so enchanted with deborah unger that he's like notice he doesn't even notice that like something's aloof maybe i don't know (laughs) yeah it's interesting it's odd 400 years is a long time to hate why 
Why do you hate him? It wasn't your, wasn't his fault. I know. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I just feel like I guess maybe you think odd things when you're trapped in a cave. Hey, but... you got to stew over this stuff. You yeah. need to direct your anger at somebody. You don't <laughs> want to blame yourself. I mean, if Kane should be blaming anybody, it's himself. Yeah, sure. For being an evil asshole, he should own and, it. Really. And, yeah. yeah. So anyway, now we get some rapey shit because like he's like, oh, hate has feeded me, blah blah blah, made me stronger, and then he's like, oh, the woman, like I'll take care of her, and he's like, blah, 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 and he's doing all the the weird. <laughs> he said Kurgan. the opposite. Oh no, that's right. Yeah, he's like, oh, she's not my type. That's she's right. She's a little pale. Yeah, but it's the nineties. That's right. It's yeah. the nineties. Okay. It's, it's the nineties. So maybe I'll make an exception. Then Max says, "Hey, this is a shrine. We can't fight here." And Kane's just like, "Whatever. I'll he be says, the judge of that." Which is the line. They for some reason decide to call back that memorable line. I'll be, I'll the, be the judge. Oh, of it. Right. So then they fight a weird, weird fight. This fight. So sucks. let's talk about right. this. Huh? More jumping. This fight is bad. Right. Jumping. It's so weird. They jump on trampolines. Yeah. So like they they have like a little scuffle and then Mac runs away and jumps on a trampoline. Cirque to so like, Mac. Yeah, yeah. Up onto some scaffolding. Right. And then they have ropes and they're like swinging past each other. Mac grabs a rope and, and Kane, Kane has a trapeze. Tra- uh, an actual trapeze. Which what the fuck. And then they are swinging back and forth. Like, like it's a swashbuckler sort of movie. Yeah. This is like very classic old movie style. This is like I some Errol Flynn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did anyone notice Kane's sword? It gets very little screen time, but you can kind of see it here. And I only know a little bit more thanks to the internet and catalogs and all that shit. It's like he has like a black dragon katana, which Ooh. I think is kind of interesting. Like, because yeah. in the first movie, it's like, well, Mac has the white dragon katana and Kurgan is a black dragon. In this, like the sword, like they literally have opposite swords, which is like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. But it doesn't really get any screen time at all. Like, at all. Like, you, you, you wouldn't be faulted for thinking, like, I guess he just has a sword. Like, it's yeah. nothing special. Right. Interesting. So, flipping so trapeze for reasons. Yeah. Kane cuts Mac's rope. He falls. Kane, Kane does, like, a somersault down yeah. and then stabs Mac, like, down through the chest, which is pretty brutal. And so he's like, there can be only one. He's going to take his head. He swings. Mac lifts his sword to block it. And then Mac's sword shatters. Fucking explodes like crazy. Shatters in, literally into dust. Into into dust. Gold dust. And it blows out Shoots the windows an too. Energy beam <laughs> or something. Like the dust goes to the window and like explodes. And opens it, the window right? to reveal like uh, the, the Buddha, Buddha shrine. Right. <laughs> to be like, remember, this is holy ground. So is that why this happens? Because holy ground? But then why does Mac sword? Exactly. Mac isn't the aggressor, but like, if so, then Mac is punished? For right. Reasons? If anybody's sword should explode, it absolutely should be Kane's. And, right. Or it should be both of their swords. Like, just blow them both up. You're not allowed to fight here. We're not going to let you this kill is, him. This part is why I got confused earlier in the movie when I thought Nakano was making Mac's sword. I thought this was like some magic Nakano put in the sword or something. Well, I don't know. It's booby trapped. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Or what and if like, he had made Kane's sword and made it explode? Sure. I don't know. But th- because then after this, Kane is like, uh, like another time, McLeod, essentially. After 200 years. Patience is a virtue. Right. Yeah. So he runs away. So he runs away. For, so it, like uh, he, I guess, he uses the power of illusion to turn into a vulture, and then illusions all the windows into exploding. <laughs> right? Yeah, and then he illusion flies out the window, <laughs> and then Stan outside but, but, sees all the illusions. Goes, I'm going in. <laughs> right. But uh, so and who's he talking to? <laughs> He's on the radio. Oh, he has a radio. He's just psyching himself up. <laughs> I'm going in. The fact that they don't explode Kane's sword. Like, what is Holy Ground going to do? Like, I guess it's just like Kane is scared that Holy Ground will affect him in some way if he takes Max's head. 
I guess. So he's like, oh, I'm not going to fuck with this. I'm out. But the simpler solution is have both their swords explode, so he can't do it. And so he just has to leave. I don't, I don't know. It adds this extra, like, well, what's going to happen? I don't know. Or does Kane, using his power of illusion, which is just magic because it's not just illusions, does he make Connor's sword explode? And the process of doing so reveals that it is, in fact, holy ground. And then he voluntarily stops. Is that what know. the, I'll be the judge of that? Like, I'm not sure this is holy ground line? Like, And then it's revealed, think, ah, it is holy ground. It's not that Cain wants to fight on holy ground. It's that he thinks Mac is bullshitting him. This is the world in which it's tradition. We don't fight on holy ground. All right. So it is All tradition. Right. It's then revealed that they are on holy ground. And Cain goes, oh. Well, all right. You're clearly no match for me. I'll be back. I don't know. All right. That's a good way to think about it. It certainly makes it make more sense. That's yeah, not I think bad. that makes more sense than the holy ground magic blowing up the sword. Right. Yeah. Back and oh, on. I thought you were kidding because we're in like the fucking Japanese center in Queens. Why yeah. would it be a Buddhist the shrine? Japanese spiritual center. Yeah. Or that, or the explosion revealed the shrine. That's what I think well, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the action oh. of the explosion simultaneously just revealed the shrine. I see. It wasn't yeah. that the shrine caused the explosion. Right. Got Interesting. It. I don't know. It's all weird. It's I, all. I thought crazy. the sword exploding was cool. It is cool. Yeah, I think but, even the, the reveal of the shrine is cool. I think it's like, yeah. it's like ooh, like. But why it happened? I was just made me confused. Huh. I wish they just had a throwaway line in there, like yeah, just like ah, holy ground. You're right. Bye. Right. Like he doesn't explain why he's running away. <laughs> yeah. And it's not clear to me. Just because the movie has another 40 minutes to go. <laughs> yeah. So, Deborah Unger's, like, all freaked out. Mac is, like, fleeing. Whatever you saw, you saw nothing. Right. It's intense. Yeah. I think this is this might be the best example of Lambert acting in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Actually. And this feels Mac-ish. Like, yeah. this feels appropriate for his character to talk this way. Because he just fucking leaves. Yeah. Because he has actually, he does have a similar instance with this. This is the, again, copy this from is, the first movie. This is the When he Kurgan, fights the Kurgan, Kurgan in the alley with a pipe. Yeah. This is the exact same thing. He's like, you have one life to live. Like, don't throw it away. And he runs away. That's what this is. So he fucking runs out the door. Deb Runger's all freaked out. And then Stan, Stan is like, runs freeze. Yeah. Freeze. Good, good job. <laughs> Hey, Rewatchers, we've got a sale going on now, and it's just for you. The Highlander Collectible Magnet Set is available on our Etsy and Facebook pages. How much does it cost? It's only $15 for a collectible set of five awesome magnets. You're kidding me. It's less than $3 for magnet? That's right. This is cheap as fuck. Yeah, with such cool, unique artwork. Where else can you get? Like, you can even buy a print for that much. No. Prints are more expensive. And this shit will last, I would say, a lifetime. These are high-quality, durable magnets. They are heavy-duty. And they feature... away from your phone. (laughs) I like your phone. (laughs) I tried it. I put one of these magnets on my phone everything was lost (laughs) (laughs) Heyman's life's work my life was ruined my tax returns were on that thing wow you do your taxes on your phone gone yep (laughs) TurboTax does actually have a very efficient app to be discussed later (laughs) are they paying us for this yes hopefully one day hopefully one day but not this day so these magnets feature the likenesses of Duncan McLeod Amanda Joe Mythos and Duncan Part 2 Duncan Part 2 a Scottish Scottish warrior Duncan Duncan. (laughs) Let's do it together. So, make sure you pick your magnet set today. 
You can find them on our Facebook store or on Etsy. I can't understand you when there's only one of you talking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, check them out. They're really awesome. And add them to your collection. Today. Back to the show. So now we get a very weird scene. <laughs> this is interesting since I've watched two versions of this movie. I saw the Blu-ray version and the DVD version. The The footage that's on the Blu-ray on this looks like shit. Yeah. It's, it's really it, washed out. It's really washed out. This looks entirely different on the DVD. Like, it looks like the, the colors on the Blu-ray are very blue. It's mm-hmm. like, like you said, washed out, very white and, like, oversaturated. It's very strange. In the DVD version, it's more that orange hue that, like, this movie is very orange. Orange and blue, mostly. But, yeah, it looks completely different. Like, I don't know what happened to the footage. But not on the Blu-ray. They must have copied it from something else. It's weird. So, so let's talk about like this scene in a pool hall or something. Uh-huh. Or a bar? They're like in a bar at five a.m. allegedly. Yeah. So how long was Mac doing kendo? Yes. Okay. So when, remember when I said that I was like, I've got a crazy key theory for later. Buckle up because it's about some nonsense. Uh oh. It's that. I can't believe you guys noticed that too, or at least you did, Kyle. I didn't because I wrote at least half a page on <laughs> wrote half a page? on breaking that shit down. So I wondered the same thing. So first, let's talk about let's talk about the scene, and then we'll dissect how it's all fun. Well, this bar, this this pool bar has creamer for some reason. <laughs> well, because she's eating drinking coffee. Uh, coffee, coffee, coffee. Bars have coffee. Yeah, it's I'm okay. prepared to say bars have coffee. Not most bars. Oh, totally, most bars. It's probably shit coffee, like instant. Crap. Not that you can order. Not that you yeah, can absolutely order. that you can order. Bar restaurants, maybe. This but is not in like Queens, a man. Bar. No, most bars too. No, they don't. Oh, this tangent. Fucking go at it. <laughs> I go to a lot of bars. I can't remember the last time I have gone to a bar that's not also a restaurant that has coffee. Did you have you tried to have order a try, coffee? Have you ever tried and failed to Chal- order coffee challenge. at a bar? Go to go to a bar and try to order coffee. Do I it. did once. Uh, it was McGlinchey's. <laughs> And the woman, you would have thought I called her a curse word. She's like, we don't have coffee. All right. McGlinchey's, for those at home, is maybe the shittiest bar in Philly. Can you still smoke in there? You can. Okay. It's lost some of its edge. I see. (laughs) We'll revisit this. Well, that'd be a bonus episode. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. So what is the discussion here? So they're both drinking coffee. Stan is telling her about, like, what's up with this guy, Mac? Uh, I, I kind of like the, there's like a fun little cut here. Like she's opening her creamer with her pocket knife. Yeah. Sorry, you're describing what's about to happen as a fun little cut. <laughs> I don't, I don't mind it that she like pokes the coffee creamer. He's talking about this, like what's going on with Mac and she gets like flashes to the fight and the creamer turns to blood. I yeah. think that's kind of cool. Is it? I liked is, it. Is she suffering from the power of illusion? What is going illusion. on here? Illusion. Oh, it's just like, like a, her mind fuck. It's like, I just saw graphic shit. Mind. So now, now we're gonna see my PTSD. Yeah. Also, I'm in love with this guy. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fine. 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 Like, I'm willing to accept a world, perhaps, in which she is horribly traumatized by what she has witnessed, not the world in which she fucks him like 24 hours later or whatever <laughs> it is. Like. Not that one. I'm just, and into not the both. Cre- I'm just into the coffee creamer image. That's all. All right, yeah. Eamon, well, what happens to Brenda? Like where's, they, Bre- where's Brenda? Brenda died in a horrific car accident where she was plastered across a Scottish highway. <laughs> and, Matt, and Nash just walked away. Yeah. Right. So I think the implication is that, like, Matt caused this accident or something, right? I that guess seems to be what Sten thinks. Sten thinks, yeah. He right. had Brenda killed. Also, whatever. I think this is interesting. So they mentioned this happened seven years ago. Mm-hmm. So I guess eight years ago, Mac disappears from New York. Mm-hmm. 1985 slash courtship. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's interesting. They actually had one year of love, like the song. I, oh, I, that's a great pull. I Ooh. don't know if that's intentional or it not. It has to be. 
It has. I don't know, but it's one year of love is better than a lifetime alone. That's mm. phenomenal. Good, good work. I, I think David HG <laughs> brought this up to us. Brenda in this timeline has died two horrific deaths. <laughs> yes, unrelated yeah. to keep her out of these movies. One, yeah. she had horrible sun cancer. <laughs> sun cancer. Well, she was sort of a character in that. Like they sh- they show her. Yeah, only in like the director's cut though. And she's a bandaged up. Monster. <laughs> she is a monster. <laughs> she was actually just always a mummy. Did you miss that? Oh, I didn't know she was always a mummy. That makes sense. Yeah, and this one she dies in a car crash. Yeah. Because she can't be in this movie for whatever. For reasons. For reasons. Even okay. though she's replaced with a character with the same skill set. Yep. Kyle, you mentioned they're at this place at 5 a.m. What time? Because Deborah Unger points out it's 5 a.m., officer. I'm going to walk through my notes on this because I break this shit. All the way down. Oh, boy. And it's ridiculous. Okay. So, she says it's 5 a.m. And so, I'm going to assume this conversation takes place shortly after the police officer says freeze, right? This seems like this is right after that, right? I'm going to assume he maybe takes an official statement from her. They maybe go downtown. Mm, Uh, I don't even know. So, all right. So, what time was Mac training at the Buddhist temple? That's the first question, right? So, it's like, I don't know, 2 a.m. in the morning? I was like, the timeline on the night says... With his buddy, Charlie. Right. So, the timeline on the night says Alex... Well, how long did the fight? Did the fight take? How long was the fight? Will you let me let me break this shit down? Because I get through all these questions. So, Alex says she's staying late at work. Right? Let's start there. Let's start at the beginning of the sequence of events. Right? Alex Mm -hmm. is staying late at work. Mm -hmm. We're not sure how late, but it's definitely later than five p.m. We can all agree, right? A standard work day, right? Yeah. So she then goes to Mac's place to camp out and wait for him. Mac leaves his place to go visit Charlie and train. So let's work backwards. So let's say the fight happened an hour or even two hours before the conversation we're hearing right now in the bar, the pool bar. So that gives Stan and Alex time to get their shit together and go to this bar. And they probably have talked for a bit too before this conversation, right? Like so, about what she actually saw and what. Right. So working backwards, it's 5 a.m. So two hours ago would be 3 a.m. So 3 a.m. maybe they got to the bar or whatever. Uh, so the fight was about five minutes long, but it's for the movies, so it could have been longer. So let's say it was a fucking hour long, which means the fight maybe started at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> maybe. So before that, Mac was training and showering, presumably. Like, he leaves with a fresh set of clothes, right? So my question is, what time does this place close? There must be staff there, because Mac was getting finished in the shower. And maybe Charlie I'm, is staff. And ch- but is Charlie there? So... I don't think he has keys because Mac maybe hasn't been to New York in eight years. Did they let this guy keep, like, why does Mac have keys to the Japanese spiritual center? So Charlie already left. So in the next scene, we see Mac getting home to Manhattan from Queens. So we know he had a bit of time to drive. So again, we must know this coffee scene must be taking relatively soon after the fight because these two scenes are edited together concurrently. So Mac is arriving home from the fight and Sten and Alex are talking in the bar after the fight. These are going on at the same time, right? So we know what our timeline is here. Is this ridiculous? Probably. Also, I wonder where this bar is. I think it's in Manhattan. Why, you ask? (laughs) Because we see Sten in this bar later. We know Sten knows the details of Highlander 1's events, likely because he's in the same precinct as Bedsoe, who was investigating that murder, which means that precinct would have handled Madison Square Garden cases, right, in Manhattan. So we see him later in this bar having drinks with workmates. So it stands to reason that he does not drive to Queens for a beer after work that this is his local after-work bar because somebody calls him at the bar to say, like, oh, like, everybody knows he goes there. So they had to drive to Manhattan. This is ridiculous. And so this is his after-work hang. So there we go. Mac was, I guess, fighting at 2.30 in the morning. Wow. That's how I broke this down. 
I revisited well, this paragraph like six times. In the well, course. Well, clearly, there's a timeline issue. Okay. Whatever it is, Sorry. whatever there is, is a timeline issue. That didn't land as much as I hoped it would. <laughs> We're all in agreement on that. Five in the morning. So Mac must have been tra- like fighting Charlie at like midnight at this place. Disrespectful. That's Spiritual center. Late-ass training. Yeah. Good to see you, Charlie. Yeah. So Stan's like, he's dangerous. You should stay away from him. And she's and like, that's, what she, that's what he said. Exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, she likes bad boys. Right. So she's like, nope. He, she just saw him, like, sword fight some crazy guy. And she was just told his wife was splattered uh-huh. <laughs> across the road. She's like, I got to get more of this guy. <laughs> Hubba hubba gimme gimme. And he like pins her against the wall and like threatens her. Yeah, not like, cool. Geez. But he's she's into it. All right, so now we cut back to Max what Loft. Girls like nice guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we cut back to Max Loft. He's just getting home. He puts his broken sword on the counter. Ah, time to cut some oranges. Right. It's like, what's the first thing he does? Grab a beer? No, grab a full sack of oranges. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then just cut one in half, like slice it. It's the way ridiculous. he cuts it is really like so you get a, funny. It, you, you don't want that five am orange to get a smash cut to a guillotine a guillotine all right so now we are taking a flashback to france we are taking a flashback to france uh it's the french that's revolution like that's how we're getting there yeah. by way of flashback by way of flashback uh mac is locked up in a prison and his friend pierre shows up and he's there to take mac's place so mac is about to be executed for treason because of his role i guess in this revolution and pierre bribes a guard to come speak with him. And so Mac doesn't want to switch places, but Pierre's like, I'm done with this. I'm tired of this immortal life. This will relieve me of my pain. Right. And he's also apparently drunk because Mac's yeah, like, wait. go sleep it off. Like, yeah. I didn't pick up that on that at first, that he's drunk, yeah. He uses the phrase sleep it off, which right. I guess you could use metaphorically. But yeah, yeah, no, no, it makes sense that he's drunk, yeah. Pierre, like, bops him on the head. He literally, he literally bops him. And he's got to, again, deal what with the he, guards. Like, switch clothes with him or something? Does he even do that? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so either. But the guards take him out like he's McLeod. And... So he paid the guard to switch. Right. Like he, that's what he paid the guard to do. Right. Like yeah. Kill me instead. Yeah. And, then, and they're like, yeah, after it's all done, throw Mac outside like he's yeah. done. There's an odd bit of cinematography here where they keep on not showing Mac's face or like the, the condemned man's mm-hmm. face. Right. As though you didn't know it wasn't Mac. Yeah, right. Because right. you watched Mac get bopped on the head. So you yeah, know the so whole it's like time. You know. you know the whole time. But they're being very. Yeah, cut that part out. Right. Yeah. That yeah. way of it's him a mystery. getting bopped. Man, oh. come on. <laughs> Just this movie. So we cut outside. Yeah. I think this looks pretty solid, I guess. Like, the flashback? Yeah. yeah. in general. Sarah is working her way to the front of the line, this crowd, because, of course, it's like a grotesque period in human development where everyone is screaming for blood as they're about to witness this. And there's like a drummer drumming, which is, I like that overhead shot of mm-hmm. that. Oh, that's kind of stark. Yeah, yeah that's, that's cool. It's very stark. Yeah. One last thing that we missed, again, of who the fuck is Mac and who the fuck is Pierre? So we just found out Pierre is immortal. The reason Pierre wants to take Mac's place is if we lose you, we will lose a great warrior against evil. I was like, what? The fuck? Really? You will? Yeah. That's what you're going to lose? Who is this guy? Yeah. Doesn't seem to it's fit strange. with the character. It fits a bit with the version of Connor McCloud we see in The Gathering. Yeah. Sure. Where he's like headhunting for Slend the Cat. Right. This is a Duncan McLeod they're talking about here, not a Connor McLeod. Like, yeah. Duncan's a great warrior that stands up for causes. Connor fucks off and he doesn't give a shit. Connor yeah. probably doesn't even stand up for the wave at like. <laughs> 
<laughs> ball game. But we know that because at yeah. the wrestling match, he didn't give it. He just like looked yeah. frowny faced the whole time. He wasn't cheering or anything. Yeah, but we learned from the American Dream. He's a huge wrestling, huge fan. wrestling, fan. huge wrestling. But he just sits there with his arms crossed. He's like, impress me. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Sarah works her way to the front of the line in time to see somebody, somebody who's not McLeod get beheaded. And they're like, yeah. McLeod's dead or whatever, you know. Like, and so she's yeah. screaming, flipping out. Why doesn't she recognize his head? <laughs> She might be too far away. Yeah, I think I think yeah. that's what it is. In this in the script, like McLeod is courting this cousin or niece to the king. Right. This this what is the Sarah character here? Yeah, whose name is like Isabella or something. Yeah, and like that. and the conflict is not that Mac needs to go fight in the revolution. The conflict is this immortal mentor convinces him like you really can't be with a mortal woman. Right. Like, yeah. You gotta leave her. It's very similar to the conversation he has with Ramirez. Right. Like he and Kavanaugh, like and some other guy, like their French guide or whatever, Gaston, they like go to say goodbye to her. And then they get caught by guards. Like he doesn't have permission to be there. Right. And the guards catch them and like a scuffle ensues and it results in them being captured. And then the Kavanaugh character, aka Pierre, gets beheaded, but then Mac escapes because the quickening gives him superpowers. <laughs> no, him, I, I don't think so it's superpowers. Because it, like, it enables him to break his bonds. Oh, I thought the, the, the lightning broke the bonds. Oh, maybe. Somehow the quickening enable, like the chaos created by the quickening enables Mac to escape. Right. So he gets away. And his romance with this mortal woman actually causes his friend's death. Mm-hmm. Right. She's later beheaded in the revolution. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a different take on this whole thing. Yeah. But the like the ingredients of this are there. All right. So Pierre's dead. Sarah's freaking out. Max like, oh no. So let's talk about Mac doesn't get a quickening here. Nope. No. Even though he can see what's happening and is not that far away. Is he too far away? Is that the reasoning I here? Guess. Maybe. I don't or know. Maybe the movie universe doesn't work that way. The first time I watched this movie for this review, I did not catch the line about Pierre being saying like, oh, I'm tired of this. Uh, eternal life. So I, I had no clue that he was immortal because, again, there's no quickening. I was like, he didn't oh. need to be immortal. Well, yeah, he does not need to be. He can also be like, he can just be fucking down on himself and be like, I don't care. Or the reason, like you said, like Mac's a great warrior. He wants Mac to live. Yeah. We're worth more than I am. So I'm going to sacrifice myself. Yeah, he does not need to be immortal. I don't know why he is. Or in this universe, maybe there is no quickening if a mortal takes your head. Also uh, true. That's it. That like, is true that, because that that's, could just not be part that's of it. Just, that could just be it. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But in the TV show, like when well, what's his name gets his head cut off by the by the boat, the boat, Alexi 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 yeah. Though that happens. that's a little ambiguous, just insofar as it's very clear that uh, Matt caused that. Yeah, it was right. part of the fight. Yeah, but there's there's other instances where people we'll see in the series well, then, like, lose their head, and other people get the quickening. Fitz doesn't want to get his chopped off by the hunters because his quickening will be wasted, right? And he doesn't want to get his head chopped off. Yeah, and but also that it, it bugged me though that there was no quickening. Yeah, yeah, and it was just it, odd. It's also strange because it's such like a throwaway thing. It's like it's fine if they want to make him immortal because they want to explore this. Like, well, this Pierre's tired of living; he's sick of it. But it's like it's but a that's thro- not what this movie's about. But yeah, and it's like a throwaway line. It's like I'm tired of this eternal life, bop. And it's like, oh, that's the scene. It's like, how about more of more of that? Then. Yeah, like, this guy just that this idea. guy is literally committing suicide, and it's like a half second line. And we don't even get to know this character, so who gives a shit that he's dead? Like, yeah, 
He could be nothing. He's just and fodder. Al- and also, it's clearly a relic of the version of this script that is about the fact that Mac is tired of what li- is like lonely and run down. Has and- to live with all this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's bizarre. Also, actually, I never thought about this, but like Mac walking away from the the car crash without mm-hmm. a scratch, that could have been explored a little because Mac should have died because at the end of the first movie, he's mortal. He can have kids. Uh... And like. I mean, I honestly, even honest, honestly, even having a flashback to that or, or something like that's the moment Mac realizes it's not over. Like, right. I thought I was mortal. I thought I won this thing. She's dead. I'm not. How is this curse still going on? There's something. That's something. Right. I mean, it is possible, though, to get into a car crash and one person die. Oh, know. sure. But I yeah. think he would. Re- I mean, that would be that's I didn't think about that as a plot point. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, especially if it's a, a, a really horrific car accident, it's and like, well, made, there's no way I could yeah. have survived. They made it sound like he got out like without a scratch. Right. A which, real unbreakable situation. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, that's I mean, I think that's an interesting scene, at least Mac having to cope with the fact that like. Not only is his wife dead, but, like, this curse that he's been living with, essentially, is back. Like, or never went away. It's like, I thought I was over this. The game. Though, we're still living in this ambiguous, weird world of what the fuck is the prize. Yeah. Sure. You know. Do we know at the end of this movie? Not really. Nope. All right. So, we cut to the present, and we get to dissolve through the drumhead, and Alex is just at the door. Like, this scene just starts with, like, Mac opening the door and being like, oh, it's you. And he's like, come in. I'll make you a drink. And he, like, doesn't ask what she wants. Right. He's like, I'll fix you something. He goes upstairs. And then she wanders around the room, and this is... (laughs) He just makes her a root beer float. Yeah. (laughs) He comes down with a giant mug that's, like, dripping, and there's a big... Ice cream thing. Here you go. <laughs> this is what you wanted, right? I guess. At this point, this is after. She's instantly impressed by this law, <laughs> yeah. too. She oh, she is. She's well, like, awesome. Oh, it yeah. is awesome. It, it is, is awesome. awesome. But she's yeah. like, mm-hmm. hubba, hubba. So this is, this is what? This. Six in the morning now, let's say? This is the same day. I would assume. So they're drinking before the sun comes <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Like, this night is a long night. I'm assuming. It could be the next. Or day, is but, it the next night? But it has to be the like completely next night. But again, the way this is edited, I don't think so. So she's snooping around all this shit, and I just want to get. To I don't know. She's snooping. Right she's away. like well, looking. She's, looking yeah, she's snooping. Really? She, yeah. She listens in on a phone. Call oh well. At that, no. At that point, she's, she's grabbing his stuff. I think when he's like, "I'll make you a drink," and she walks around and looks at pictures on the wall. I don't know if that's snooping. Why does Connor McCloud have a fucking autographed, photoshopped pictures of <laughs> autographed picture of his own son on his desk? Yep. Great question. Who has autographed pictures of their fucking kids? Well, first also, off, when was that? Pi- hang on. How long has he been out of New exactly. York? Exactly. Yes, that, yes, yes. that is a current picture of the sun. Kyle, I just want to say I've infected you with all <laughs> my weird minutia that like, this is all shit that I have in my notes. I'm like, oh, this is going to not go over well. Like me noticing this shit. And you did. Ha. Like, and, and we he had a blowout over the super connector. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But apparently I'm the same. So, well, uh, no, good he, point. Because it seems like he's away for maybe eight years, but at some point he came back and put a signed, autographed photo, oh, no. framed picture of his son he on his have desk. Just put the picture in his luggage. He brought the picture. <laughs> he, brought right. the fo- he brought the signed photo. <laughs> All right, maybe. Yeah. All right. I didn't consider that. That's definitely nope, possible. Maybe it. But okay. it is signed. My Do you think problem he got it signed right before he left? He was like, good luck, the... Dad. Yeah, because this kid just learned how to write. Yeah, yeah. Right? the signature like is his... very professional. It's a very good signature. Yeah. I'm like, when do you learn cursive? Third grade? Yeah. Do kids even learn cursive now? But like then, probably yeah, third grade. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, third know. grade. Also, it's this kid. It's, it's definitely the actor's kid? headshot. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like, why? What, what does it say? <laughs> Best wishes. Have a good summer. Nice meeting you. 
Please call dad like you promised. If McLeod <laughs> but just, you didn't. just adopted this kid and then left immediately. He's like, this was a fucking mistake. I'll be back. <laughs> Daddy. So, so Mac makes adopt- a drink. Also, I want to just point out that Mac also has Applejack as part of his bar. It's prominently displayed. Oh, Weird, right? Fair enough. Product placement. Yeah. <laughs> like the Mountain Dew. So Mac gets a phone call from a travel agency saying his flight Super to Glasgow. Travel. Super travel. Saying his flight to Glasgow is prepaid. It's all ready to go. He just has to pick so it up. So it must be a subsequent day, right? Because he wouldn't have gotten home at 5 a.m. to... <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> to get to call a travel agent to book a flight to Glasgow. I, I travel have, agent isn't going to be open at 5 a.m. I think I have that in my notes as well. Because I was like, they're speaking with an American accent, so this is not a time zone difference. Yeah, I'm not sure when this theori- is. But guess, no, even, even if it's the next day, though, it's still too late, right? Maybe? Or not? I guess it could be, it's the winter, so the sun goes down earlier. It <laughs> might, yeah. So it could be 4 o'clock. It could be 4 o'clock. Yeah. Uh. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So now we know or, it's definitely it's the next travel, day. It's a travel agent. They might call. They might work a slightly they might irreg- have overnight. Or I was to say they might have slightly irregular hours. Sure. Like they might work, you know, eleven to seven, so they can call people. It would make sense. Not that travel agency has different hours because they're dealing with maybe international customers sometimes. Yeah. Crazy that we are picking up on some of this stuff. Good. 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 We're really getting to the heart of the movie now. <laughs> okay. So well, she- I think you introduced this properly. <laughs> this movie asks you to suspend so much that I am capable. Every time, nothing. Yeah, like, exactly. Once it's like cross some threshold where it gets no more passes, and so even things like yeah. this fucking photo. Yeah, or like, hmm. What's even more fucked up than the photo, which I don't know how she doesn't notice this right away, is the enormous fucking. <laughs> painting of her she does notice it and mac points it out and they that's like the first thing i'd notice it's an enormous painting it is big i'd be like wait what's that (laughs) forget this when did i post for this framed child picture and she listened in on that yes and then also what's the deal with the baseball so she picks up the baseball and it's signed to Con. It's signed like to Connor McLeod, and she goes like a lot of Connors in the family. Like that's weird, and it's because Mac had somebody sign the ball to him yeah. as Connor McLeod. It's kind of an interesting line. I think you could read a lot into it, honestly. Like if you want to really get deep and like philosophical about the character, it's like oh Mac ha- always has fucking aliases like Russell Nash and all the weird other ones, and it's like oh in a moment where he meets like a Babe Ruth and is like sign the ball for me. It's like oh what's your, what's name? your name? And it's like it's not Russell Nash. It's like, oh, it's Connor McLeod. Like, that's his real identity. So when he has someone give him something, like a memento like that. Please sign it to this. Right. Yeah. So that's me, like, putting layers into this that I think are pretty good. It's not present in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, like, for a man that's constantly being investigated by the police, he's pretty cavalier about leaving all these weird pieces of evidence of <laughs> yeah. him, like, being an immortal. Now we get a flashback. Back to France, I guess. Maybe England, though, because Sarah's from England, right? So who knows? So Sarah is gardening. Mac is spying on her (laughs) from a distance. And then he, like, peeps out and is like, oh, I'm going to talk to her. Right. He looks like he's ready to, like, I'm going to go talk to her now. Because also it's definitely revealed that Mac knows that Sarah was at the beheading, right? Right. Yes. Like, he sees her there, too, and he's like, oh, no. Yeah. Okay, so he goes to make his move, but all of a sudden, a family comes out, and there's kids and all this stuff. The husband looks kind of doofy. There you go. He's no Connor McLeod, who also looks doofy. He looks plenty doofy. (laughs) So this must be years later. So Mac, for some reason, decides years later to come visit Sarah. Because he's he's like, oh, I'm sad. Right. (laughs) I'm going to walk away. And he puts on his triangular hat. Also, at this point, the movie has given up on 
transitions between the past and the present. <laughs> it is literally just a fucking, like, it just, like, fades to the past and fades to the future. And it's like, there's no pans, there's no weird dissolve, there's nothing. Nothing. We get cut, nothing. Cut to the present, and Mac was wearing a tri-corner hat for some reason. <laughs> so they go Although, also, the maybe, <laughs> also, maybe that tells me that this flashback was not supposed to go here, like, because there's no plan for cutting anyway, so they had no way to stick it in the scene, so they just dissolved to it. It doesn't follow the hallmarks of the rest of the movie. Interesting. So then she's telling Mac about the Tartan and Nakano, and Mac's just like, don't you ever talk about anything but business? And she's like, well, what else should I talk about? And Mac's thinking, we should talk about fucking. Well, yeah, then we get a cut. It's like, oh, is there something else we could talk about? Cut back to that scene about like, oh, it would seem I need some taming. And Mac's like, oh, it's a challenge. Cut back to the present. Like, that's the whole scene. It's like, what Mm. the fuck is this flashback? It means he wants to slam in the pork <laughs> that's right another uh, watcher tube saying not originated by iman that's right then on her way she's gonna leave i guess on her way out she see, sees the sword hilt on the counter and she's like oh this looks familiar or whatever and she makes a very weird decision <laughs> then she just throw it at him fucking chuck it at him yeah uh and then the cap then the production team makes a weird decision so then we actually do get a transition which is this sword hilt hits hits a flag a flag that is interposed which is it reveals behind it a blue screen yeah and and then there's from the the first first movie movie for about five seconds and then we fucking cut away what is this it's like right before the mcclouds and the phrases go to town right and then what happens what does it cut to then then we get computer action why you throw yeah oh that's it yeah you're right that's it nothing happens it just cuts to scotland and then the flashback is over. And she throws, like, a hilt that still has, like, a piece of sharp metal this sticking This is dangerous. Out. This is hazardous. She's a, she's a fucking archaeologist. Yeah. What are you doing? And what? she's like, this looks familiar. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, shatters his Fabergé egg or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Good thing I have a replacement. I hope this doesn't get broken later. <laughs> right. Oh, no. So that's the bizarre. I guess that's the transition of, like, we're going to go to Scotland or something, right? Yep. Like, that's that's what this flashback is, but it doesn't really deliver anything. It's just like, oh, remember Scotland? That's where this movie's headed for a minute. For well, but yeah. no, for a longer, for a longer period of time, because Mac is about to go to Scotland. But then he's only in Scotland for a little while. Yeah. Oh yeah, for not long. But this is just to like, I guess, draw that connection that like Scotland. Remember? Question mark. Yeah. Ah, remember it. this movie is called Highlander. Yeah. Yeah. Before we wrap up this episode, should we play another game? Probably. Game time. All right, we're gonna play a game of. Highlander 3-centric, 3 and 5. 3 and 5 is the game where I will name a category, and then Keith and Eamon, alternatingly, will have to give three examples that fall within that category. They'll get one point for each one they successfully name. Four points total if they get all three. Did I say they only get five seconds to answer? Hey-o. There we go. Head-to-head, baby. Cheers for five years. Keith, you're up first. Name me three. Paramours of Connor McLeod. What's a Paramour? <laughs> No, 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 What's a paramour? You can't do it. Romantic interest. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Come on. Come on. I don't know what that word I'm not sure if I'm... I don't know what that word meant. I know, but I feel like you should. But all right. Maybe I should. Sure. Now you've had more time to think. Keith, give me three paramours. Connor McLeod. Brenda. Louise. And Alex. 
and Sarah. All right. Four. He should be disqualified I, I, for I, I, giving an extra. You can, you can deduct a point or something. You can deduct two points. I'll give you that. Oh, I didn't know what Paramore meant. I am uh, putting the big old asterisk there. All right. All right. <laughs> we'll see how the rest of the game shakes out. I'm sorry, David. Well, I'm going to pretend I don't know a word in yeah, this question. Yeah, oh, good. That's yeah, going to be hard, other that's, hard vocab That's going to be hard to do. But, uh, I'm going to try my best. Uh, Eamon, name me three non-Highlander Lambert movies. Mortal Kombat. Uh, shit. <laughs> God damn it. Um, guns. Big guns. No. Guns. Big guns. It's not what the movie's called. That right. sucks. That was not your best work, but no. that's one That's one point. Uh, big guns. Keith, yes. name me three things it takes to stop someone like Kane. Uh, steel, faith, no, uh, steel, soul, and heart. All right, I'm giving you two. Yeah, that's two. You got there. I was accurately quoting the first movie, like this movie should have. Hey, Eamon. Yes, sir. Can you go ahead and name me three forms that are adopted by Kane? A vulture, Connor McLeod, and Connor McLeod's son? No. Uh, the, the Alex. Uh, that last one did not make it. Uh, two points. Two points only. Basketball. <laughs> Keith, maybe three tools that are required to make a sword. A uh, hammer, an anvil, fire, ply, like plier things, gloves. Uh, well, I don't know. I'll give it to you. <laughs> I don't know. Disqualified for too many answers. <laughs> Amen. Maybe three continents visited by Duncan McLeod or Connor McLeod. Uh, North America. Uh, Japan, continent? No. Oh, boy. Oh, one point. What are the other ones? North America? Asia and Europe. Asia and Europe. Asia and Europe. All right, and we've got the last one. Keith. Maybe three members of the House of Representatives. This is not, you said this is Highlander 3, you know. Burning time. I don't give a shit. This is a protest. No no answer protest. No answer protest. All right, zero points. Amen. Name me. Can't lose a game I don't play. Three members of the Trump cabinet. Oh, uh, Jared Kushner. Uh, nope. No? Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, Mike Pence? I'll give no. Mike Pence, actually, but... Uh, but... Nope. We're done. <laughs> A lot of people think of the vice president as part of the cabinet, even though they're not, like, secretaries. Uh, In any case... What's Kushner? Uh, advisor. A special advisor. Oh, uh, And that's related to Highlander 3... How? Because I included in all my 3 and 5s until you guys eventually get them. <laughs> <laughs> this has not been a secret. This, a bit. I, this might actually be the sixth time I've done it. Keith, you've got 10 points. Eamon, how many points do you think you have? You've got 5 seconds. Price is right. Three? You've got 5. The first, if you took completely out my first answer. If you took completely out the first answer, you would still win 6 to 5. There we go. I can feel confident. So we, can, we can remove the asterisk. Oh, sorry. There we go. Because I forgot Asia was a constant. There we go. <laughs> hey yo, and that's how you play three and five. All right, guys, this is another chapter of the Highlander Three Saga completed. Right. How Highlander do we think the story's three. going? Going great. Is it going great? Is it's... this? Is it getting better? Sure. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> We're treading water right now. We are kind of treading. It's like odd. There's just so many. Odd well, the choices. movie's treading water for sure. Like we're not learning new things. Like we learned about Brenda. You look pretty, Brenda. Sure, smushed on the sidewalk. <laughs> oh boy! But like, let's, let's compare street this pizza. Oh, Scottish street pizza. That's funny. Mm-hmm. It's got haggis on it. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's compare Yo, this man. to the series for a second. Like this, what the series? series was like additive. 
Like, mm-hmm. we introduce the Watchers. We introduce, like, there's new things. Like, there's the Methuselah Stone. I mean, I guess this movie introduces magic or whatever. But, like, I think it's actually the power of the Legion. <laughs> yeah. I think you need to respect that a little more. You got to respect that a little more. We learn new things in the mm-hmm. series. Like, the mythology grows. I'm not sure if the mythology grows in this movie. That's why I say, like, treading water. Like, we have these investigations. Like, the police are investigating. We have Alex investigating. But it's like, to what end? Like, as an audience member, I, I don't l- learn more about the Highlander mythos in this movie than I did from the first movie. Do I? Like, do I learn any new rules? Do I, like, there's, there's very little. If, if anything, it just kind of confuses me a little bit. <laughs> Like yeah. the Holy Ground thing. It's like, I thought they couldn't fight on Holy Ground. Do they? Do they not? Not sure. It doesn't really define anything new, which is something you'd hope for in a sequel. Like, give credit to Highlander 2 for that. It's like, at least that was like, well, there was this, and now we're adding something new to that. Like, it's actually, you know what I mean? Like, So uh, what I'm hearing is Keith is pro-Zeist. Zeist is better than this at the moment. Like, at least in no. terms of, like, no. at least in terms of developing the mythology, maybe. Uh, Highlander 2 develops a mythology. It's not good. Way, it's a it, it's a complete misstep in, okay, like, so adding stuff. the way stuff. that, like, puking on a page is coloring it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, it's, like, a bad move. But, like, that tried to say, like, well, what's the next step? What? Where do we go from here? Right. We'll add to it. This does not, this is not doing that. This is, like, playing it very safe. Like, literally, try, like, it's like, oh, let's just play, you know, we're on the kitty side of the pool, like, don't want to get our feet too wet or whatever. And we're just kind of stuck with the same movie. I don't know. It's not doing anything. No. So any final thoughts before we wrap it up, guys? I can't wait to see what happens. That's right. <laughs> oh, in... We need to watch that part of the movie now. Let's watch yeah. the movie again before we start <laughs> <destroying. laughs> I guess I'll take the helm this time and recap what's happened so far in about 60 seconds. Let's go. And clock starts now. Uh, Mountain in Japan in the past. Uh, Matt goes there. He learns about wizardry and things like that. It's like it's sort of like an Asian Hogwarts situation. Uh, That is not true. It might be. Uh, Then Kane busts up in the house. Busts up in the house. He kills Mac's wizard, wizarding friend. Mac is able to escape. Batman begin style out of cave hole. Uh, then in the present, excavators are digging around. They end up releasing the villain of the movie who was buried in the cave. Then they all go to New York because they know that's where to go. Mac abandons his son because he's adopted, so he doesn't really feel he that much of an count. attachment for him. He leaves him with his friend Jack, who's also John, who doesn't give a shit about him. Uh, so then in New York, Mac's in a hospital because they think he's crazy. He busts out of there with the help of Looney Napoleon. And uh, in flashback, has sex with this girl, Sarah, in hay. Yeah, that's kind of it, right? Oh, and he fights. Uh, his sword gets broken. That's important, right? Yeah. His yeah, sword, a lot, his okay. sword explodes in a Japanese spiritual <laughs> center in Queens. Populated only by white people in yeah. Queens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's about where we are. And uh, yeah. Yeah. The story is unfolding as it were. As it were. As it were. Okay, it were. so let's hop into this episode. So McLeod. what we've last seen of Mac... His sword has exploded. We've learned Brenda is dead as a doornail. I've often thought a coffin nail is the most dead piece of metal, but that's Dickens. Get literary. Move on. Get lit. Get lit. That's definitely on like a library wall that's like trying to be cool. Ooh, like a yeah. poster that's like, get lit. <laughs> it's like psh, some kid in a white jacket leaning up against a, a wall. Yeah. No rag. <laughs> so to kick this off, we uh, see a weird random flashback to the first movie in Scotland. There's a, there's going to be a lot of cutting back and forth. Like maybe we should just talk about, let's talk about what Alex is doing in her lab late one night. I was so Alex is in the museum and she's, one night, she's, and my eyes behold a heavy sight. 
A steel ingot from a Japanese cave. I give it to Mac, his sword to save. That's good. I'm just going to stop there. He did the Mac? (laughs) He did the The Monster Monster Mac. Mac. The Monster Mac? (laughs) It was uh... Glasgow Smash. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That was one of my weird retired drives. This is not bad, though. (laughs) So she's just staring at her computer screen and playing with this piece of metal. The the steel ingot paperweight. She's like looking, like she has a CD or something that tells her how to make swords. And it's like really shitty picture, like pixelated pictures of swords like she needs that mythos watcher database <laughs> that's right europe 1995 <laughs> meanwhile mac is digging around mac is back in scotland he's right like mac digging. rumpled in the high ones that's right he's rumpling well he's around. looking good here he's got his leather jacket on he's got a sweet scottish turtleneck thing yes yeah, sweet scottish turtleneck sweet scottish he looks turtleneck. like a fucking person in this he doesn't, he doesn't look, look like, like a, a person he isn't looking like inspector gadget <laughs> yeah that's true that's fine okay you've sold me go go gadget skis okay so mac goes to his old like forge i guess he you'd call he, this he needs strength so he returns to where it all began i think he says in more voiceover and so he digs around the fucking moss, yeah. and he unearths his anvil and a bag, a leather bag that is full of like his hammers, forging and, equipment. Right, and, and when he, he gets gra- it, it's like <laughs> yes, he holds them in the air and goes, "Yay! It's hammer time! It's hammer time! Stop! Hammer time!" Hammer time. Mac is going to attempt to reforge his broken sword. Can you make a samurai sword using? Scottish sword forging tools. I think a lot of the the, the stuff is the same. I mean, yeah, a I lot. Don't, of I, don't know. I don't know. You got your hammer. You got your your anvil. Maybe a stone or something to grind it on. I don't know what else you need. I I don't know. I don't know if about enough you about need a real hot forge. Sure. Yeah. And you need good materials, mm-hmm. I guess. Which is maybe what Mac is lacking? Question mark. Well, this he's, certainly posits he's that he's not he's not doing too good. <laughs> So back in Alex's office, she's got, yeah, this, like, the the paperweight thing, and she drops it on the ground. That's, like, the weird first clue, I guess. Then it, like, shatters a tile, and it's like, oh, it's really strong because it's a giant chunk of metal. metal? Like, of course it cracked the tile. I I don't know if that's what that's supposed to show. I I I think think it it is. I I think it is. Yeah. It's it's like, yeah, of course. Right. Again, she's just, like, fiddling around on her desk, and she has another sword on her desk. I don't know. And she, like, taps the metal against it maybe by accident at first and i guess they resonate the same pitch i think that's what you're supposed to imply and it's like oh this sword and this metal are related is this special metal because it sounds like any other sword or is that sword on her desk a very special sword from the cave my theory is yes right because of the dialogue in the very first movie about how special right the chip from the sword is Right. Which is not this sort, though, made by a different person. Right. right. That's the part I'm losing. <laughs> like, the whole time in my head, Mako had made this sword. Correct. But I'll that's assume not. that this sword on her desk is from the cave. Maybe it's a Mako OG. So then when she no, taps no, it, no, she no, realizes no. that the metal is the same. Right? Yeah. Okay. So then Mac is busy forging shit, and he's getting, like, frustrated. I love all of this. Like, yeah, no, this, this is, right. is the best part of the movie. Absolutely. It's ridiculous. The return home reforging a weapon getting the artifact of your of your mentor to complete the task this should be in a reboot if they when they remake highlander a scene like this can absolutely go in a reboot i'm fine with this all the way yeah all the way all the way 
just like they're and about to like go. the hero's <laughs> weapon. Yeah. Well, so then, like it's a fucking sitcom, she's like, hey, it's me. Yeah, well, how does she get there? Why does she get there? And he's like, oh, I thought you'd find me here. Well, he's just, it's like, you did. It's like, what? Also, this isn't the McLeod Castle. This is not the McLeod Castle. What is it? This is his forge. Which is the McLeod Castle. No, at, no, at no. The McLeod no. Castle. No. The McLeod Castle is something different. That's where he, remember when in the beginning of Highlander 1, he like, remember they're, they're crossing the bridge and everything? That's the McLeod Castle. But where what's their the castle is. he lives in That's later. his. That's his forge. But that's also a castle. So they have a family reunion at that piece of shit? No, they don't. No, no. That's like because, again, he was exiled. That's not the McLeod Castle. That's where he found and made his home. That's his new castle. Yeah, exactly. House. I mean, it's that McLeod's little castle. Yeah. Yeah. Good but no, no, it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not the McLeod Castle. That's not like home base. It's this, this is not where the family it's reunions this are. This castle. Right. This is where he definitely, you know, lived his life with Heather and all this sort of stuff. But like, right. I don't know how she tracked down... Considering McCloud was exiled, who knows if people even knew he lived there? I don't know. She somehow finds him there as like a no duh situation. Like, oh, of course I'd be here. Yeah, glad you showed up. Yeah, I, I I was more just like he's just sitting there dejectedly, like. Mm-hmm. He just looks sad, and he's sitting there. I'm well, like, how he long has he been sitting sword. there? Oh, so what was the last time he had to forge anything? Yeah. It's probably she, pretty rusty. Yeah. Maybe the problem isn't the materials, Mac. Maybe it's you. Probably. <laughs> probably. But then she shows up with this little square thingy. And she's like, you better not fuck this one up, because it's special. Yeah. yeah, what if you fuck this one up, too? <laughs> well, luckily, he had all that practice. That's right. Yeah, these are just could, test ones. She could give him tips with her Japanese sword-making website knowledge. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, she's not even like a metallurgical person like Brenda was. Like, she's not a sword expert. She had to Google that shit. Like a chump. She should have read Brenda's book. Oh. No, really. That would have been great. She should have had that on her desk. It would have been a great. Highlander 3. Yeah, right? It would have been a great callback. Just have it on the desk. Police department. Come on. Right there, baby. Baby. Yeah. Max starts forging the real deal with Alex very intently watching. watching Very intently watching. So very in, intently. So in the midst of all of this sort of montage, which is pretty cool, cool sunset shots and all this stuff, we cut back to New York at Max Loft. In comes Kane. In comes Kane fucking with that Fabergé egg. <laughs> yeah. So he opens the, the Fabergé egg and he takes out the little diamond thing inside. And then he like drops the encasement. The egg. The egg. The egg part. <laughs> and on the, shatters the pieces. Yeah. And then he also steals a handful of cigars. He steals, like, all of those cigars. (laughs) Which, are they fucking stale and rotten? Because they've been there for eight years? Or is Mac a a cigar smoker? Sure. How long has Mac been at his new place? A week. And he bought a bunch of cigars. And he bought a bunch of cigars. Which, again, implies that, like, this is not a hobby. Like, Mac bought a shit ton of cigars to smoke that week. Because he loves smoking cigars. Right. He's got money. So I don't think that makes sense. So I think Kane is smoking like (laughs) really stale, dry ass cigars. cigars. But he doesn't know any better. Yeah, that's true. He doesn't know. He's like, oh, this is what it is. Because he smokes them later. Because he's like, I've never been to the new world and discovered tobacco. Right. (laughs) So, other question How does Kane find this place? Mac uh, isn't there, so there's no pull to Mac. This doesn't bother me just because it's clear a lot of time has passed. Like, Kane's probably been. Uh, Has a lot of time passed. Other question. I mean,. Long enough for him to be in Glasgow and get to the McLeod Forge and try and fail multiple times to make a sword. Are we thinking a week? Right. Easy. Sure. Yeah. I'll say a week. I'm okay with, I, I, I'm okay I with say a week. Easy a week. Kane's been looking for him, say, for the entire time, and he gets a lead and goes there. Maybe. But Kane does not know his aliases. Connor McLeod does not own this property. Connor McLeod's name is not associated with this yes, property. Yes, it is. 
Yeah, it is. Because Nash bought it from Connor. No. In, in this, he did. In this, he did. Not true in the other one. Yeah, but in this one. <laughs> yeah. In this one, in this the really. line of succession is different. Yes. Right? right? That's what we're going with. Okay, fine. Uh, yep. Under the rules of this movie, there the are red gloves. Highlander 3. That's very true. Also, Kane's the sorcerer. He could have sorcerered himself. <laughs> yeah, he, he can teleport from <laughs> to, Japan to, to New York, <laughs> so he can... So, uh, the irresistible pull to a faraway place, I guess that's only so strong. You can leave Like, it. you can just be like, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. I've had my fill of this. Yeah. There's a sword-breaking exception. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, I guess you can go now. Take a break. Half time. It's half time. It's literally yeah. half time for this. Yeah. Max's son calls him because Mac apparently hasn't called <laughs> He's his like, son you promised you'd at call, all. Dad. What a dickhead. Yeah, what a dickhead indeed. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go have a life and death fight and not worry about my son. Yeah. So the son's like, you said you were going to call me. You never did in case you forgot my phone number or whatever. Here it is. Also, it's it's a great line because it's like directed to the audience. In case you forgot me, like my number is Marrakesh. It's like, remember, you have a son in Marrakesh. In audience, like who yeah. definitely forgot, forgot about me yeah. at this point. Yeah. It's just the most convenient Messy. bit of writing Next ever. to the autographed yes. picture of him. God damn it. Kane. Oh, and then. Like, Ooh. Daddy. <laughs> yeah, <he's> daddy. Daddy. <laughs> daddy. 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 This one's for daddy. All right, so we cut back to Scotland. And this is, I guess, when, I guess, Alex shows up. So now we end up getting kind of a new montage of Mac making this brand new sword mm -hmm. and training. And this is all set to the song Bonnie Portmore. And this is sung by Laura Creamer. Yep. Or no, actually, no, I'm sorry. This is set by, sung by L uh, Lorena McKennett. And then when they use the show, the song later in the TV show, they have it re-recorded by Laura Creamer. So this is a beautiful song. It's a beautiful song, yeah. But it's set to like a Rocky Three style montage that involves like Mac running on the beach. No, this isn't a Rocky Three montage. This is a Highlander One, one montage. montage. Yeah, I mean to say it's a Rocky Three thing. No, this is just the Highlander oh, one, one montage, montage, which I like. I think it's cool that they do this again. I sure. forgot that they ran on the beach yeah. with Ramirez. Hell it's yeah, just, they did. Yeah, with the steer in the back. Feel you feel it? Blood. Yeah, yeah, man. It's like, oh, this is not coming back. I like this. There, there isn't as much resonance as in the first one i was gonna say once again like his training with nakano where does mac start and where does he finish when mac comes here to train i guess i'm just wondering it's like oh is is mac untrained at this point i mean he was just housing charlie in the spiritual center i wish they called out like i've been out of the game too long like i'm not practiced like all this sort of stuff like he's got to get his mojo back that's what this needs to be about like this is also like his sword broke once again like when i said at the beginning that like nakano hands him his sword this is a symbolic thing in any hero myth story. It's like, you now have gotten your weapon. This is like your identity. This is like, this is your tool, right? Yeah. This is like Lord of the Rings shit. So then when Mac loses it, this is like no different than like in fucking uh, Spider-Man 2 or whatever. Like where Peter Parker loses his powers because he doesn't want to be the hero anymore. Like that's what needs to happen here. Is Mac like like this? Him, his destruction of the sword needs to be symbolic of more than just the sword. Like it needs to be his soul. Like his soul is on the line here. It's like, am I not in this fight? And like you know, he's lone. Like all this sort of stuff about like loneliness and like who is he fighting for? It's like John's definitely a good candidate for like a reason to fight. Does but he? Not, does no, he really he come? Like it's it yeah. It doesn't yeah. really pay off that way. I wish there was a journey in this training like what has mac lost and he needs to regain 
and I think there's definitely some spiritual aspect to it that is like untapped, and that's a bummer. Yeah, like Mac needs to like reconnect with nature. Like that stag scene, like they show him running on the beach. That scene's not about running on the beach. That scene is about Mac feeling the heartbeat of the stag and channeling it into his own running. Because that that's what that's about. It's like, can you feel it? And he's able to like become that and run faster, right? Yeah, it's a very odd so mystical thing. They they but... skip that part. They fucking they don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> like they they miss it like it's like no like it's not the running mac needs to connect with nature or whatever it is again and the theme of that movie there can be only like this oneness with stuff meditation spiritualness with nakano all this stuff is fucking uh, dropped yeah. ah! Oddly so enough, in the original script with the kavanaugh character there is a whole moment that calls back this connection with nature thing he says like oh what do you hear and mac says he's like He's just kind of like nothing. He's like, well, what do you hear? He's like, I don't know. I hear the wind. And he's like, well, what else? And like, he like breaks down all the other things in the environment that are going on around him and right. like trying to get him to like live in this space, which is a callback to this whole stag, like one with nature thing. And also, I can't believe that Mac's not like it. It needs to also again be the spiritual aspect. One because that's more compelling. But like Mac has quote unquote won the game. Like I can't believe for a second Mac isn't strong enough. Mac has lived longer. Mac again has beaten the Kurgan. So to say he's not strong enough is wrong. Right. Mac is missing the other thing, the heart. That's like I mean also again like in the first movie we wondered about that too. It's like Sean Connery has this great line. It's like how do you beat the Kurgan with steel, faith, and heart? And we were bummed that that line doesn't seem to manifest itself in any other way like it seems to just be a dangling thread from maybe an earlier script this is again one of these instances it's like well mac i need steel which is broken you got to fix the steel and it's like but what about the other two things the faith or in this one it was soul and heart it's like let's get this trifecta going like yeah. let's pay this movie off ah so like the heart he like connects with deborah unger and his daughter the soul though He's got to find that thing that makes him want to live. Correct. Which. So we're, we're like two for three here. And yeah, I don't know. It's close. It also just kind of is like your dad exercising. Well, he does it in a fucking like purple sweatshirt. Like it's. Yeah, yeah. it's like a sweatshirt. And like he's really like not that I'm Mr. At Charles Atlas or anything, but he's like really struggling in the boat with the oars and everything. I like this sequence. I think it's good it's filmed really nicely yeah. the song's nice but then well, it's filmed same... nicely because it's all the same shots from the first movie yeah but at the same time i'm just kind of like but he's just like twirling his sword around and like i don't know yeah once again this even this training montage can go is right at home in a highlander reboot so also this idea of going home like that's important yeah that's important that's important because there's also a conversation of like oh like you look at home like you belong here and he's like well i did once like i don't now but he like reconnects with that by the end of the movie like right. there's some good thematic ground to cover mm -hmm. yeah cut to nipple sucking yeah okay cut to nipple sucking. okay okay so we get well we get a reverse of the silver room scene where instead of mac being like my name's connor mcleod i was born in 1528 or whatever it is she says it she says it i don't know how she Somehow, knows all this stuff yeah, again know. a remnant of an earlier script where this stuff was a legend she was researching right this is now just i, I don't well, know she already knows she already knows that Connor McCloud, there was a Connor McCloud who was kicked out of that village. Oh, I guess so. So, she so she's just reciting this. The, okay. She knows the story already. And this is like that legend connection. Right. And then Mac gets a boner anytime <laughs> he tells a woman he sure that does. he's immortal. Because well, after she says that, 
he goes in for this huge open mouth kiss. <laughs> it's and the fucking music starts ramping up, and yep. you're hearing it right now under us. And this is like the softest core porn. This is fucking music. Shit. This is like, man, this is like the room level porn music. Yeah. There's uh, more Christopher Lambert. Like nipple yes. sucking. So let's I talk. Mean, let's like talk open... all about the sex scene, guys. <laughs> Since we dissect every fucking frame of this movie, let's talk about every dirty frame of this. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh no. I so it's know. nicely lit. <laughs> yes, it's nicely lit. You can see everything. <laughs> it's too late. I've seen everything. <laughs> so yeah. I've seen it all. Yeah. Uh, so Eamon, you it's said just... nip sucking. Well, yeah. Just like in the first one, like. Christopher Lambert like puts this woman's nipple in his mouth, like makes a beeline. I'm like, oh, this is gross. Like, do you sign up for that when you're an actor? Like, I have to let this man suck on my nipple. Maybe that must be very uncomfortable. I don't want a stranger. It is her. These yeah. are not body doubles. This is the nope. real deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the real deal. Uh, you see some of her pubic hair, don't you? Oh yeah, you do. Like he goes downtown to. I'm sorry. He does what? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this mu- this music is like raging on. It's like hardcore stuff. I want to read this thing from IMDb. Sure, yeah, this is good. When preparing for the sex scene between Connor and Alex, Christopher Lambert and Deborah Unger discussed about it, and to be sure that they both felt comfortable about doing it, and they decided to just go for it. What is, is that like a trivia? That was in the trivia section. They decided to just go for it. Who knows if that's it. true? And it was written. Well, very, they definitely did just go for it, for sure. Good. It's really hardcore. Like, this is very graphic. I mean, this is like straight up, like, HBO late night shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what else to say about it because it's so fucked and weird. (laughs) It's unnecessary. That's true. Okay, so let's cut the fuck out of here. Now we're in like a local Scottish bar, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And a lot of bagpipe music playing. Yep. Something about this is somewhat charming to me. It's like, oh, at least they're having a relationship now. Like they're at a table fake talking to each other. Yeah. I like because the music's playing, they are moving their mouths like they're in a deep conversation. And then, like, a waitress comes over to them, and they're like, uh, McLeod, you have a phone call? It's like, wait, we can hear you fine, but could never hear them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jack is on the phone, and he's returning Mac's call. So at some point, I guess finally after Mac had sex, he was like, I should probably call my son. And said, hey, Jack, I'm in Scotland. Call right. me back. Bye. Right. And he's like, hey. W-, like, You're when not going to believe this piece of ass. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm punching way above my weight. <laughs> <laughs> so at some point, when Jack calls, Kane has, like, also called and set up an arrangement to fly little Johnny yeah, to, to Newark, Newark to meet up with him. And then, but then when he gets the call from Mac, he's like, wait a minute, like you're in Scotland, but you want him to meet you there? This is like fucked. And Mac's like, uh oh. He's like, I gotta go. Uh oh. Now we cut to Newark, in which there is a sign outside that says, Bienvenue au Montreal. <laughs> There's a sign very clearly that says, Welcome <laughs> to Montreal. Wait, really? Yeah, at the airport. Yeah, Amazing. So John comes in, he gives, he's at the ticket taker place, and the, the at least somebody the, asks, like, Are you traveling alone? Like, well, this is and crazy. The, the stewardess is with him, like, yeah. escorting him. Right. But then what? She just disappears. I guess. And he's like, oh, no, my dad's picking me up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, his dad does pick him up, sort of. Sort of. Kane pulls up in his car, which, again, I have a note. Like, I guess he learned to drive. I guess he got a car somehow. Mm -hmm. All this sort of stuff. He drives by the power of illusion. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, maybe the car's not real. 
He's just walking. <laughs> he's just <laughs> walking, but it looks like he's driving. That's right. They could not make up their mind with that shit. Why is it called the power of illusion? Why isn't it just magic? They should just say it's magic. It's just yeah. magic. Yeah. Clearly it is just magic. It's an illusion. <laughs> At uh, this point, we cut to a bar, the same pool bar where Sten is hanging out, which is why this bar must be in Manhattan, right? Sure. Because it's an after work bar. Uh, so Sten gets a call from like customs or whoever and is like, oh, like McLeod's on a flight. I guess they got the tip off. So Sten's let's like, get him. let's go, guys. And they all rush out of there. I guess Mac is wanted. They arrest him immediately. Wanted for what? Like, wh- I had that note in my I note, too. Like, what do they have now that they didn't have before? And it's clearly nothing because that's how it shakes out. But like, why now? Why not then? I guess they never caught up with him after the explosion at the okay. Japanese spiritual center. Because Stan followed him there. Doesn't see him leave. There's a massive explosion. Okay, that makes sense. Like, so it's like, now we got to question you about we, this we, shit. You're, he's definitely wanted for questioning. Okay, right. that's that checks out. That's fine. Yeah. Okay, so Mac and Alex, the convenience of this is mind-boggling. Arrived minutes after John. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. So this flight had been booked from Marrakesh. Surprisingly, Mac is able to leave this bar instantly, hop on a plane, and get to New York the mm-hmm. same time John arrives. Yep. But whatever. We um, need a really long illusion. layover. But then we, we do yeah. get kind of confirmation of the buzz here because Mac is like, I can feel his presence. Right. right. No noise. No noise. But he can feel it. Fun. He can feel it. So who knows when he feels feels it before or not. So he sees Kane up on like a balcony. And Transform into him. Right. I like the way this is shot. It's like not with special effects, which I like. It's yeah. like he just walks behind a pole. And when he comes out the other side, he's McLeod. It's like, great. And so he goes and meets John. Yeah. So he walks off with John. I like the emotion in the scene. Like Mac fucking flips. Like when he gets through customs, he's like jumping over fucking luggage racks and shit. And he's like, John, John. He's screaming and. He also he gets to the door. cuts in line several times. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he keeps cutting in line, which I liked as well. I thought this yeah. was all well done. No, and like people like there's like, good tension to the scene. Yeah. Like you can see Max's frustration as he keeps cutting in line, which is good. It's like ah, I can't wait. I'll get in front of you. I'll get in front of you. Christopher Lambert looked like he was wearing eyeshadow in this scene. Did today. he really? Yeah. <laughs> it's like he had some makeup on. It just reflects the darkness of his soul. That's right. So then Kane leads John into his car. And he's like, oh, what happened to the Porsche? And he gets in, and now he's Mary Van Peebles again. That's yeah. right. And he's like, huh? John goes, where's the Porsche? So John has been to New York where the Porsche is held and driven it? Or does Connor just regaled him with stories about his Porsche that he knows <laughs> when he picks him up, it'll be a Porsche? Not sure. Yeah. Unclear. But just a wrinkle in the, like, why is there a picture of John on his thing? It's like, maybe they did were there for us at some a point. Time. A time. Maybe. Right. Maybe. So anyway, he gets Maybe in. the cigars aren't a decade old. Maybe they're just like six years old. Yeah. They're still shit. <laughs> it's not even in a humidor. It's just like in a box. Yeah. I feel like Kane's like, Porsche, you little brat. Yeah. <laughs> Get in the car. <laughs> yeah. uh, so what does Kane say after that? I'm your daddy's friend. <laughs> I'm a friend of yours. Oh, that's it. Daddy. daddy. <laughs> Him like saying daddy's pretty daddy. good. Daddy. He, she says multiple times in this movie. Yeah. Daddy. Daddy. <laughs> Daddy. So then we get an amazing cut, and I think we should play this clip. Sure. So now we cut to the police station, and Mac is getting interrogated, and this Mac fucking... Gets, Mac comes out and gets arrested immediately. Right. And so we get this smash cut, and this interrogation, like, it's so intense the way it cuts to this. It's awesome. Here we go, guys. He's got my son. What son, Nash? There's nothing in your file but a son. You're a liar, Nash. You're a fucking liar. Nash, what son? <laughs> it's so intense and yeah. awesome. You're a liar, Nash. And You're like, a fucking liar. 
and, and he it's like, not Sten for some reason. Yeah, not yet. Two other guys, and he just looks sad, and they're just fingers like getting <laughs> yeah. pointed in his face. Meanwhile, we are getting treated to <sighs> the this... worst callback to the first movie, and sort of the second movie. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's a callback to all the movies. It's a real showstopper. Literally, this is insane. I was like, what the. F- so Kane decides he's gonna go on like a rampage joyride thing, like the Kurgan does with Brenda, but also just he's supplement. Even, he's even it. driving like maybe the same car. Maybe oh. it's like ridiculously similar in every yeah. way. And then supplementing it with his power of illusion. Which does that cut down on the danger of this to, to you? No. Oh, okay. Well, because like they bar- the first thing they do is barrel towards an oncoming plane, and yeah. John's like, "It's a plane!" And then the plane just vaporizes. It's like, oh, I guess really no no threat. It wasn't really there in the first place. But or then he's was also it? slamming into real walls? Like the car is right. Well, in those up. instances, sure, there's real danger. And but then like, they repeat exactly the driving toward a truck thing uh-huh. Boy, that's also an illusion although not an illusion that the car catches on fire because like after it's on fire it's like oh is this an illusion but then it's all like smoky and burn up later i was like is the fire real i, just... I never know it's so all over the place at one point he removes the steering wheel from <laughs> it's like housing and hands it to john and is like here you drive it's power pollution. and he's oh then there's, Guys, there's more like expecting the power of illusion yeah. there's like more punny thing he's like oh remember to keep your eye on the road and he like kicks the door out and shoves john's face like to the concrete he also gives him the middle finger that's my favorite part about it at one point he screams like fuck you and he's giving the finger to the snow like he's it's just out to the out to the world and then he turns around and he's blasting john with the finger just the idea of the villain of this movie giving a child the finger being like you fucker as he screams is great like this is what this guy has to do at this time (laughs) give the finger to children (laughs) meanwhile the interrogation of mac continues and then sten decides he wants a piece of also, there's nothing in your file about a son. It's like, right. what file yeah. is this? <laughs> You're a fucking liar. Yeah, have they been, keep, also, have they been he, keeping a continuous file on Mac for 10 years? His yeah. children? Yeah. Or lack thereof. So then Sten goes in, and rather than really showing anything related to that interrogation, they show those same two guys who were yelling at him going, well, I guess we got nothing on him. We right. yeah. him. Like, we have nothing on him. <laughs> we gotta let him go. It's like, you were singing a very different story a few seconds ago. Yeah. Well, so you could probably hold him for three days. Probably. I they have know. enough to get a warrant, right, to search his house for sure. Also, by the way, he came back with a bag that has a sword, sword in, in it. it. That's something there, right? Oh, yeah. You're definitely getting a warrant. You could probably arrest him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this guy who was around with all the beheadings recently and eight years ago came back into town with his sword. With his sword. Did they yeah. give him his sword back when he leaves? Did, yeah, who I has the sword? Checked or, baggage, or does yeah. Deborah have it? Deborah Unger. Oh, maybe Deborah she must has be it. holding on to that shit. Where is she She's during all this? <laughs> She's the sword mule. Yeah, <laughs> she put it up her butt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we can't charge him. I guess we gotta let the fucker go. Is the quote? Yeah, I'm out here on the 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 joyride here. At this point in the movie, I had noticed like this joyride is during the day. The amount of this movie that is during the day is surprising. It's I think all of, it's, it's all, all of the and day. I don't know if that's a budget thing. It's like well, it's cheaper to shoot at fucking two in the afternoon than it is at you know seven o'clock at night and have to actually light a scene. Like this is a pretty bright movie. Like I don't know how much lighting is actually going on, at least in these outdoor scenes. 
fans. Probably none because they're outdoors. They don't get what made their first movie good still. Right. Like the Kurgan scene is well shot. It's not this goofy. It's like no. to a degree legitimately scary. Sure. And, and it's kind of goofy, but not this goofy. He's yeah. he's certainly like ham like he's getting a little silly in there. But also like this is Brenda's reaction is like that of fear. And it's not like played for like in this it's being played for laughs. Laughs for sure. You don't really feel for the kid that much. At least I didn't. Like I don't think the, the Kurgan scene is played for laughs at all. Like yeah. it's that he's maniacal and crazy and right. definitely being goofy and kind of funny, but like it's not a funny scene. And it's the same with Katana in Highlander 2 with the train thing. Like, that's showing you how, like, crazy he is. And, like... Are we praising that scene? Because <laughs> no. I'm, not, I'm not... If so, I'm not signing on to that no, scene. No. no, I'm not praising it. I'm just saying, like... But both, that's also played for both laughs. Both sequel scenes don't understand... Like, they're both mimicking this Kurgan scene. But they're not getting the... But they're What wrong. made it right. Yeah. yeah. So about this dark time, like dark time, nighttime thing, it's like, I think the nighttime thing adds to the danger, too. Like, I feel less threatened during the day. Like most people. Like, this driving during the day thing is, like, just not as scary as it would be at night. And the whole movie's that way. Also, I was trying to go back and think, like, Highlander 1 almost takes place exclusively at night. Almost Almost all the daytime stuff is in Scotland in the past when it's bright and shiny and it's okay. It's the youth of my life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and ex- the only things I can really think of is like he meets Castagir. He meets Castagir. He goes to the zoo with Brenda and at the very end of the movie he's in Scotland. And of course that makes sense that that's during the daytime. But it's like it's literally three of the happy moments of the movie take place during the day. Meeting his mm. buddy Castagir, going on a date with Brenda, the love of his recent life, and when the whole thing's over and it's a happy ending. Like that's the daytime stuff. Everything else is nice. See? Yeah. It's like well, most of the Scotland stuff is during the day. But like I said, that's because that's like when oh, he's right. a, a kid, essentially, right, right. and he's also in love. Then, like he he is Heather back then. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's definitely associated with like happy times. Right. This is a fucking maniac death race, and it's during is the it day. A death race two thousand. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Casanova Frankenstein. So anyway, that's what I have to say about this. It's fucking nutso. Yeah, it took me right out of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like right out. I mean, I wasn't that far in, but um, all yeah. the way out. Yeah. Kane speeds away and he's like, your daddy can save you now. And then we get another copy of a scene from Highlander 1 where there's a voicemail on Mac's phone where Kane leaves a message saying like, hey, I got your kid or whatever. Come meet me here. At the church. Take me to church. The old mission. So then more insane dialogue. Well, first, Mac gives Alex his ring. Right. Which, Which is the ring the she gave. Ring. Right. The Sarah ring. Sour ring. Sour ring. The sour ring. Sour ring. He gives it back to her. And then they kiss in the love theme place. Then we cut to this mission and Mac makes a real hero's entrance in a cab. Like a cab pulls yeah, up and yeah. he just like gets out. It's like, all right, here <laughs> I am. It's like, why even show that? Like, why, why show the hero the drive up in a cab? Like, why does he take the Porsche? Yeah. <sighs> what happened to the Porsche? Maybe it got exploded. When? In the... Japanese cultural center. Yeah, but he had to drive it. home. Or maybe he took the subway home. Yeah, that's it. Eat fresh. So he gets in. Oh, maybe he couldn't take he it home because is... he went out the back of the Japanese spiritual center. Because oh, Sten's out front watching the car. Ooh. So maybe he has abandoned the car. I'll awesome. go with that. So then Kane <laughs> is inside smoking a, one of Mac's cigars. One of his dank six-year-old cigars. He's with John. Or is I he... don't know. I don't know. No, he uses the power of illusion. No, but he also has the the power to make pe- things disappear. I don't know if John's really there and he teleports him diff- somewhere else. I I legitimately am not sure. Yeah, I'm not if sure he's because he apparently has the power to teleport himself. So yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. I don't know if this is really John. Whatever. Who knows? <laughs> Game's yeah. like I'm fucking done. <laughs> 
there's like not even a reason to think about things like that anymore. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> this movie, they're gonna this, do whatever they oh, want. Oh, this is very meta. Like this movie has made you stop caring about life. Yeah, you're taking Max Journey. That's right. And I don't care anymore about the power of illusion. It's been <laughs> you need, shattered. You need, you need to respect it. I know. <laughs> you must respect it. Now they say I'm the master of illusion, which no one says that because no one knew it. Yeah. <laughs> no one knew that because once you got it, you were trapped in a cave. For 400 right, years. For 400 years. Right. So the first person to discover that you have this power is Duncan McLeod. Or is Connor McLeod. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, but you're the master of deception. How did you convince all those women <laughs> that it was them who couldn't bear children when it was your little pecker that couldn't do the pecking? Yeah. Good and it's job. like, what <laughs> the fuck is this dialogue? Yeah. What is this theory he has that Mac has been lying to everybody? Yeah. What is this theory? What is this about? Why would he say that? Uh. So, yeah, this is an insane bit of dialogue. Well, like, he's just, like, positing this weird theory that McLeod goes around convincing these women that they should be able to have children when he knows they can't. Yeah. Because I think the idea is that no one would want to be with you if you couldn't have children. Is that the idea? Like, why would the women stick with you? I don't know. If they couldn't uh, have kids that, with you. Is that what he's saying? Maybe. So the only way Matt could get them to stay with him is if he was like, well, it's actually you and I've chosen to stay with you. I don't know. But why That's my he, guess. Why is he saying any of this? About this man he doesn't know. It's also yeah. a thing. This like, I can't have kids thing is not a thing that's part of the movie at all. Because he has a kid. He adopted the kid. Right. For the second time. This is the second kid we know Connor McCloud has adopted. Sure. But like this movie is not like uh, reiterated the rules. Like this movie is not called out like, remember, you can't have children. Like this is bring this and is that's calling that out. you great distress. Right. This is reasons. calling that out for a reason that I don't know. Like yeah. it's not a theme yeah. in the movie. So who cares? Your little pecker that couldn't do the pecking. So it's like, where's John? Follow me. And then he like and he disappears, disappears into, into Jesus. <laughs> into Jesus. And then McLeod like goes out the back of this church and there's a fucking petrochemical pl- plant. Yeah. Like he fucking it. he goes to he Axis goes, Chemicals. Goes, that's what I called it too. He goes to Axis Chemicals. And the Batmobile drives by him. It shoots the garage door with machine guns mm-hmm. and then drops those little pellets that kill everyone. <laughs> Skadoosh. All right. So Mac then follows him to nondescript warehouse he plays. That's it's, you know, whatever. It's like Termi- yeah. this is like Terminator Two, where we are. It here. is like Terminator Two. Go, 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 go. And Kane has some T one thousand s qualities. He does. He does. Holy, Holy shit! shit. <laughs> yeah. This is Terminator Two, <laughs> which came so, out what in ninety two? So, I think so. Yeah. 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 So somehow a ceiling fan gets thrown at McCloud. He right. throws a literal buzzsaw at him. Yeah. Like commando style. Or is it? Does he illusion it at him? Does he illusion at him? Or theory three. He quickening Cut Man, Mega Man style. <laughs> That's right. the most likely. Also, is Mega Man an immortal? Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then at some point, Mac sees Alex there. Yeah. It's which... like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I thought I could help. And it's like, all right. Okay. And then so the then floor he... gives out. Right. So again, this power of illusion thing called into question. It's like he's walking on it. Like this is not. Was it never there? Right. So this is, is that I... he's making it disappear, I guess. So Mac then lunges forward. He's holding on for dear life. There are now also big circular fans spinning below him. And Alex, spoiler alert, is Kane, decides to help him up. I don't know. It seems like it's a death trap below. Push yeah. him off. Like, <laughs> I don't understand why she helps, why Kane helps him up. Because he wants the satisfaction. Sure. I guess. I guess. Oh, that just cut off his head. Yeah. While he's hanging there. Yeah. Right. Or cut off his hand. So he helps him up. 
they go to walk away, and then I guess Mac is wise to this whole thing and like grabs her back and stabs, stabs her, her through the gut. How does he know? Mm. Like this is this is one of those instances where I this is perfect fodder the- for the callback to the sweat in the yeah in like. There needs to be some clue for Mac to be like, uh-oh, this isn't what I think it is. Like, like he could have looked at her finger and she wasn't wearing the ring. Or like, oh, oh, that's it. That's it. Good. That's it. Something. That's, that's it. Good. That's it. Yeah. Holy shit. Because how would he know? How would he know? It's the right. ring. God damn it. In the script, it's because she calls him Connor and he didn't tell her, her his first name. Wait, is that true? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's so dumb. Also, they don't have sex in the script. That's probably for the best. That's yeah. dumb too. They should That's really get dumb. D- <laughs> they should definitely have sex in the most graphic way possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it's what it says in the script. <laughs> it just they says, fuck very it's graphically. really disgusting. disgusting. It's gross and he raw dogs her. Is what it says in the script. Lambert sucks her nipple. <laughs> so anyway, he stabs her. I'll I show actually you my Lord of Thunder. I oh boy. I actually kind of like this like her the voice kind of morphs yeah, yeah into like his creepy voice he gets You're she gets like the black metal yeah. yeah i think this is kind of cool i'm like all right sure it looks better than other stuff in the movie <laughs> it looks better than other stuff in the movie that's the level we're at with this <laughs> so he removes the sword and now has a two sword scheme yeah which doesn't result in anything really. Well, because Mac, Mac gets the ultimate Highlander weapon, a pipe. A pipe. That's As right. the music fucking kicks into action. Mm-hmm. It's for some not queen metal. Right. <sighs> so we get Pipe Man Forever here, I guess. Mm-hmm. This is the third one. Yeah, Pipe Man Forever. Yeah, and all right. Yeah, this is definitely the Batman Forever of this franchise. <laughs> sure. So. Uh, Mac gets turned down some stairs, like a lot of stairs, so that hurts. He gets his sword back somehow at some point. Yeah, he hits the sword with the pipe and it knocks it out of Kane's hands. And then Mac jumps down to retrieve it, I guess. Yeah. And at this point, then, Kane has disappeared, so we're snooping around again. Kane delivers a very puzzling one-liner. When he gets both swords, he's like, I can't kill an unarmed man. And he goes to hand him the sword, and he goes, but then again, life isn't fair. Okay. What? Yeah. Huh? Uh. Huh? <laughs> Those two thoughts really aren't related. Also, do you think it's weird that he goes to hand him his own sword and not? Yeah, he, hand, he, he hands, hands him, him the King's black sword. Sword, yeah. That's so I'm weird. just like, what? You don't want oh, yeah. your sword? Like, seems like a mistake, right? I don't know. Some script did. supervisor didn't pick up on that. Yeah. <laughs> All like, right, so then we get the oh, the ultimate, the ultimate part, the ultimate illusion, fucking, yeah. <laughs> ultimate <laughs> illusion, where Kane fucking charges at Mac out of nowhere. Mac spins around and cuts Kane. In half. In a, a Twix, as it were. And his legs keep running. Yeah. And he uses his arms to, like, suspend himself on, like, the railings of Axis Chemicals. I didn't notice this. Is he still holding his sword in his hands when he, like, shimmies down no. the railing? Where's his sword? Uh. That's a good... That's I a thought good, he was. No, he, I, or, I don't think so, because he's got the railing. Well, he's obviously not doing it, so... Right. <laughs> yeah. So they probably cut... That's, he doesn't. The, that's the real answer. Right. He's not actually doing it, so I have no problem believing that His he sword can magically is illusioned away. Yeah. They can magically hold the sword. So is he just making his legs invisible, or... <laughs> what's, we need to, keep, what's we need the to illusion? stop pretending that it's just illusion. Yeah. Oh, no. It's like he has power over space and time. He does. <laughs> well, he does. He can teleport. What else is that but power over space and time yeah it's he's like exactly a fucking god not that good of a god though yeah. also he forgets he's magic this thing that we just described is the last time he will use magic so this you cut me in half thing is the last time we'll be like oh i'm still just gonna try to fight you normal though right so also another little interesting I'm tidbit try 
to fight you normal. Gabriel Piton. Yeah, Gabriel Piton, the zone. Uh, the zone cocon. Gabriel Cocon or Cocon, I don't know, whatever. The kid, the kid who plays John, right? Mm-hmm. There was an entire scene that was also filmed where Kane turns into John. Ooh. And him and Mac have a little, you know, hey, Dad, it's me. Oh, it's you, John. Hug, hug, hug. And then he fucking attacks him with a knife, and Connor has to throw his son against the wall like a great like oh he picks God. him up and he chucks him across the room. That I was wish cut. That scene was still in. That was cut. That was filmed and cut. That's Amazing. prime gif material. <laughs> that is Mac, Mac <laughs> throwing <laughs> a, a child. Yeah. <laughs> the hero of the movie. They get to like this weird like platform in the plant. It's like a kind of a big open area. Yeah. And it's just like a really kind of boring, sped up, weird fight. The choreography here is Mac is doing the same move. Over, like there's almost no choreography. Like Mac is doing like a right to left slash over and over and over again. The camera keeps changing angles, but Mac is just doing this. It's like, I guess you guys ran out of choreography or time or what? It's odd. It's really boring. Really yeah. boring. For most of it, they're in such a confined space that they can't even really move or do yeah. that many interesting things. Like Highlander 1, you're in front of the silver cup sign, and then you're in this awesome big dark room with these crazy windows. And even in Highlander 2, which isn't that great, you're in this like kind of cool like roof with a big laser beam shooting up into the sky. And in this, you're just in like, you're on top of a grate in like <laughs> a room. It's not iconic. The way the Silver Cup scene is iconic. Them silhouetted against those blue windows is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Like this. Forget it. Not to compare it, because the TV show I think is great, but like this is a setting for a TV show fight where it's like, where do they fight? I don't know, a warehouse? You know what I mean? Like, what can we get this week? A chateau? A warehouse? It's like, whatever. They couldn't scout anything better than this? I don't know. Well, it's like Kyle said, they're like cramped in there. Like they can't right. really like move around or Which, anything. It's cool for like a couple seconds, but right. once you do those couple seconds, it's like, all right. Yeah. But this, this fight needs to move those, out of here yeah, somewhere else. When Kane's else. swinging those two swords, that's kind of cool. Sure. But then that's done. And, you know, I've had enough of them on a catwalk. Yeah. Because right. we get more of the same. And it's just like there's a portion where Mac is just punching Kane in the face a bunch of times. There's even a POV of Kane getting punched, punched in the in face. The face. Yeah. <laughs> Just good. Like you see his which head is, real back. Which is we- which is weird. It's weird. Yeah, it is. It's and like does, whoa. Does he even use his move to beat? He Kane? Just, no. He used his move to beat Kane's goon. Yeah. Which seems like a strange deployment of the super secret move. Right. That's like the culmination of his training. Was that move. was that move? And, and he used it to beat goon number one. Right. Yeah. They do that rehash of the line. Kane says, "I'll see you in hell." Well, because Max slashes him twice across the back, which yeah. I guess hurts a lot more than getting cut in half. Yeah. Yeah. Like, getting cut in half didn't seem to do anything. Kane laughed it off. But he gets cut twice in the back and is like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I don't know. But he's like, I'll see you in hell. And he's and I'm like sitting there going, like, is this like a sword is the gate to heaven or hell thing? I don't know. Oh, yeah. And then McCloud goes, I'll be the judge of that. Which is like the callback of the holy ground right i guess for reasons you'll be the judge of whether you see him in hell does that posit a world in which mac might be in hell but, <laughs> but he he won't see him but he chooses yeah. but he's to like, live in I'm a different section a, of hell i'm still a free you. man yeah. i will not see you here so mac just wins <laughs> he chops his head off kane's head does not speak after he's been beheaded luckily, yeah. luckily. also this head for once doesn't catapult off it just kind of goes <laughs> it, 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 it like spins oh, yeah. around like a little top it, it does like top. bounce it just, away it goes like, 
when he falls, it bounces. So then we get this quickening, this Axis Chemicals quickening. Yeah. So everything explodes, killing John in the process. Like, John at some point will appear from somewhere that didn't explode, I guess. Yeah. Did anyone note the music in this section? Well, it's like a weird opera type thingy. Well, there's like, well, there's like electric guitar. Listeners, tell me if I'm wrong on this. Maybe I'll put it under on the track here. To me, this sounds like Dune, hardcore. This is like Toto Dune. Kind of really dramatic over the top, but it's like got like a rock element to it. We'll have to do a comparison on Facebook or whatever, but this and the Dune music are very similar. And in both instances, like you can really hear the drums echoing at night. Yeah. Looking for some old forgotten words or, I don't know, maybe an ancient melody? I'm not sure of that. <laughs> McCloud just kind of floats up and there's no big demon or like head zoom in or because he got that when he didn't win the prize yeah Yeah. he got the dragon monster thing when he didn't win so what's mac mac is wins the prize again (laughs) right here right for real this time presumably so what does he get winning the prize is he mortal now i don't know (laughs) also is it ever really called out that that's actually the prize this one or the first ever like he kind of says it in the first movie as in he's voiceover. like i know everything he didn't know everything because he didn't know he wasn't the last one right i know everything i am everything it's like so then he has a little reunion with his stupid son <laughs> yeah john just walks down these steps he skateboards dead like, with his hat on backwards on ground yeah <laughs> no question no questions asked by john he's like dad oh it's wait like- his dad, like, face down on a grate next to a headless corpse. <laughs> After his son was kidnapped by a maniac. Yeah. No questions. Yeah. Just, Dad? Dad? Why did the whole earth explode? So, the denouement of this movie. This is it, guys. This we made it. it, boys. We cut to Scotland. Mac is in his trench coat, climbing a hill. And so we get some voiceover of Heather saying, will you do something for me, Connor, in the years to come? Will you light a candle and remember me on my birthday? Voiced by someone that's not B.D. Edney. This is like a new person. Boo. (laughs) So he's next to like his McLeod sword. He lights a little candle. It's all rusted. I kind of like this. Oh, I love that. on like going back to Scotland and on the swords is like very nice. That's like a good bit of content. I like all the like, because even even with his castle is like grown over. Like they have like maybe a matte painting of it or something. And it's like covered in moss now like showing the transformation of his homeland from the past to the present is awesome yes like buried tools rusty sword all good stuff rusty sword so max says there is a fresh breeze blowing off the lock the glen is snowy and cold it's the most glorious sight on earth i couldn't tell if he says i felt or found uh, a place on earth to match it in 400 years i've not found a place to match it there we go is what he says i'm back now with a woman i love a son I've taken as my own. I'm at peace. It's finally over. Which is, <laughs> which is what he's saying place. to the audience. It's finally, finally over. over. Yeah. yeah. And so they're driving a car. Alex is riding with them. John's they in the back swerve. seat. They swerve. They fucking drive on the wrong side of the... Do you notice that? No, I was going to... At one point, they like randomly change lanes. I'm like, what is Matt doing here? Like, swerving all over the no road. No wonder Brendan got <laughs> crashed. I'm okay to drive, Brenda. I'm okay. I'm just going to have one more Glamour Angie, and then we're going to get going. (laughs) So, like, the the McLeod sword hilt is, like, in the foreground, and then... It gets hit by lightning? Yeah. For coolness reasons? For coolness reasons. For coolness reasons, right? It's it's just an image. This is to insinuate that it's not really over. Is Do you think that's what this is? Absolutely. I don't. Why? I think this is, like, it's a cool image style thing. I also think that if this was if this like i wouldn't have questioned an image like that in highlander one like this is 
pure Russell McKay style. Like, wouldn't it be cool? Like, just an image of the sword getting hit by lightning is neat. So, but I, I don't know. I think that is what I thought when think. I saw it. But thinking back on it in the context that when the quickening happens before, mm-hmm. the clouds, like, all of a sudden lightning ripples through a clear sky, and McCloud knows it's not over because of the lightning. Like, lets him know that it's ah, not over. Right. So I think in that context, well, I think that that's actually a fair point. Yeah. So well, and I just think the- because he says it's all over, and then the lightning strikes. To me, that's like a thing where like, that's like at the end of Super Mario Brothers. The movie, oh boy, where it's like, oh, everything's all right. And this is the movie you're referencing. Toadstool like burst in. It's like, wait a minute, it's not over yet. And then that sequel never. You came. might be good, right. Good, good, good work pulling that one off. <laughs> yeah. So I like in this the end of this movie is Matt going, it's finally over. And then the thing we don't see is literally two seconds later, Matt go. God damn it. Son of a bitch. man. And then he swerves and crashes the car, and Alex and John both die, and then it starts all over again. That's an interesting way to look at the end of this movie. Mm -hmm. You could. That's 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 well, interesting. There's another cave down the street full of, <laughs> yeah. full of immortals that recently were uncovered by a drilling outfit. So now we we can talk about this music that's playing. This is like the end of the Matrix. Like <laughs> only that's yeah. Rage Against the Machine, <laughs> right? And this is not the guy took a picture song or whatever. Yeah, I have in my notes. It sounds like an Incubus knockoff. That is what it sounds like. <laughs> but they're credited at the very end after all the rest of the credits. There's a section that has all the other songs. And then it's a song by, right? And this is the last one. God took a picture by Suze DeMarchi and Nuno Betancourt. Right. And I believe that's because because of the two cuts of this movie. One version had Bonnie Portmore play over the credits. Uh. And one had this song. So I think they still needed to be credited in the movie. So I think that's why there's that extra credit at the end. That's my guess. Eamon and I saw the version that has the metal at the end. Right. And apparently there's another version where when Kane and Connor are fighting, a song by Curb Dog plays instead of whatever we got, which sounded like an instrumental version of... Uh, Dr. Feelgood or whatever? Dr. Feelgood. Right. Also, we should mention that the director, Andrew, worked with Guns N' Roses and wanted Guns N' Roses to be like the exclusive band on this movie. And that did not work. Oh, well, that man. would have been an interesting parallel because, like, Queen is the exclusive band of the other one. Yeah. And then you have Slash. Right. What do swords do? <laughs> <laughs> swords. What are they for? Slashing. So did anyone notice, that, like, listen to the lyrics to the song or anything like that? No. This song is written for the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. So the lyrics are, still I'm living the objective of my decisions, living history, the intention of bad delivery. So it saved me, life is endless, soul to soul, generations. And then there's all the God took a picture of me, God took a picture and blew me away, 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 away. Then the other verse is, like a baby, do you think I'm kind of human? Wouldn't dream it if I master eternal living. And uh, this, that's it, that's the, it. The there's like two verses. The song sound like they were created by Google Translate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I'm just like, all right. <laughs> also, we should talk about the original script in the end of the movie and how that drastically differs. Yeah, so the original movie script ends quite differently than this movie does. It, it, the, the final culmination is at the museum, right. not at Axis Chemicals. Which is good at least that it's a location we've seen before, theoretically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brenda's... Brenda. Uh, <laughs> you look pretty, Brenda. Alex is trapped in some, like, Batman villain-esque, <laughs> like, trap where, like, a candle is melting a rope that's holding a weight... 
And if the weight falls, a crossbow will fire a bolt into her chest. Which will then cause a a grand piano to fall on her head (laughs) and be covered in gasoline and lit on fire. And then that mouse will be trapped. (laughs) The mouser. The mouser, yeah. Bedso is involved. Well, Mac is about to die, I think. Like, Mac is going to lose, and Bedso busts in and shoots Kane, or in this, what's it, Kill... Kilvara. Kilvara. He shoots him. He, like, plugs him twice, goes to help Mac, and then Mac is like, it's not over or whatever. He's not dead. And Kane instantly gets back up and grabs Bedso and, like, throws him against the wall, like, breaking his bones or something. Then Mac, I guess they finish the fight. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Connor explains what happens to Bedso, and Bedso lets him go at the end. Like, that's the big payoff. It's like, Bedso's like, you can go. Well, Bedso sees Kilvara kill a cop, and he sees a video of Kilvara being immortal. Oh, right, yes. So then he, like, robs right. he, he robs a bank. He robs a bank. Yeah. Also Using explaining the power our question. Of illusion. Uh, answering our question, like, how does he get all this shit? How does he get from yeah. here to there? He robs right. a bank. So then Bedso's like, I know you know something about this, and then he sees that Connor, like, saves him and all this shit and yeah lets him go so he knows like Bitso kind of knows right there's something going on and then but then the movie ends abruptly like yeah it's a crime scene and brenda no whatever her name is mac and love interest hold hands and walk away Christ. right and Bitso's like literally let him go yeah and that's it so do we like this movie better than the script what do we think no how they compare the script makes sense at least like it has a script makes more sense. An, I an internal logic and things happen and the results make sense. What my first reading of the, the script was like I was like, this is definitely better. But then I like molded over and I think it still feels like very first drafty. It's drafty in here, guys. Uh, yeah. Very first drafty in here. I think it does you're right. It makes more sense than the the final movie. Like there's right. there's seemingly reasons behind people's actions. But I still don't think it's that hot. It has a vision. This movie doesn't have a vision of what's happening. Sure. Yeah, it's just like... Boop, boop, it kind of mills boop. aimlessly from scene to scene, and then it ends. Yeah. Let's talk about some stuff. Uh, my very first note is, what did Mac learn in this movie? Like, what is Mac's arc? He learned how to make a Japanese sword. He learned to respect the power of illusion. He learned to suckle upon more titties. He already knew that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He was already an expert. He won the game, after all. <laughs> Nothing? Nothing. The answer's nothing. <laughs> the answer's nothing. Yeah. There's no character development. He didn't respect the power of illusion. <laughs> <laughs> In the first movie, he learned to love. Like, that's the arc, right? Yeah. That's what the movie's about. He, like, opened up with Brenda. With Brenda. Because presumably you get the impression he hasn't loved again. Also, maybe that's something this movie contradicts. Like he clearly has loved he again. He clearly has loved again. And again and again and again. And again. <laughs> oh yeah, baby. Yeah. Answer, he learns nothing. Right. Other answer. Things in this movie that don't need to be there. The kid. <laughs> the, the power kid. of illusion. The police. The Kane's goons. The hospital scene. The robbery. <laughs> How much <laughs> of this movie needs to be here? Like if you took out like the extraneous shit from this movie, this movie would be ten minutes long. Yeah. This could be in our dreams. This would be a novella, <laughs> a short film. About Connor making a sword and killing some asleep wizard guy. Like, so much of this movie just feels extraneous and like you're filling time. There's not like really a cool action scene in this movie that like stands out in my brain. No. I'm not like, wow, that part. That part was awesome. Like in Highlander, there are a few. There's like, a bunch. You can pull out the training montage, you can pull out the Silver Cup fight. Yeah. The car chase, those are all cool. Like for an action movie, I can't think of like a big 
fun set piece. Even Highlander 2, it had like the elevator thing and the like the flying machine sure. thing. Something and the walk unique. out of the fire. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Walk out That's of the awesome. Like a big movie moment. What was this movie's movie moment? The movie moment is him forging a sword. Yeah. But that's like undercut by the fact that half of that montage is from the first movie. And then it's like all kind of just rehashed. Yeah, it could be like an Enya music video. <laughs> oh, it could be. It could be. <laughs> I like the shot where the, the goon guard gets super shreddered. I don't like that. Eh. It's a good shot. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a shrug. Uh, so this, that's, I, that's that's a good way to describe this movie. It's a shrug. It's a shrug. All right. I have a question for you guys, which we actually have not really talked about yet. And I think it's crucial that we spend definitely a little time on it. What is the final dimension? Let's make this work. A less coherent name than the sorcerer or the wizard or the magician. It's definitely like what is the final mean. dimension in this movie? Magic is magic a different dimension. Does Kane exist on a different plane of reality than the regular characters? I'm being serious in a way. Like maybe if we're going to argue the timeline of like when Mac arrives home after the fight, let's talk about how this dimension works. Or does he enter the final dimension when he actually wins the game for real? But we don't know what that is. Yeah. We don't know what, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, we don't know what any don't. of this shit is. <laughs> we don't know what dimension we're in before we hit the final one, so why not? I mean, is the final dimension a reference to Highlander 2 somehow? <sighs> and, like, we're back to the real world of Connor McLeod. I don't know. What's it like? Being taken <laughs> all right, let's talk about this. Yeah, all right, let's talk, let's, let's talk about this. So on the Blu-ray special features, there's, there's a, a weird interview with Christopher Lambert. On, like, a press junket. But did it have, like, like degradation? This is, for, this is clearly from a tape yeah. that has been acquired. And, and they didn't clean it up. Well, I don't think they can. I think it's v- damaged. VHSs, you really can't. Yeah, that well. like this I is a shot to video thing. I wouldn't put it on. That's like I'm like. Oh, I, I think I was so excited to see this. Yeah. I was like, I've never seen this before. It's like an interview, and somebody's just spitting a questions. Very bored sounding line producer. Yeah, He's right. Like, like Lambert's in his hotel room. They both look doing like eight hours of this. Extremely stuff. bored, mm-hmm. <laughs> answering the same questions over yeah. and over. But the very maybe the very first question this producer asks is. What's it like being taken to a final dimension? Taking this character to the final dimension. <laughs> and and really was just like, what? It's <laughs> like, I, I never really, really thought about, about it. it. I don't know. I've never really. Stupid. Well, first of all, because it wasn't the name of the movie when he was shooting. It, probably. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So he might not have even had a clue what he was talking yeah. about. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. What's yeah. the name of the movie, Chris? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> what? Also, what is Christopher Lambert's opinion of this movie when he was shooting it? Oh, he said. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> From similar special features on another one of these special features he's like in his scottish duncan outfit (laughs) and he just says i don't want to say it's a great movie it's this or it's that i just want to say they won't be disappointed with this one (laughs) this one so he can't even commit to saying it's a good movie movie. on camera he he can just say that like i know highlander 2 is disappointed pointing but you won't be disappointed with this one i don't want to say it's a great movie it's this or it's that (laughs) this is the movie you're working on Uh uh-huh and in that other interview, he's just kind of like, and, uh, you know, I can't wait to move on and do other things. Like Mortal Kombat. Like Mortal Kombat, that legendary film. Uh, he also, in this interview, basically just says, like, I didn't want this character to die with Highlander 2. Yeah. Right. He even says, like, I didn't even know what that movie was when I signed on to it. Like, I didn't have the script. 
basically implying like I would not have signed on to that movie if I knew what it was. Well, there's there's a story that Lambert walked off this movie oh, for pay some, for, uh, over some sort of pay dispute. I don't know much more than that, but that seems to make sense. That Maybe seems to be his mo all the time. Like is that the final dimension? <laughs> his, pay, his pay grade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, based on the cover, the answer is time is the final dimension because he's getting a quickening in front of a clock. Mm-hmm. I guess. Hold reason. on. No, I guess it is. Right? The what's hold on. There's the the vertical, there's the horizontal, right? Hold on. How does this work? Time is the fourth dimension. Right. The final dimension. That's it. But this is the third movie. <laughs> but it deals with time, which is the final dimension. They all dealt with time. Yeah. Well, they can't they can't call all the movies the final dimension. Is the final dimension the fold in space and time where Kane teleports from Japan to New York? I'll stick with the final dimension is the Event fourth horizon. dimension. Is there a fifth dimension? There's like infinite dimensions, right? I don't know how this all Where works. Where does Mr. Mitzlick-Plick come from? <sighs> Good question. Where does the he come imp from? from Superman. I think all right, I'll buy the this. That dimension. the final dimension is a reference to time is the new, like a, a different dimension. Sure. I accept it fully. I what, think. What do you think the final dimension is, dear listener? Definitely. Write us. Yeah, what is the final dimension? Write us an email. And how do you get there? Also, I can't believe we didn't talk about this earlier, but the photo on the back <laughs> yeah, of this is. is basically Mac sucking on Sarah's nipple. Whoa, let me see this. Whoa, for let me see this. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's. Uh, but he's like kind of like lunging over her. He doesn't look good in this picture. Movie. Or at all. So we have some uh, Facebook comments to read about this movie. We asked, we put a call out to our fans to contribute what their thoughts were. Uh, so somebody wrote us in and says, if Connor's sword is so durable, how does it get destroyed? And does he fold it the same 400 times as the original was? If not, how is that blade strong enough to defeat Kane when the original was not? Hmm. Where's the 400 come from? Well, his original sword from Ramirez, like Ramirez was like, oh, this, this metal was like, remember he gives like the story of his sword. It's like, oh, it was folded like 400, 400 times, times or whatever. Yeah. And that's why Brenda's like, holy shit, look at this sword. Hey. So does Mac, is Mac as good a sword maker as Basamune? Yes. Apparently. He has to be. I guess so. Or it's just because of holy ground. Yeah, that blows up my theory from earlier then. All right, so we have a message from Colton D. Colton. Colton, who we, we met, met at you. the convention. Okay, I've been wanting to discuss this for years. Let's consider... Welcome to it. Yeah. Let's consider how when Duncan washed up on the shore in Japan, he was dead. Kodo rolled him over. Only then was he able to resurrect. Perhaps Kane and the other two were impeded from resurrection by being crushed by rocks. Once the excavation loosened the area they were stuck in, they were able to resurrect. Perhaps if an immortal is impeded from resurrection, the game doesn't count them in. This would also explain why Nefertiri being in a sarcophagus for a few thousand years and never being uh, never was able to bust out on her own. Hmm. Oh, that's an interesting theory. Yeah, that's good because they're technically dead, I guess, until they <gasps> right back into life. So let's let's read a couple more of these comments. So David G wrote wrote us. He says, "Is there a more tragic character in Highlander mythology than Brenda, who dies horribly twice?" <laughs> and he says, "Is the doppelganger thing with Alexandra Sarah a bridge too far?" Yes. So, yeah, we haven't really discussed, like, what are the ramifications of this, like, actress playing the same part? Well, in I the, don't think they're supposed to be any. Like, any I, connection? I don't think they're actually supposed to be connected. I think it's actually just that they resemble each other. Yeah. Do you really think they're supposed to res- I guess they are because of that painting. Like, right. if yeah. they got rid of the painting, I could just believe that, like, she is a proxy for love. Like, she represents a love interest. 
And so when he remembers the past, this is your stand. And it helps the audience along. He remembers her, not his dead wife. Right. Also, in a better movie, Mac falling in love with Sarah would help you buy into Mac falling in love with Alex. Because we're seeing him fall in love with, while not the same character, the same person. So mm-hmm. it's like you can actually cut your legwork in the present of the love story. Because we've kind of seen how they fall in love. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you can skip those steps. But that's, we don't see their, we don't really see them fall in love in the past either, do we? No. They, they do like, I don't buy into this relationship Mac has with Sarah. No, because we don't see it. All no. you see is them ride a horse and then have Fuck. a roll in the hay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the implications are, but I think we're supposed, the answer is supposed to be none. I don't think this is positing that there's reincarnation or something. In the script, she's literally a descendant of his past girlfriend. Because also in the script, that ring she has from the beginning, right? Right. Well, Connor gives it to her. And then Connor is the one who gives her the ring. Connor gives Sarah the ring. And then that is passed down. Right. That's why I was saying. Yeah, that, that was my point. Gets Alex has that ring. Like, yeah. Connor doesn't give well, Alex not a ring. Sarah, but. Yeah, this French, is getting complicated. The French person. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, David G asks us which of the 50 titles in this movie is your favorite? Not the final dimension. <laughs> well, that one makes no sense. I, <laughs> I kind of like the final conflict. Yeah. That's good. That's okay. I like the Scottish fighter. Or whatever <laughs> yeah, Scottish Scottish. fighter. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like the Chinatown knockoff action figure. Yeah, Scottish <laughs> fighter. It's called Scottish fighter. <laughs> Spader man. Spader man. It's a picture of the Hulk that says Shrek 2. <laughs> <laughs> Dragoon ball. <laughs> I think David also wrote, wrote us. Uh, he said, so some could argue adding alien, the alien aspect in Highlander 2 was far to a field of the mythology set in the first movie. Was the addition of magic slash illusion in three the same case for you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, what's this bullshit? <laughs> I also thought, what's this bullshit? But it's way easier to believe than aliens. Like, sure. Let's not compare. They're like, not apples to apples. No. No. Well, the make- magic is a puddle you step over. The... The alien thing is an impossible chasm. It is the mighty Mississippi that you must cross. This is manageable. You can at least see the other shore. Yeah, well, they they turn a fantasy movie into a science fiction movie in Highlander 2. I mean, adding more magic to an already magical premise is less egregious. Yeah, like, I don't think it's good, but it's I'm not in favor of it, and I think there's a better way to do it than this. Specifically, like, define it in some way. Yeah. Like, I, I think having someone who has, like, can play a little mind tricks, like, not turn into a bird. No, let's let's not do that. But somebody that can kind of screw with your head a little bit, that's maybe okay. Sure. I mean, use the power of illusion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a shadow. The shadow. So this is, like, not a great movie. No. <laughs> I'm, like, kind of let down. I was actually kind of looking forward to this. I thought I was going to enjoy it more than I did. Oh, man. What? It gave us. I just, it's just funny how yeah. sad and sad you are. I'm a little sad. I mean, I'm not that sad. I mean, this is a way better movie than Highlander 2 in that it's a completed movie. But right. in some ways, <laughs> it's a complete. <laughs> 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 like it didn't go bankrupt in the middle of it. Yeah. yeah. There's a country's but, economy collapsed. But like, it's such an unmemorable film. Like, yeah. I'll remember some of the weird shit that Mario Van Peebles does. I'll right. remember like the reforging of the sword. Sure. The rest of it, though. I don't know. In I'll, one ear and out the other. I'll remember No Glove, No Love. For all the wrong reasons. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this movie has a 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. 5%. 5%. How much does Highlander 2 have? I don't know. It's got to be more than 5%. Yeah. Or no, is Highlander 2 zero? It might be zero. Oh, my God. Let me just read a couple excerpts because other people have 
great opinions about this movie too. So film critic Stephen Holden wrote, this is from the time. This is published January 28th, 1995. A day after the movie came out. Ooh. Uh, probably got an advanced screening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just a couple excerpts. How could an action adventure film that cost $34 million, most of which uh, clearly went into pyrotechnics, computerized special effects, and scenic locations, end up looking cheap, silly, and lifeless? To find out, see Highlander the Final <laughs> Dimension. Oh, Damn. Shit. He also goes on to say, morphing is no substitute for acting. And Highlander <laughs> The Final Dimension has performances that are one-dimensional, <laughs> even by the undemanding standards of the genre. The discrepancy between Mr. Lambert's heroic posturing and his voice, which sounds like a meek hybrid of Vincent Price and Peter Laurie, <laughs> have, never been, have never been more glaring. Mr. Van Peebles' uh, Vegeta? Mr. Van Peebles' <laughs> villain suggests 9, Attila the Hun as imagined by Alice Cooper. He wears a nose ring and has lips and teeth stained with what looks like runny black mascara. <laughs> so I thought we also might read what some fans like about this movie. We can Ooh. take a look at some Amazon reviews. Uh-oh. Highlander 3 is my favorite of the four movies. Wow. Ordered it on my Amazon 7-inch tablet. Thank you. Aren't five there, stars. Aren't there five movies? There are. Well, I guess maybe when this was written, nope. This was written this year. Okay. This is their favorite of them. They're wrong. They <laughs> no, are they're wrong. not wrong about that they're, it's their favorite, but they are wrong. <laughs> this is another great one. Loved collecting all the Highlander movies. <laughs> Five stars. They don't love the movies. They just love collecting, collecting them. them. <laughs> this is good if you like Highlander. Five stars. <laughs> Wait, it's just good if you like Highlander? Yeah. Is good the standard for five stars? I guess. <laughs> Shouldn't it be great? Like the Frosted Flakes I enjoy? Tony tells me this. I don't really like this movie, but I'm one of those freaks that just ha just has to have this whole series if I have one. Overall, it's not a bad movie. Just pretty cheesy. Just like anything Limbar Bear stars in. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Needed it to complete a set. Everything was fast and easy. <laughs> Looking forward to more movies. A plus 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 five stars. <laughs> Is this looking forward or is she looking forward to just more movies in general? Maybe more movies in general. They <laughs> love just, movies. She's just like, it's like, boy, I've, I just discovered Netflix. I'm stoked. This is, I can't this wait is, for more This movies. is a very good one. Just what my child wanted. <laughs> five stars. What? Whoa, no this kids is not should for be children. watching this movie. <laughs> it teaches them a little bit about safe sex. A little bit. It's <laughs> true. A very little bit. Yeah. It doesn't teach you the way to accomplish it. Just that there is a way. <laughs> yeah, there, the concept is out there. This is a longer review, but I will just read the last line. The villain is on the loose in New York City, where the hero has to fight him ninja style in a, <laughs> <laughs> in a cosmic duel for time and space itself. What? Yeah, ninja fight style. Him ninja style. <laughs> fruit ninja. He does learn no, the fruit, fruit ninja, ninja technique when he's cutting the fruit. Pretty decent se sequel. This one fits in the Highlander genre. <laughs> This fits in the Highlander genre? No shit. <laughs> what is the Highlander genre? <laughs> I don't know. There's Highlander 2 in it because it's a Highlander movie? I guess. Does that fit this in the is, This is genre? a crazy one. So this one, it sound, sounds like this reviewer is referring to another re bad reviewer's re like review of this movie. So they're Ooh. like schooling them, right? And that person's name, I guess, is Rochelle, <laughs> who gave this movie a bad review. This is like you, Rochelle. Yeah. This is again a great movie in the great Highlander tradition. It's got an excellent storyline. If only Rochelle had read it. What? It's a movie. I think Rochelle has forgotten that this Highlander movies it says that that this Highlander movies 
are like algebra. It's cumulative. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta read and stay up on what's going on. Yeah, that's what you wanna you do when you see a movie. <laughs> I found it to be informative and useful. Informative? What about this movie's fucking informative? <laughs> it brings the series to you. You get a feeling for a wanting to see all the Highlander movies all over again. You get a feeling for the wanting. <laughs> Deborah Unger's acting was serious, discerning, and caring in this thrilling episode of Highlander. Her acting method was profound in her approach <laughs> to her character, showing great intelligence, fortitude, perseverance as the beautiful woman she is portraying. From her eyes, I can tell that a lot of that is really herself. <laughs> Five Jesus. stars. You're real fucking creepy. Who is that maniac? Uh, that's our Gamazon. <laughs> Keep your Gamazon off my movie. Now we're all going to get murdered by our Gamazon. This is it. I won't read all of this one. Another five-star review slamming people that have bashed this movie. <laughs> Lessons. And to the reviewers who put this movie down. <laughs> Perhaps you should stick to re reviewing movies like South Park. South Park's what? a great movie. <laughs> that's a good movie. Uh, wow, are we these people? I don't know. Yeah, I'm glad we've never. <laughs> Maybe should stick to reviewing Chinatown and Godfather Part Two, <laughs> Citizen Kane. This is a good one. The overall acting was good by all, especially Lambert. The script failed to provide a connection to the original script, which I thought was a bit lame. It could have been so easy to provide a reasonable plot for another final confrontation, but the idiots that wrote this script, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> must have had their head in their rear end. After you get beyond that shortcoming, the movie's actually pretty good. <laughs> Christopher Lambert, as expected, made the picture. He's one of the best sword fighters in the film industry. He's good with a blade. I'll add this one to my collection. For me, it's a keeper. Five stars. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, these fucking idiots. These guys had their heads in their asses. Five stars. <sighs> good God. There's, these are really good ones. While this movie doesn't follow a storyline at all, <laughs> it's still entertaining and fun to watch. However, I wouldn't recommend this movie for all you nitpickers. This is us. Who can't set aside all logic for cheap entertainment. That's for sure. This is cheap entertainment. Not that nitpicking is bad, but you must do it in order to enjoy this movie. I would recommend this movie to all you sword fanatics out there just because the great scenes of swordplay. Wow. Five stars. Wow. Is that us? Yes. <laughs> De <-doy. laughs> Did he write that review for us? <laughs> We've heard what Amazon thinks and what other critical reviewers think. What do we think? It's a letdown more than anything. It's not like awful. It's a movie. I watched it twice and I wasn't like, ugh. No, I don't think it's like a trudge to sit through. When I watch Highlander, it moves. It yeah. moves along. When I watched Highlander two twice, the second time, I was definitely like, "We gotta, we gotta pick this up. <laughs> we, <laughs> gotta, we gotta get this thing going." Yeah, I'd agree with that. And this, I it was kind of a breeze to watch it two times. It's just like a shrug. There's some good parts, but here's here's a question: How can they not make a good Highlander movie? The series is great, I think, especially once it fi found its footing. Like they really figured out what the deal is, and like crank out great story after story. I mean, we just got done reviewing The Callous Cycle. That's a movie. You could turn that story into something cinematic, right? Yeah, Easily. totally. Like, that's a great villain, great motivations, all that sort of stuff. It's interesting. It's different. I just don't understand, like, is it because of all the crazy cooks in the kitchen? I feel like Highlander is one good movie and one good TV show, and that's it. It's not three good movies. The story was over in the first movie. They're sh 
continuing to shoehorn just extends to like every piece of it. But how are they able? They get away with it in the in the show, though. They're able to be like, because you when the show starts, it's like, is it really over? Guess not. Like we buy into that and are like, all right, I guess well, this makes sense. Is Why the, can't we accept that in the third movie? Because the show never posits that it's over. The show is like we're in the game now. Right. But frankly, that's the least present problem with this movie. Yeah, the the, the biggest There's problem so is many not problems with this movie that have nothing to do with that, which I agree is an issue. Right. And would be a sticking point for me in a better movie. We literally talked about that problem twice. We talked about it at the beginning when Kane gets buried. Like, oh, I guess this is what happens. And we talk about it at the end. It's like, did Connor win the prize again? Question mark. Or for the first time, those were right. almost the only two times that issue came up. Yeah. Well, but but we then filled, stuff. then we filled five episodes with the other problems of this movie. So right. yeah, I yeah I don't know if it is the just the the movie's over. I can I can forgive that because I get it. It's like, well, we can't make more unless we you know give this pass to this story point There's that the game's over mechanically off they're flawed in the way any movie could be flawed it's like oh this is a miss in highlander land it's a miss in filmmaking like it's a right. misunderstanding of what made the first movie compelling coupled with just not great filmmaking to begin with yeah you know what i mean trying to do too much or do too little i don't know connor was trying to do too much <laughs> doing everything Doing trying to all. put all kinds of nipples in his mouth. I don't know. It's a it's a shrug. How did this movie do? So guys, yeah, let's talk about how this mor movie Morvy movie performed. So the cost of this movie to make was thirty four million dollars. It's a lot of dollars. It's a lot of dollars. Highlander two cost around thirty million dollars. Mm. This cost more. This cost more surprisingly. Like failure after failure. Let's throw more money at it. Maybe that'll fix it. And I believe Highlander one was made for something like what thirteen million. Do you guys want to know what the top grossing movies were that year? And then you can guess how much money this movie made. Sure. sure. All right. So the number one movie of 1995 was actually. Can anybody guess what that might be first? What it could be? Uh, Name any of the top five. You have points. Goldeneye. That's number six. Good guess. Oh wow. Kyle, you got one for the top five. The Mask. Ooh no. So the number one oh, movie was yeah. Toy Story. Whoa. Oh, that was 95. I thought that was 97. 95. Number two, Batman Forever. What? Number three, Apollo 13. Four, Pocahontas. Number five, this will be surprising, Ace Ventura When Nature Calls. Wow. Right? Then Goldeneye. Then we get into Jumanji, Casper, Seven, Die Hard, Crimson Tide, Waterworld, Dangerous Minds, Mr. Holland's Opus. Also, looking through the movies from 1995, 95 was a good movie year. Like, this list is full of lots of good stuff. So, how much money... I'll tell you. So Toy Story made $191,796,000. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to guess this movie made $28 million. $28 million. Amen. This is not price or right. I'm going to say... 20 million. Eamon, you win. This movie made $12 million. Holy Whoa. moly. Taking a dump. <laughs> this movie got fucked. <laughs> yeah. So, do Badly. you think Highland yeah. or do you think Mortal Kombat made more money or less money? I think more. it made more money. How much money do you think Mortal Kombat made? I think Mortal Kombat made $48 million. Eamon. I'll say 50. Eamon wins $70 million. It's wow. in almost breaks the top 20. Number 22, Mortal Kombat. Damn, that came out in 1995 as 1995. well? 1995. Wow. Braveheart, by the way, is 18. Mortal Kombat is 22. How about that? 
Braveheart only made eighteen million dollars. No, it was number eighteen on the list. Braveheart, oh. Braveheart made seventy-five million dollars. Mortal Kombat made seventy. Got That's it. crazy. That's was that Best Picture? Braveheart, I believe so. Might have been. Definitely Best Director. And also, it's a very good movie. That made seventy-five. What's Five Scottish, million dollars more than Mortal Kombat. Scottish themed. <laughs> that is Scottish themed. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> Who do you think will win in a fight between Highlander and Braveheart? Well, only one of them. Between is Highlander and Braveheart, <laughs> <laughs> who, do you, who do you think would win in a fight? Die Hard or Under Siege? Yeah, like who That's wins a in a question. fight? <laughs> Goldeneye or Mission Impossible? <laughs> I think Braveheart could kick Connor's ass. Connor has an unfair advantage with the immortality. What do you but listeners Bra- think? Braveheart has the advantage of being a warrior because <laughs> Connor doesn't give a shit. Yeah, Connor's like Mythos. No, it's like Con- whatever. Connor is a great. Warrior, warrior for good or whatever <laughs> against the evil. Fl- a great warrior in the fight against evil. Oh, can That's we right. talk a little bit about the flashback in this movie? Like, what is that? Like, what's the plot of that? Boring. <laughs> like, it's, the entire Sarah plot. I don't know. It's just like, oh, like I died. I died, and she married someone else. So sad. Like, yep. we never even see them fall in love. So I don't care that he loses her. Really. Also, go back sooner if it was a big deal. I don't know. Maybe he's on the lamb, or he had to finish with the French Revolution. He goes back to the French Revolution. <laughs> gets executed two more times. <laughs> Luckily, by firing squad those times. Yo, if I was an immortal and they had Yo. the guillotine, I'd be like, I'm out. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not in for this. Going to a Sorry. different country. Yeah. I'll fight in some German revolution. Yeah. See ya. Peace. Well, if you have thoughts on our Highlander review, mail us at highlanderrewatched at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Theories you have. Did you agree with what we said? Do you disagree with what we said? Let I us predict know. we would get some hate on this one. We might. I bet there's some people that really like this movie. Well, if any of them are the people that wrote those Amazon reviews, uh, yeah. Well, Kyle, like you, I went into this... Very optimistically. I remember this movie in my head more fondly than when we took it apart. It's like, oh, like, what's going on here? It's not bad. It's just like, it's just not good. <laughs> it's not bad. It's just not good. I think my problem is I can't love this movie because I don't have a glove. So. Oh, that's, that's, the, <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. That's yeah. Just can't love that's it. No love, problem. no glove. Yeah. Or no glove, no glove. No glove, no glove. <laughs> no glove, no glove. <laughs> it's bad that that might be the line I will remember the longest from this movie. <laughs> Yeah. Does anything have anything else to say? I'm just going to shut it down. Nope. I've, I've said all I can say. All right. We've said our piece, I think, on Highlander 3. If we've you... said several people's <laughs> yeah. piece. We've recorded yeah. this for like 12 hours. This is one of the longest sessions we've ever had. Yep. Oh, but we should say, we should tease. Guys, this isn't the end of the Highlander coverage. We have a very Ooh, special interview a coming. Special interview. And That's should right. we even say who it is nope. at this point? Or just leave it as a fucking We're mystery? Leave it as a surprise. All right. Well, we interviewed someone who was in Highlander 3. Mm-hmm. How about that? How about, How about that? it? How about that? They can't assess it because they don't know who it is. <laughs> exactly. But we do get awesome behind the scenes stuff. We get is it, cut, is cut it... script <laughs> stories, all sorts of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's fun. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for it. It's cool. And it was a fun interview. Too. Yeah. Try and guess who it is. Yeah. There's only so many people in this movie. Is it Stosh? Yeah. Is it Looney Napoleon? Yes. Maybe. <laughs> we got Looney Napoleon. We got him, guys. Famed Highlander star, Looney <laughs> Napoleon. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. I can't stress enough that we've been recording for 12 hours. My whole body hurts. <laughs> we've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This was Kyle. This is Amy. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.